I don't know what, what games attach to which game, but there's a lot of code names. A lot of damn code names. Yeah. Um, uh, I just did, Jeff did two step verification for me, so. There, there we go. The, the, the fake Jeff is now back. <laughs> so the, um, so the one that just responded to us right there, the real one? The random, yeah, the real, the real one just sent some random numbers that I asked for. That's two step verification. That's, that's how that works. So I should make right. that, I'll make that one a moderator so moderator. people can know that he's oh, the shit. real one. Sorry. What? Yes. I just dropped a piece of metal on the floor. Never mind. Anyways, um, Space Dovakin, who's been a member for eight months, says, My healthy doses of Xbox 2. Did you guys see the new Digital Foundry analysis of Forza Horizon 5? That game looks awesome. Uh, indeed, I did watch that earlier, but like, I didn't need Digital Foundry to tell me that Forza Horizon 5 looks amazing because I played the preview, and immediately you can tell right away that it looks better than 4. And I don't know why everybody was, like, essentially going on about some downgrade. You remember when people were talking about a downgrade for uh, Forza Horizon? Uh, some people were, you know, spinning, spinning around, spinning around, you know. But uh, it, uh, it, certainly, it certainly looks apart. There's no guns or violence in it, alas. Humble. But, you know, oh, for people who enjoy this fun game. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I say that as I've been playing Pokemon literally all day. The least violent. You're not game even ever. playing a good Nintendo game like Metroid. You're playing Pokemon. Well, Metroid Red's still downloading. I'm, oh, I, well, I installed it. I'm still waiting for it to to to, to install the stuff. But um, uh, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on that Metroid Dread train, man. I knew Metroid Dread would bring me back. I, I I'm I, it's like I said before on the on the other on the other episode. Nintendo's a drug dealer. And the drug they're peddling is nostalgia. There are a few franchises in the world I am more nostalgic for, nostalgic, more nostalgic for, than Super Metroid. When I, I was in, I was in hospital when I was a little kid, and I had sepsis around. In hospital for a very long time, and all I did was lie, lie in the hospital bed, and play Super Metroid for like weeks, like with no guide, and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was going. Well, all I could do was persevere. <laughs> eventually. It did complete that game. But uh, it's a Super Metroid special to me. Metroid Samus. That must be what, one of the reasons why I just don't jive with Nintendo, because I have literally no nostalgia for anything they make. Because when I jumped from the NES, I went to the Genesis, yeah. and I skipped the Super Nintendo completely, and I didn't yeah. own a 64. My buddy did, so I basically didn't play any Super Nintendo or Nintendo 64 games. So I think that's why when I when, when people talk about Nintendo and they talk about Mario and they talk about uh, you know Pokemon and they talk about like what are some other big Nintendo franchises Animal Crossing or Smash Brothers or Mario Kart or any of those sort of things that people love I don't have the nostalgic love for it because I, I didn't grow yeah. up with it like I, yeah I had the NES but after that it was I went to I was Sega kid. And then it was a PlayStation dude, and then an Xbox guy. Like I just, I just sort of missed out on the Nintendo experience, I suppose. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's nostalgia, man. It is like I, I love 
Super Metroid and Pokemon, those are the games I've played, but I never really played the Zelda game, so I don't have a huge amount of nostalgia for Nintendo, um, for Zelda, sorry, and I don't have a huge amount of nostalgia for, like, Mario and stuff like that. I got nostalgia for a lot of their dead franchises, like F-Zero and Star Fox and stuff like that, but, you know, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the franchises people love, like Mario and Zelda, like, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for those. Yeah. So, like, you put, you put out a Metroid, Straight back on the platform. I mean, I, I do like Metroid, and I'm probably gonna I'm gonna probably have to hook up my Switch again and play Metroid Dread because it does look phenomenal. So, yeah. uh, got another super chat from Supernova. It says if Jess succeeds in the next election, he will serve mayonnaise for a year to the general public. Well, that'll probably get him overthrown. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, like there's a lot here to talk about. So much, but we're gonna talk about what we've been playing, and mine's gonna be short. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what. You, I know you're playing the Switch. Have you played anything else this week? I've played. I've been playing Wasteland 3's DLC. Um, I don't know if did I talk about that last week or not. I can't remember. Um, um I'm not sure I'll you did. I'll no. Yeah, I'll just keep it brief. I've been playing like they they released two DLCs for Wasteland 3, Steel Town, and also I can't remember the name of the other one. Um, is it Cult of the... I don't know, I can't... Cult of the Detonation, I think, or something? I can't remember the name of the other one, but the... Steel Town is like... It's like a side story, like a side quest kind of thing, where you, uh... You go and, um... There's a factory that's been taken over. Factory provides, like, machinery to the the recovering wasteland. And you have to go and find out what the hell went wrong. It's like... It's like a multi... Multi-level side, side mission. It's really good. But it takes like a couple of hours to get through, depending on what the path you choose. There's loads of different ways to do it. Tons of secrets in there. Loads of new weapons in there. Some of the some of them are really quite overpowered. <laughs> so um, it's like it's like a good it's like a good side quest to do near the start of the game because it gives you a bunch of bunch of weapons that just feel really powerful for the point you are at in the game. Like a it's like a like a grenade. Fully automatic grenade launcher. <laughs> it's just, it's just hilarious the amount of carnage some of these weapons can, can wreak. And if you like, if you, if you use flamethrower characters as like a whole set of armor, that's ideal for flame, for fire using characters and stuff like that. There's a ton of good stuff in that DLC and the writing is just really good, hilarious, like laugh out loud writing non-stop, tons of secrets. It was just a really great DLC, and I think it was like $8 or something. I was like, yeah, th- this is a great DLC, like uh, Steel Town for Wasteland. I haven't gotten through the other one yet, but um, if you're into Wasteland 3, Steel Town has been a really great excuse to go back and play the game again. There's not often nowadays that I go and play a game through a second time, because I just don't, I just generally don't have the time. But Steel Town was great. Was a really great DLC. Um, other than that, Rand, I've been playing Pokemon Unite. Which you're not going to want to hear about. And the chat's probably not going to want to hear about. Because it combines two of your most hated things, Rand. Oh, or three, maybe. Okay. It's free to play. Ugh. It's a MOBA. Oh, jeez. And it's Pokemon. Yeah, I mean, two of those. I don't necessarily hate free to play, but... Yeah, two of those other ones, it's though. Pay- yeah. People say it's pay to win, though. Because, like, at a higher level, you can, like, you can pay money to get more powerful versions of the abilities or something. I haven't gotten to that point yet. I haven't gotten to the point where there's, like, it started compelling me to buy stuff, thankfully. But, like, in the early game, 
and just like absolutely destroying everyone. I don't know if it's because it's, it's part, it's making me play against kids or I'm playing against mobile phone players or something, but I'm absolutely, and my first, I, I haven't lost the game yet and I've been top of the scoreboard every single time. I have no idea if like the matchmaking is just pairing me against like people who can't play the game to try and make me feel like I'm good. I don't know. Like, you know, you get that sort of, I get that sort of like, we free to play games now. I often have this sort of thing in the back of my mind where I'm thinking, how is the game manipulating me? How is their matchmaking algorithm manipulating me to try and get me to get addicted to this game? And, and like, the fact that I, I've never played the game before and I'm absolutely obliterating everyone makes me feel like they're purposefully feeding me bad players to make me feel like I'm good. So, like, eventually, it's going gonna, it's gonna to start pairing me against actual good players. I'm going to get absolutely stomped. But right now, I'm having, I'm having a blast destroying, destroying mobile players and destroying probably, like, little kids who don't know what they're doing. But, um, yeah, I, I really like it. It's a really fun game. But it makes me feel like, man, I kind of wish Microsoft would make a game like this. I kind of wish there was a, a Microsoft MOBA with Master Chief, and, like, all those sort of X- Xbox characters. I think it would work really well. Like, MOBAs feel great to play as a controller, in my view. Well, didn't um, you say that Xbox was making a MOBA game of some kind? Potentially. Um, I've heard... I've heard... Indus is the... Indus... Wait, I'm, I'm getting my code names mixed up now. Indus, Which Indus is the 4X, like... City Skylines-ish game, isn't it? From Oxide? Ah, right, 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 yeah. They, yeah, so there, there is there is some kind of MOBA being made by Microsoft right now with another partner studio. I can't remember off the top of my head what the code name for that is. Um, oh, what is it now? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. But there is, there is some kind of MOBA coming from a Microsoft partner studio. But I don't think it's um, I don't think it's going to be using Microsoft properties. But I could be wrong. That maybe like a myth. I don't know. There's I mean, so many, I know, there's so many I, properties now is, with Bethesda. It's like you, maybe now's the time to do a kart racer as well, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it. You could have like you could have like a Doom guy in there. You could have like all the characters from you know. You could have Bethesda characters in there. You could have. Hilo, Killer Instinct, and there's loads of characters that could put in a MOBA. All-star MOBA and stuff. Um, but I'd love that. And, you know, Pokemon Unite, like, I know it's Pokemon and whatever, but it plays really well with the controller. It really, really does. It feels great to play. Um, so I do think, like, I do think the, the entire console industry is missing a trick here. There's, there's literally no MOBAs that are worth playing on Xbox except for Smite. And that's like third person. It's not like isometric. I don't know. But yeah, that's all I've been playing really this week. Yeah, I've, I've dabbled in a few of the games on and off. Um, I was testing the Razor Wolverine V3 Chroma this week. So I installed, I installed Call of Duty Black Ops to play, try it out. Try out the controller and then uninstall Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War straight away after because it still sucks. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> that's basically. What's going to be better this year, or what's going to be better, uh, Black Ops Cold War or uh, Vanguard? Oh, 
I don't know, man. They're both terrible. Let's face it. Let's just be frank and honest about it. Like, ah, man. Why why does Call of Duty Vanguard have laser dot sights in it, man? They just bugged me. If you're going to make a World War II shooter, make it a World War II shooter. But I've already had that run, so let's not go down that again. Um, but yeah, that's all I've been playing, man. What have you been playing, Rand? What have you been playing, right. friendo? Friendo so, Amigo. Friendo Amigo. Um, Kendrick Starr Super Chat says, forget Metroid, Jez. Play inside it on Game Pass. So he doesn't want you playing on, on the Switch. Supernova asks if there's any tiny hope for Rise 2. Eh, Rise 2, Jez, what do you think? Possible? Not possible? And I want to believe... I want to believe, Rand. I want to believe. There were rumors not that long Why ago. Why is a pretty cool game? There were yeah, rumors I not that like, long I ago have... from uh, our buddy, our friendo, our amigo, uh, Special Nick, over at Xbox Era. Special Nick. Special Nick. Did he say that? Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure he kind of said that uh, Crytek was working on a Rise game. Or there was a leak around it, and he mentioned it or something, but... You know, there was also the point where everybody thought Microsoft was going to acquire Crytek at E3. I remember that. Um, I don't know. I, we, well, I uh, I haven't heard. I have a few code names that I have no information about. And people in chat are asking, what is Belfry? I have no idea what Belfry is. I have no idea what it is. All I have for Belfry is a code name. So, who knows? Maybe Belfry is Rise 2. If Belfry was Rise 2, I would have no idea about it. Um... And there's other code names I know, which I have no idea about right now. And they could be Rise 2. But I haven't personally heard a shred that Rise 2 could be on the way or greenlit or anything like that. I think it's, I think I'd love to see a Rise 2. I think Rise 1 was kind of like, it was really great that they salvaged, they salvaged Rise 1 from what was supposed to be a, na- a connect native game. And, um, they were, they were doing a load of connect native games around that time. That they were actually making a Connect first Gears of War game, believe it or not, around that time I heard recently, which is very interesting to think about. Like, how how would you play that? Would you like use your arms to do the Lancer or something? I can't even imagine how that would work. Maybe it'd be like an on-rail shoot or something. I don't know. Jeff Jeff Grubb, the hero, is looking into Belfry, so um, we might have some more information about that soon. But yeah, I have. Um, I haven't heard anything about Rise 2, but I'd like to see it come back. Would you like to see it come back, Rise? Yeah, you're right, Rise 1. Rise 1, I thought, was good. I don't think it deserves the score it has in Metacritic. I think I think a lot of reviewers took out their frustration on what Xbox was doing on a lot of their games in uh, the beginning of the yeah. generation. Uh, I, I don't think Rise is a 60. I'm not saying like Rise is like an 85 or anything, but... I, I kind of looked at Rise as a, as a game that was, you know, had some troubled development. It was a, supposed to be a Kinect game for the Xbox 360, and then a transition to basically an Xbox One launch title with just kind of Kinect features. And for what it was, I thought it, you know, there was a lot of room for improvement, right? I thought, like, okay, the game, it's also still an incredibly looking, you know, game, even today, when you play on the Series X, we yeah. back and pat. Uh, I always kind of thought to myself, man, you know, like, they could have made some really cool improvements for Rise 2. That could have, like, Microsoft could have had their 
quote-unquote God of War franchise that they could have trotted out every few years. Um, but that's kind of the situation with the Xbox One is we didn't get many sequels to a lot of games where sometimes the sequels end up being a lot better. Uh, you know, and I always kind of compared Rise to, like, Uncharted being that Uncharted 1 I don't think was very good, but Naughty Dog was allowed to make a sequel, and they kind of found their formula, mm-hmm. and Uncharted 2 was incredible. Uh, and I kind of felt like, what if, you know, you gave Crytek actual time to make it, and it wasn't this kind of mishmash of, well, it's 360, no, it's Xbox One, well, it's Connect game, well, it's kind of Connect, but not really these problems that it had, and just be like, okay, you take the vision of what Rise was, and you kind of cut out the Connect stuff, and you just make it better, you work on the combat more, right? I, I thought it could have been... A really cool franchise for Xbox. Now, maybe they revisit it. I don't know what Crytek is doing. They just released the, you know, the remastered trilogy. So clearly there's probably a new Crisis game coming because why else would they bother doing, you know, remastering the Crisis trilogy if they weren't getting prepared to, you know, reintroduce people to the, the franchise if they weren't going to do a new Crisis game. But I mean, I would, I would like it if it came back. So yeah. Um, Austin says, I don't know if it's anything, but I saw in Game Pass coming soon, Halo Infinite changed from full graphic to Halo Infinite multiplayer. Hint on campaign delay with no co-op and ray tracing at launch. Um, well, we don't know if it's going to be two separate apps like Crackdown was, where like you download the game, or maybe you just download the multiplayer and then the campaign separate. We're not really sure how that's all going to work, but they did confirm, Jez, that there is no ray tracing in, for Halo at launch. Does that bother you? Mm doesn't bother me. Um, it is kind of like, it's kind of irritating in a way because they were, they use ray tracing as a selling point for next gen. Like they were like, oh, Xbox Series X can do ray tracing, blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, I remember, I remember writing the review for the Series X and it was like, well, we, we don't really have any examples of ray tracing right now. There's like a couple of caves and gears, gears, Gears 5 that uses ray tracing, and uh, and we still don't have the Watch Dogs update for ray tracing. And when the update did come for Watch Dogs ray tracing, it was terrible. It looked horrible. I don't know if they've improved it since, but the first Watch Dogs Legion patch for ray tracing, it made everything look like it was covered in Game Boy graphics. It mm. was just pixelated and horrible. It was terrible. Um, so... I'd rather they got it right than do something like they did with Watch Dogs Legion and rush it out or something. But it's increasingly looking like ray tracing is just not happening this gen, really. I mean, there, there, there's like there's parts of Psychonauts where you can see ray tracing being used. Um, but, you know, Psychonauts is, has quite simplistic graphics, I guess. Um and then, like, there's some of the games where you get ray tracing here and there. Like, um, I thought the ray tracing implementation in, uh, oh, what's it called now? Uh, that Cyberpunk game by Bluebird. What's it called? Uh, the Medium? No, or, no, the Cyberpunk one. one. Um, Spooky Cyberpunk one. Yeah, I, 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 I played that one. I just can't think of, uh, Observer. There Observer. <laughs> Man, I'm starting to get old now. It's like, it's like my my brain long time to recover memories from deep storage. I need an MVME brain. But um, yeah, I thought like um, 
I thought Observer had really good ray tracing. You know, I thought that was like a really good example. But then it's like a walking simulator. <laughs> um, I just get tired. I get tired around of walking simulator. So you don't think but, you don't think Halo Halo Infinite ray tracing not being there is a big is a, is a big issue. Some people just say this is just a further compounded issue of Halo Infinite's problems, like no co-op at launch and no. Forge at launch, yeah, and now there's maybe. no ray tracing at launch. Um, I mean, if I had to speculate, if I had to speculate, maybe their maybe their implementation of ray tracing is tied up to a future version of the operating system, because we've had this before, where like Microsoft wants to implement a new version of something which requires a new DirectX version or something, and they have, and that gets delayed, so then they have to wait for that. Um, I'm sure if they wanted to use what the ray tracing stuff they've got now, they could probably just turn it on. But maybe it wouldn't look as good as what they've got planned. That's just speculation and being apologetic for them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like damage controlling, I guess. But um, without knowing the full reasoning why they're not doing it um, or having a source on, a source to corroborate any of that, it's just speculation. I don't think it's a big deal. But it's sort of, it, it's like you say, it's just kind of irritated. You know, there's, Halo Infinite has the burden of showcasing the platform, the console, blah, 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 blah. So, what ifs? I didn't really, um, didn't, I didn't really uh, think this was news <clears throat> because they said it wasn't going to, before the game was delayed the first time, they said that yeah. ray chasing wasn't going to be there. Which I was like, made sense because it was like, they're rushing for launch. Uh, they probably like, well, what are some of the things we don't need to focus on for launch to get this game out? And it was like ray tracing is clearly one of them, right? And then the game was delayed a year, and I just thought to myself, well, they're delaying it because there's other issues with the game, and ray tracing isn't important, you know, to delay a game for. So, of course, ray tracing is not going to launch with the game even after it's been delayed a year, and that proved to be the case. So it's coming later. Is this one of those things where it's like, Ray tracing isn't needed, but then when you take it combined with like, oh well, co-op's not there and Forge isn't there, you can't, a lot of people will look at it and be like, well, this doesn't speak well to the game. But then it's like a lot of people have played the game, right? We've all played the multiplayer. We all love the multiplayer, and I'm not well, all not everyone, but the majority of the people seem to be very enthused about the multiplayer. Um, and I don't know, out of the games that I play with ray tracing, I prefer not to use it because I prefer a rock solid frame rate and I don't think you know the the rays are worth playing the game at 30 frames so and even on the PlayStation when um, when they do offer like Miles Morales and Ratchet like you know uh, ray tracing performance mode I typically tend not to choose that one I just choose straight up performance I, I don't know I don't ray tracing at least right now with one year into the generation, it's not that impressive, and maybe it becomes better when you know cross gen ends and they understand the you know what the systems can do better because a lot of these games that are being built now were built like you know uh, when systems were just the dev kits weren't really finalized and you know so it's like they're not really taking full advantage of the systems just yet. So maybe in a couple years yeah. it gets better and ray tracing becomes a bigger thing. Like Forza Horizon I 5, like, Forza, like Forza Horizon 5 has ray tracing in Forza Vista mode, 
And I think that it maybe has to do more with the engine. And since Turn 10 is working very hard on the next iteration of motorsport and upgrading the engine for next gen, then you'll probably start to see ray tracing in the actual game, which then the next Forza Horizon will have ray tracing. So I, I, I think it's more of a thing of devs getting used to it and updating their engines for it, and maybe it becomes a, a bigger and better thing uh, a couple a couple years from now, you know? I don't know. I could be yeah. wrong, but I guess. Um, Chris wants to know if we've heard anything about Rare. It seems like them quiet since Everwild was being reevaluated. Reevaluated. Well, uh, Matt Booty did talk on the kind of funny podcast that uh, the whole uh, game being rebooted was kind of blown out of proportion to a certain degree. Um, yeah, I, I think like I think some of that stuff shows like a lack of understanding from journalists on how game development works. It's probably like they just in pre-production they decided to take it into a different direction. And they, they interpreted that as a full-blown reboot, you know, but whatever. I would, I still have no idea what game, kind of game it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Sea of Thieves has been incredibly great for, for Rare. They just announced 25 million players, which is incredible. You know, when you go back to 2018, everybody played Sea of Thieves, and it was like, man, there's not a lot of content here, and it reviewed pretty poorly the fact that it turned around as well as it did to probably you can make the argument that Sea of Thieves was the big probably the most important IP for the Xbox One generation definitely like yeah, the biggest new IP that they launched um yeah and you could put it up there with Absolutely. the Forza Horizons i mean could you put it up there with Halo Potentially, did Halo 5 Guardians have 25 million players? I don't know if Xbox really announced player numbers for that game. It, it might be it's impossible more people played Sea of Thieves than they played Halo 5, which would be interesting. Yeah, um, maybe. I, I didn't expect them to turn around on that. So, you know, but it's been, what, three years now uh, since Sea of Thieves has been out. going to go on four years next year. And I think a lot of people, like, it's kind of like one of those things where you either love Sea of Thieves and you, you want to continue to play it, but a lot of other people are like, all right, I'm 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 ready for something new from Rare, and they want to know whatever Wild is. So um, it'll probably be a bit before we see it again. Um, but I wonder what else, if, if they're working on anything else besides just Everwild, uh, personally. I, Everwild, while it looks super cool, like I love the art style, I'm not necessarily sure... Going around healing animals is going to be my thing. But I guess we'll have to wait and no. see what it is before we kind of uh, judge it, I, I suppose. But that's Maybe kind of... it's like the, the opposite of Grounded, where in Grounded you go around killing animals and eating them, and then in Everworld you go around healing all the animals that you've killed in Grounded to, to balance out your karma. <laughs> yeah, this also speaks to um, a more mature Xbox and their studio leadership because... We've talked about it before, like, Xbox really, they, they push games out maybe before they were ready. Uh, now with all the studios they have, they don't necessarily have to have games out. When, like, we would be talking about Gear 6 and it would be coming out next year if we normally, yes. you know, talked about the cycle, right? But they're taking extra time for the next Gears game. Uh, you know, Forza Motorsport normally would never have gone four, four or five years without a release. But 
you know, it kind of needs a, a, a refresh, a reboot, right? Um, yes. So you kind of look at all this stuff, and Xbox is giving them longer time uh, to make the games better, which is great. So in times past, maybe, like, Microsoft would have been looked at it every while and been like, okay, we'll just go with what it was, release it, instead of giving them extra time. So I always kind of look at it as the positive side of it. It's like you give the games all the time in the world that you need because you have all these studios, which kind of goes into our discussion from last week where I said Xbox needs to buy more studios uh, because games take longer to make, and who knows, with development issues, you're always going to need games to fill in voids. And you were like, well, no, you know, like <laughs> you were trying to argue the opposite, that they shouldn't because, you know, there's, the, there's diminishing returns, which I understand if we're talking about buying 50 studios, but I was like, you know, another seven studios would be pretty good, hit that 30 number. Then you can comfortably have games that come out all the time, even if games also run in some dev issues. It doesn't matter because you still have all these games. Um, I was just thinking about, like, <clears throat> Embracer Group. Well, who knows what Embracer's like, doing? I, I, yeah, I have, no, I have no idea what Embracer's deal is. But, like, Embracer Group, like, Embracer Group, like, they can have a million studios because they want to release their games on everything. Like, Microsoft can't really do the Embracer Group thing because they're, they're sticking to one platform and it's all about Game Pass, right? And if, like, if Game Pass only has so many subscribers in it, then, you know, you eventually start sort of competing against yourself. There's a, there's a, like, they can, they can accurately measure how much free time, realistically, every single, every single member of Game Pass has. They can, they can measure the exact amount of free time. Like every, they can just they can just look at how much people are playing, and they can be like, okay, well, these people aren't running out of things to play. They've got this much free time, or this is how much extra time we've got to fill, right? So I was just sort of thinking about it from an analytical sort of mathematical <laughs> kind of way, but they also need to grow, and I think like it's like some you know we're talk, we're going to talk about this later because. There was some pretty spicy takes about those mm. missed, quote unquote missed uh, targets this week, um, quote unquote missed targets. So we're gonna we're gonna have some spicy you know discussions about that. But um, is those AAA bangers right? Yeah, we do need them. Yes, we and do. I agree with that bit, that part of it. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, Dan Becker says Psychonauts did, ha- did not have ray tracing. Well, I don't think anybody said it did have ray tracing. No, I, I. Oh, you no, did, did say that? I said, oh. I said, ray tra- I said it had ray tracing, but um, I think, like, didn't it have ray tracing in some parts, or was that seriously just screen space reflection? Uh, like, there was, there's, a part in, there's a part in Psychonauts where there's a slime everywhere, and I thought that was, like, ray tracing. Is that uh, just screen space reflection? could just be screen Yeah, I think it's just screen space. I don't think it was ray tracing. Uh, oh, okay, well... I- Look bloody gorgeous, no matter what it was. Flame says, thankfully I'm not playing Halo until June or or so. Might be later until ray tracing gets added. After Cyberpunk, I don't want to support incomplete games. And uh, Cyberpunk's uh, a next-gen update got pushed to next year alongside the update for Witcher 3. So look for that next year. Space Topican says, I think the full velocity architecture is bound to direct storage, and that tech is bound to full PC support, and direct storage got delayed on Windows 11. And um, 
Mm. Scarecrow's been a member for 20 months. Says dogs are fed, birds are chirping, wife is sleeping. In time to relax, listen to the dynamic duo of Xbox content. Have a good one, boys. Thank you for all the support. So I guess really quickly, before we get into all these juicy topics, uh, so when I said earlier that the journey's over, right, for me, um, we know uh, for the past, like, month, shout out to Sanctuary for becoming the newest member. Appreciate it, man. That uh, I've been reading The Wheel of Time, right? Oh, that journey. That journey. <laughs> so 14 books and a prequel, so 15 books. I finished it. Uh, okay. Some 4 million words or whatever it is. Um, basically spent the last month and a half reading nothing but this, or pretty much doing nothing but this, taking some time here and there to play some video games, but I was... Needed to finish this, and I did. So I, I finished the last book a couple of days ago. And um, so how do I say this without signing? Um, it was everything I wanted it to be, Jess. It was the ending was the wow. most satisfying conclusion to anything I have ever read or seen in my entire life. And I... Have you read them before? I thought that was your whole deal, man. The what? No. Haven't you read them before? I read... So, see, the problem is, is when you've been... I started this series when I was 16, right? I'm 40 now. I'm, I'm old. Not as old as Jez, you know, who had his birthday last week, but I started it when I was 16. So there's a part of me that never really wanted to finish it, to see it end, because that would be the closure on... Uh, oh, wow. You know, a time of my life, right? Like, a time where I was carefree, you're in high school, best time, hanging out with your buddies. Like, I, and rereading the series, which I've done multiple times, I was just always in this position of, like, reading it and kind of remembering what it was like then when I started it, right? So it's this journey that I started, uh, in like 1996, 97. Um, and, I never, like, when he died, I never wanted to, I don't know, I kind of was just like, well, that's it, I'll never finish it. But then, for whatever reason, I decided I want to read it again. I want to, I want to, I want to see what the ending's all about. And, uh, so I read all of them, right? I finished it. Uh, I hadn't read the last four, I hadn't, so I hadn't read the books where Brandon Sanderson wrote because he died. And, I mean, yeah, there is a lot of nostalgia there, because it means a lot to me. Um, so, I'm not going to lie about it, I, I don't know if I should say this, because people will make fun of me, uh, so maybe I shouldn't, but whatever, who cares, people make fun of me all the time, um, I, I had tears streaming down my face, Jazz, it was hard to read the last, I don't know, 100 pages, uh, because it was everything I wanted it to be, so... Uh, you know, tears of tears of sadness that it was ending, that a, like a part of my life was finally, you know, uh, come to a close. Come to a close, right? Uh, characters died, main characters, which were shocking, and you know, characters that I've been, you know, the series has been. Um, you now I talked about before how I had to sell all my books when I was homeless for a bit, but bef- there was a time where when I was homeless, I didn't have any money. And I was living in my my buddy's car, um, where I would 
during the winter, which is really cold in Chicago, you know, 20 degrees below zero, uh, and before I needed the money, because I had some at the time, but, like, those books would keep me company as I would be in the car, not being able to sleep, uh, because I was so cold. So, I would have, like, the, uh, a flashlight, or the, the thing on the, you know, like, when you click on, the, like, the light at the, at the top of the car, like, you turn that on, and I would sit there and I'd read it, and it would keep my mind away from, like, the problems of my life at the time. And I had read through the series, like, twice when that was going on. And then eventually, I needed more money, so I sold them all. So, like, this is a series that as I've been reading since, like, <sighs> almost all my life, and it helped me out during the darkest times of my life. So, like, finishing it and seeing how um, seeing how everybody ended up, like, I don't know, it got to me, man. And then I ended up getting this, like, um, a huge, like, as soon as I finished it, I just got, like, hit with this overwhelming sense of depression. So, uh, I don't know, it, it was... I don't want to speak more about it because I can see some people being like, I'm tuning out, but like, uh, yeah, like, uh, anyways, let's move on. <laughs> um, so, uh, that's, that's, uh, basically, that, that's basically, um, that's, that's basically what I've been doing. So I finally finished it. I, I finally finished the series and, I'm moving on so I can get back to playing video games. It was just something I needed to do. And uh uh so yeah. Um Jazz. I I I know how it feels, man. Like so when you when you're involved involved in something like that. Um but you know. Onwards and upwards, man. And you know, look how far you've come, you know. I can't pretend to know what it's like to be homeless. I can't. <clears throat> we all go through stuff, and you've done pretty all right, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done done pretty good. So I can't wait to see what the show's like, so I can finally see it on the on the screen. So, um, but Jez, uh we got we got a super chat here from K. Asante. He says, "Salute to the Xbox Two and to you, Ran. Some of us use the Xbox Two to get through dark times for the pandemic. We love you both. Keep it up. Thank you. Um, let's talk about uh, Wu Tang." Talk about new Xbox. Wu Tang. Wu Tang. So you had teased something about uh, I want to get into Wu Tang. All the way back in July, and it was uh, you yeah, know, I did. <laughs> and and the one and only Jeff Grubb saw it, and he called you. Well, he didn't call you out on it, but he was like, "Huh." Once upon a time in Shaolin, and I was just uh, I was. <laughs> I started laughing because I was like, oh, geez, Jeff's just basically telling the world, you know, what Shaolin is because that that's the code name for it. So do you have any more information about Wu-Tang, Project Shaolin, or whatever the hell it's called? Man, it's it's funny because, um, like, I, I heard back in July Microsoft was making a Wu-Tang Clan game. And I was like, really? That is very, very interesting. Um, and I, I had like, I had information, but I sort of, I, I wondered if it was just a pitch, if it was actually going ahead, 
if someone had just pitched it and they it was like not actually going to get greenlit or whatever. But then like as part of that Nvidia leak and like a bunch of other information, this this code name came up, which is code name Shaolin. Um, and I was like, man, if if Shaolin is related to that Wu Tang thing that I heard about months ago, that's a bit on the nose for a code name. But you know, not all code names are created equal, I guess, because Jeff Grubb of uh, VentureBee fame, he did. Uh, he made the link that I wasn't able to make, that it is, like, I couldn't confirm that Shaolin was the Wu-Tang game. All I knew is that I, I know, I knew there was a code name for Shaolin, and I knew there was a Wu-Tang card game. <laughs> but I, I didn't, I couldn't make the link, but Jeff was able to make the link. So, it does seem like there is a Wu-Tang Clan game in development that uses Wu-Tang Clan lore, which I am completely unfamiliar with. Um, or even if, like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, uh, yeah, so there's people in chat saying, Wu-Tang was a martial arts philosophy, not the actual band. You say this, but um, I've got information here that it says the soundtrack for the Wu-Tang Clan game is made by the Wu-Tang Clan the music group. Now, I don't know if that's because it's, you know, they are the main part of the game, or if it's, like, based on the, you know, the, the martial arts law or whatever. But I'll just, I'll just, I'll just go into it, okay? So, it's made by Brass Line Entertainment, who, and they have on their website that they're working on a unannounced action RPG. And then the information about this Wu-Tang Clan game, Project Shaolin, um, it says it's a third-person fantasy action RPG revolving around melee combat, supporting up to four-player co-op. It's got uh, a beefy campaign, a um, uh, couple of dozen hours, according to this. Uh, it's got seasonal content, so it's going to have ongoing stuff. It has woo gods in it. I don't know what that means. What is what is a woo god? That's probably from the martial arts stuff. It's got loot, looting aspects. It's got uh, dungeon, dungeon crawling, and um, with uh, replayability and modifiers and stuff. Kind of like how you know, end game, in end game, like uh, uh, in Minecraft dungeons, for example, like you'll have modifiers and different kind of mobs and stuff like that. And it says the soundtrack is made by Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, by Brass Lion, and the game's made by Brass, Brass Lion Entertainment. So, yeah, that, that is Project Shaolin, from what I understand. And, uh, this information came first from Jeff Grubb, who came, who went into more detail about it, I believe. But, um, and uh, I think what happened was, someone actually, someone actually said it in chat on, um, on his stream, that they guessed it was Brass Line Entertainment. And then Jeff said, yeah, it's Brass Line Entertainment. So um, that's where we are. That is a, another game coming from Microsoft, apparently. And um, now, it's, uh, from what I understand, it's pretty early, like Project Dragon as well. So don't expect to see this anytime soon. But that is the pitch. And I have no idea if, I have, I have no idea if, um, 
they've actually landed Wu Tang Clan to do the to do the soundtrack, or if that was just, or if that was just a sort of a pitch. I don't know if that's like a plan or a hope or a goal to get Wu Tang Clan to do the the to do the music, um, or if they've actually done it. And if there's um you know if there's uh if that's all greenlit and that's all going ahead, but the fact that it's got a code name Project Shaolin. It does seem that it is going ahead. So, yeah, that is that is that, Brand. So, what do you think? so it sounds like a Diablo style name. Third person uh, melee combat, you know, action RPG. That kind of sounds like Diablo to me. Yeah, third person. I don't think it's isometric. It sounds like you know regular sort of. It just says third person, so I guess that could be isometric, but. But yeah, it sounds like it's got replay, replayable endgame content, seasonal content, gear, loot, weapons, and replayability, and, you know, seasons, and stuff like that, and yeah, I'm really, really super intrigued, because while I do like Minecraft Dungeons, it kind of like, it's still, it's still Minecraft, you know. I would like, I'd like that kind of gameplay with a sort of more, maybe serious, serious style or take on it, but... But yeah, I have no idea how um, this is all going to play out. Play out. I have no idea if it's going to get cancelled. I have no idea if it's it's going to make it out of out of planning. But yeah, it sounds pretty damn awesome to me. Um, but yeah, I remember <laughs> when you told me about this back in like I don't know June or whatever it was. I sat there and yeah. you're like, "Yeah, Xbox is making a Wu Tang game," and I'm like, "Excuse me, what?" <laughs> out of all the things. Xbox, you could tell me about games that Xbox are making, and you just drop a, yeah, they're making a Wu-Tang game. I, I was sitting there, I'm like, they're doing how now? They're doing what? A Wu-Tang game? Like, what's going on? I was like, like, what, what like, are we talking like a Def Jam Fight for New York style game? Like, you know, or are we talking something different? And you were like, I don't know, I'll try to get more, but it's a Wu-Tang game of some kind. And I'm just, I sat there and I was just like, that's weird. I, I didn't think, you know, 2021, Thinking about the future of Xbox, talking about all the type of games they'd be making that one of the games that would be coming from them from global publishing would essentially be a Wu-Tang game. I, like, that is not something I had on my bingo card, you know? Yep, yep, indeed. I mean, the, you know, I, I, I only know the name Wu-Tang from the hip-hop group, you know? Yeah, me too. I have, I haven't. I have no sort of, I have no knowledge of it beyond that. And I knew, I knew they were gunning for Wu-Tang Clan to do the music. So I was wondering if it was like, revolved around the actual band. Like the, like the, the game was about the band. But like, it says, it says if you look up uh, Wu-Tang on, on the interwebs, um, it says that, um, Wu-Tang originates from the martial arts films Enter the Dragon and the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. 1978, the gritty, distinctive sound of Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers, created a, blue type, a blueprint for hardcore hip-hop during the 1990s. Um, I have no idea, like, um, if there's, like, real-life Wu-Tang Clan or something like that. Like, I'm super ignorant about history. I didn't take history at school. Um, but I'm going I'm to look into it, and it does sound, you know, it sounds really intriguing. I have no idea if it's about the game or if it's about ancient Wu-Tang, a real-life Wu-Tang clan from, from history or something. Uh, someone in chat might know better than me. So 
someone's more educated than me, but either way, it's martial arts. Um, it's martial arts and stuff like that. Like Boom Slayer says, Wu God. It's Wu Tang. Wu Tang group law. The game is based on their law. I bet money. So, um, and the the Wu Tang already had a game back in the PS One days. Says Q Tang Clan. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like. Man, it's uh, it's it's really intriguing. Like, if this is all going ahead, um, you know, but that that is that is that is a game that is planned in some capacity. And the fact that the fact that Shaolin, we started seeing code names for Shaolin being thrown around, and Jeff Grubb had, had separate sourcing, that that lends a lot of credence to that info, in my view. So, I am intrigued, and maybe we'll be hearing about that next year or the year after. But it, like I say, everyone, it's very, very early, and uh, I'm going to queue up a load of Wu-Tang Clan on Spotify to listen mm. to and do some research. Very interesting. But then what What about, um, I believe Jeff also broke this, uh, Microsoft is working with Mainframe on a MMO that is cloud-based or yeah. something as well? Yeah, Jeff, Jeff wrote that too. Um, mainframe, um, and I, I, we mentioned it on the show, which I'd heard about. I didn't have any other details beyond the fact that they were looking to partner up with Mainframe on a game. I had no information beyond that. But um, Jeff added some extra stuff to the pot there. Um, that it's a cloud, cloud-based game that scales across devices. It's designed to be like... Um, it's designed to sort of be... Uh, like an MM, another MMO, a multiplayer game. Like we're getting, we're getting one from Mainframe, we're getting one from Elder Scrolls Online Dev, and we're also getting one from IO Interactive apparently. So there's a lot of service games coming out, um, to mix in to, to all the other stuff that's coming. Um, and the, Jeff said in his piece on Venture Beat, which you should definitely read, talks about how it's, um, it's designed with uh, scale, scalability in mind and device agnosticity, I guess you could call it, where um, the, ga- the game sort of detects what device you're using and uh, gives you a gameplay experience based on that. So if, for example, if you are playing the game from a phone, it might give you crafting up front and center instead of, like, giving you, like, the full-blown game or something. Kind of along those lines. And it's about establishing best practices as they continue to negotiate with Hideo Kojima about building a cloud game with him as well. So a lot of, you know, service multiplayer games going on. What do, what do you think about this, Ram? Because I know you're not hugely into the idea of MMOs. No, not at all. So, yeah, it's not something that interests me whatsoever. I don't, you don't I, even try it? I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't try it. I'm just saying, like, the idea of an MMO is not something that excites me. Uh, I'd have to see what the game is first off, like what sort of setting it is and how everything plays before, you know. Mm. But, like, just off the top, like, you tell me, like, oh, there's an MMO. That's a real uh, – that's – when you talk about things where I don't like, where you talked about, like, the Pokemon game, like, oh, free-to-play – uh, Pokemon, Amoba, like, you add on also MMO to that, and it's just not something that interests me whatsoever. Um, that's fair. That's just, that's just my personal taste. So so those are some newer things, uh, the Wu-Tang stuff, the mainframe MMO, uh, anything else you want to 
sell people or leak or whatever? Because I know you got you have a lot there. <laughs> yeah, you you have you have a lot there, but but sometimes you hold back because it's not time or you don't want to yeah. uh, you know take the, the thrill away from developers announcing their own stuff. So. Um, is there anything else you want to say I mean, about anything else? Nah, I think that's enough. So basically, um, we're gonna have to get you uh, drunk before you you drop some more information. <laughs> well, it's 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 like it just kind of sucks if like I get everyone hyped for this for this game and you know me and me and Jeff talk about things we've heard and then and then like it it doesn't happen you know it, it kind of sucks then right. But it does it does seem like this is happening. Like it seems like Project Dragon's happening, it seems like Shaolin's happening. It seems like 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 Typhoon, you know. Like we heard about Project I heard about Project Typhoon back in spring and then then we got the reveal of contraband, right? So there's a lot of cool stuff on the horizon. And um I think uh man, I I, I just no matter what kind of game you're into, Microsoft's gonna have something for you, I think. You know? Maybe, like, like literally everything. They got 4X strategy, they got MOBA, they got MMOs, they got card games, they got Diablo likes, they got single player games, they got multiplayer games, they got racing games. Special Nick said they got a fighting game coming. Well yeah, Edward <laughs> King wants to know if, uh, he says Jez is the killer instinct rumor from Nick True. I have no, I have no information about Killer Instinct. Maybe Jeff knows. Jeff's in chat. Jeff, do we know anything about kill, the Killer Instinct two rumors? Because I, I have no information about that. I do have some code names that I don't, I'm not able to attach projects to, like Project Belfry. No idea what Project Belfry is. A Belfry is the tower in which bells are kept. Um, round. Uh, I don't. Like, does that give you any hints? A bell, a belfry is where, like in a church, you have a tower and the bells are in the tower. That's a belfry. Does that, does that give you a hint, Rand? No, but I mean, like, usually uh, code yeah, names have uh, nothing to, like, Project Holland was Fable. What does Fable got to do with Holland? Or was it Project yeah. Rich, Woodstock was Forza Horizon 5? Like, what does that got to do with Forza Horizon? Right? What, yeah, what, what was Halo Infinite's code name? Uh, is it Olympus? Something like that. Was it Olympus? I I can't remember. I, I I lose track of all these bloody code names. I'm just saying. Normally, it's it's like there's because I know because I know some people will be like, well, Project Belfry sounds like a Batman because Batman has, you know, that's what it could be. So it's a Batman game and Shaolin, you know, Shaolin monks. That's definitely a Mortal Kombat game, right? Where it's like, uh, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, you know. But as for Killer Instinct, uh. We know they want to do one. Uh, you know, J- Phil's talked about it on Kind of Funny, uh, that basically they want to do one, and it's just that people were busy, and that's exactly what me and Jez have been saying for a while now. Um, yeah. Could they have found somebody? Potentially. Um, but if they have, I would imagine we wouldn't hear about it for a couple years from now until they're ready to show it. So it's one of those things where it'll probably be years before we actually uh, get any, you know, verifiable information that it's actually true. Like, I want Killer Instinct to come back. I really like Killer Instinct uh, from Double Helix and Iron Galaxy. I do think it's a shame that 
they weren't working on a sequel for the Series X and Game Pass. Um, so hopefully we get one, you know, maybe like three years, four years from now, 2024, 2025, Microsoft can drop Killer Instinct 2, which would be really cool. We'll just have to wait and see on that one. So, uh, Brody Lyon says, hey, Jez and Rand, love the show. Could Jez provide any updates on As Thus Falls? There wasn't in Grub's 2023 games lineup. Could it be 2022? I have no information about As Thus Falls. To be honest, I barely even remember what it is. I just, isn't that, isn't that a narrative adventure game, like a walking sim or something? Uh, I wouldn't call it a walking sim, but it definitely has a unique art style. That's the one that kind of looks like a comic. Um, yeah, still images and, um, and stuff. I think it could be a 2022 title. I mean, they revealed it in, in 2020 at the their E3 show. Um, so it, it definitely could be a game that comes out next year. Mm. But I, uh, I have no idea what kind of game that is. I have no idea what kind of game it is. It's probably what just kind a, of game is it? it's probably just a narrative adventure uh, with a unique art style. But other than that, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, well, we, didn't, says, we, um, we only saw like a few minutes of it. Drama. It's what? Yeah. It says interactive drama on the website, so yeah, um, visual novel. Yeah. Okay. So it's similar to Quantic Dream games, like Heavy Heavy Rain. Jason. Jason. Mhm. Jason. <laughs> oh man, Heavy Rain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know about yeah, that I'm game. Not, I'm not, the Trip Become Human was really good. The Trip Become Human was really good. Um, mm. So let's talk about it really quickly, I guess. You know what? No, let's talk about this because I, <laughs> it's a mistake that Uh-oh. you don't normally see people make. And it was just really funny, um, although really okay. disappointing. Uh, when Michael, when uh, Michael, when Xbox teased Fable news this week, and then they were like, Fable? No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you know what I'm talking about, Jez? Yeah, that was uh, that was strange. Uh, do you want to do you want to do you want to tell people what happened for those who might not know? Yeah. So for those that may not know, um, Xbox Global Publishing posted a tweet on was it Sunday? I think it was Sunday, and they were like, "Hey, we got a big surprise uh, coming tomorrow, essentially." And we just got to get our chickens in a row, and they had the chicken emoji, right? And people were like, wait yeah. a minute, chicken? That's Fable-related, right? And then the you know, official Xbox <laughs> account, re, you know, like, retweets it and replies to it, and everybody's like, is there Fable news coming? Is Xbox going to talk about Fable? What's going on here? And then they literally replied to their old tweet, be like, uh, Fable anniversary is already taken. This would be our Fable anniversary, but it's already taken. And then, like, people were like, well, this is definitely Fable-related. Like, what are they doing here? What do they mean? And then later in the day, they deleted those tweets, and they're like, um, yes, uh, sorry, there's nothing happening tomorrow, and there's no information about uh, we, we are we are Playground Games uh, Fable. Sorry. And I was just sitting there like, what the hell just happened? Uh, how I... do you go from teasing Fable news to Ben being like, no, there's nothing. Like, did did wires get crossed somewhere? Like, what happened? I have, I have, I have no insight into this whatsoever. Um, I have, I have no idea. It's it's so weird. It is so very strange. It does. It did feel a bit like the the tweets from 
the tweets from that account have a different style slightly to some of Xbox's other Twitter accounts. So I wonder if that was just like someone I wonder if that was just like a hardcore crossed wire. And then like the the real people who, who lead the comms team were like, What the hell are you doing? What are you doing? I don't know, but like That's the official Xbox like Twitter account you know, they replied to it and I was just like Oh really? Yeah, they did. I and I was just like, well, something must be going on. And it was weird because of Global Publishing, who normally don't tweet. Like, And I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, why would Global Publishing be hyping up Fable? Fable's the first-party franchise. We all, you know, Playground Games is a first-party studio. And that's, like, the only thing that made sense to me, because mm-hmm. Cognito called me up. And Cognito was, like, you know, Lord Cognito from ILP, one of the best... I say best Xbox podcast, but he always gives me shit for saying that because they're like, we're not an Xbox podcast, Rand. We're a gaming podcast. I'm like, okay, guy. Okay. He calls me up and he's <laughs> like, he's like, what is, what's going on? Is we getting Fable news tomorrow? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm like, it's odd that the global publishing account is, is tweeting about it. I'm like, maybe there's a Fable remaster for two coming or something. That's the only thing that would, and they partnered with the third party to do it. I was just like, that's the only thing that makes sense. Or this was just like an announcement that somebody said, hey, uh, we got something for the 18th or, uh, you know, a month from now, but they got the wrong date or something. But it was just, I don't know, you normally don't see mistakes like this. It's just kind of like. <laughs> it was interesting. It was just basically like. We got some some big surprising news coming. You could call it our Fable anniversary, and then the next week's like, no, there's what you guys are you guys are idiots. There's nothing going on. Like, what are you guys talking about? I was just like, how does this happen? Like, I don't Nintendo doesn't make that make mistakes like that. I haven't seen Sony make mistakes. Is this guy like what? I, I don't know. Like, Sony did make mistakes like that. They, they announced the acquisition of a studio. Oh well, that is true. <laughs> Sony Japan did announce an acquisition of a studio. Months before it happened. That, that is true. But it was just weird, a very weird situation. Uh, you know, um, so I, I figured okay. we'd bring it up here. The other thing that happened this week was the Xbox mini fridge and how basically not many people could get one, Jez. Yeah, the, the whole mini fridge debacle. And then we had scalpers all over eBay scalping the hell out of that thing. Uh, selling it for like I saw somewhat for three hundred and fifty dollars, which is a lot of a lot of cash money for a for a mini fridge. Um, did you did you buy one? Did you no you buy one no I wasn't planning on getting one because I don't really have a need for it. But everybody I know who was up at that time, who was like you know on the uh, got their pages F five ready to go, they weren't able to get one. It seemed like the scalpers were able to just pick them up and then put them on eBay for like double the price and it was just like huh this is interesting although they did say that there'll be more later and that you probably there'll actually probably be more in stores that if you go to like Target and stuff like that you'll be able to like go into the store and buy them but uh yeah I was told I was told that like going going to stores and buying them is going to be a good bet it sounds like they allocated a lot of stock to stores maybe and not enough stock to online, maybe, um, assuming a bit there, I guess. But um, it does sound like 
if you do really want one, you'll be able to get one in stores fairly easily if you yeah. if you are so inclined. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that was funny. Like it's it's just a, the scalpers are just a bloody plague, man. Like whether whether you whether you're trying to buy like a PlayStation or an Xbox or whatever, just, or a graphics card even, it's just really really hard right now. Um, chip shortage, global supply chain issues. Lorry driver shortage, the, the economy being all screwed up because of waves of lockdowns across the world. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a perfect storm of first world problems. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh no, yeah. I can't get a thirty ninety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't know. But I, I, every day, every day, I see a new article saying. Uh, some co- this company says the chip shortage will be over by the end of 2022, and then Intel says the chip shortage might run into 2023. And it's just like, wow, is this is this the world we live in now, where where no no one can buy the graphics cards? Think of the children, Brad. Think of the children. Think the of rest them. of their graphics cards unable to play Roblox at 300 frames per second. Think of the children. Uh, uh, yeah. Near 8127 uh, says in the super chat, if Fable hits. Do we see the studio head of Playground getting a booty-like promotion? They always deliver quality and polish. Uh, you mean Playground? That's an interesting proposition because that often happens in the big publishers where, like, for example, Vince, I'm going to pronounce his surname wrong, Vince Zampella mm-hmm. from Apex, of Apex Legends, Titanfall fame. He basically saved EA from being terrible single-handedly. Um, obviously, he's known for uh, the creation of Call uh, of Duty. Warfare. Yeah, the Modern Warfare, yeah. Our Duty, Modern Warfare. And um, he went over to EA after, after Activision screwed him over. And then he made Apex Legends and Titanfall, which uh, turned out to be pretty damn good. So, um, he single-handedly saved EA and then they promoted him to basically, what is he, the leader of everything? <laughs> like the leader of all crave now or something. I I don't know. Um, he he got he got a big promotion. So it does beg the question, you know, if if the people running uh, playground games, if they can deliver like, if they can become like a multi franchise studio, and start delivering like, you know, a lot of you know good stuff. It does sort of beg the question: could could these the people making this stuff happen and delivering the goods, are they could they be the kind of person to like actually take over a whole bunch of studios and run them as well? Um, it's an interesting thing to think about, and I think like it pro- probably could could happen because Matt Booty by himself has quite a lot on, I would say personally. Yeah. So like maybe could divide the workload, make it easier to keep an eye on quality and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's interesting to think about. It is. Uh, Artemis says, speaking of announcements that's coming on the Xbox Anniversary Show, what games do you think will be shown? Crossfire X, Gunk, Bright Memory, or more BC games will there? This is a good segue. We can talk about the anniversary stream details, which Microsoft did announce on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be an anniversary yeah. stream on November 15th, I believe 10 p.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, I think is the the uh, the stream details. And they'll be looking back at the 20 years of Xbox. And Matt Booty did set expectations by saying, hey, 
this is about Xbox and Halo, and that they, they will there will be no new game announcements. So, Compulsion's game that's unannounced not going to be there. Hideo Kojima's game, which I believe Jeff said in his article was still in negotiations, not going to be there. And Jeff says he doesn't think it's going to be at the VGAs either. Um, so any unannounced game, not going to be announced at the show. Uh, so what could we potentially see, Jez? What do, what do you think Microsoft has in store for the 20th? I mean, is, is Artemis right? Could we see a trailer for the Gunk or Bright or Crossfire X, or are they going to focus on other things? I have no, I have no idea. Um, it's it's kind of weird how they have like really great information on some things, but <laughs> next to nothing on other things. Um, I have no I have no inkling or knowledge about what they could show. So like all of this from me is just basically speculation. Um, I did hear, for example, that Hellblade was going to be shown this year before the end of the year. But the the common assumption there is that they're going to be shown at the Game Awards because um, that's where it was shown last time, and it kind of you know it kind of makes sense, right? If you if you are if you are an audience member of the Game Awards, and you know you might expect to see the next the next showcase for that at um, at the next Game Awards, maybe. So it makes a whole bunch of sense there, but. Could Microsoft show other things? Could they show gameplay for Contraband, for example? Could they show a gameplay trailer for some of the other games that we know are coming? Um, I, lo- I want to believe yes. I mean, they they did only just they they did say we're not going to show off any any new games. Mm-hmm. But does that necessarily mean they're not going to show off? I don't know anything from existing games we know about. I don't know. I mean, they didn't. I mean, what do you? Think? They didn't put the kibosh on that. All they said was no new game announcements. Now, the, yeah. I don't think that rules out, like, say, a new trailer for Avowed, for example. Right? Like, because when I think about, like, okay, we got the 20 years of Xbox. Yeah, you need to do a retrospective, a look back, which is why I think they're going to announce some backwards compatibility titles. You know, if you're going to celebrate yeah. 20 years of Xbox and talk about the OG and talk about 360, like, yeah. Like, announce some new backwards compatibility games. People love that. Um, so I think that is something we'll see happen. But then, like, I also think you also need to look forward at the next 20 years. And maybe they just run the trailers that have been out there for forever for the, all these rest of these games that are announced or, or what have you. But, like, you know, it'd be cool to see something new from from Avowed or, you know, something new from Hellblade 2. I don't necessarily know if that's going to happen because I think this was going to be strictly focused on um, a look back and a celebration of Xbox and then also Halo because Halo's tied to it. So, you know, ever since ever since um, Jeff Keighley's Gamescom show where they revealed the, the console and the controller and the release date, um, people have been wondering where's where's the campaign gameplay, where's the new campaign trailer? Like at E3, we just got a scene, you know, with Master Chief meets basically Cortana's replacement, um, and we got uh, some Halo Infinite multiplayer stuff. We've all played the flights, 
So a lot of people are wondering, like, where is the campaign deep dive gameplay at? And I think this is where you're going to see it, right? We're only a couple weeks away. Wouldn't make any sense to drop it in between now and then. So as we, as I think I, I have a thing on Twitter, like I said, you know, uh, save this tweet. We'll see Halo Infinite campaign gameplay trailer deep dive at the anniversary. And I think that's 100% going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um There'll be probably new trailer, new new you know new deep dive, and you know there's also could X because I also think there might be a surprise regarding Halo in that sense. Like, what if they end the whole anniversary stream by being like, and Halo Halo multiplayer is now launched, and you can play you can oh. play the multiplayer right now. And uh, surprise for you fans, like, not necessarily maybe the full multiplayer, but, like, what if they did some sort of open beta? Like, uh, just like, hey, you can play Halo uh, Infinite for the next week, or something along those lines, right? Uh, Another flight before the end with, you know, everything potentially, you know? Because I think that would be cool for the fans, you know, like... Here, here's another look at Halo. Here's the campaign gameplay trailer. Here's what you're going to get on December 8th. And you know what? You can play it right now. And, and the stream, log on to Xbox Live and, and play some Halo multiplayer for the next week or, or next two weeks while you wait for the official launch of, of, of the, the full game on the 8th. Is that, you think that's something they could do? Yeah. Why not? I think that's, that's, a, that's an interesting idea you put forward there, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, I think, well, why not? Like, why not do that? I mean, obviously, they probably wouldn't be able, able to take any, like, I don't know, information from it since it's so close, so close to release, but it would just be like, it's a celebration of Halo. We know the game's coming, you know, uh, less than a month away, but, like, here, you don't have to be an insider. Anybody that wants to play can play it. Go ahead and play, right? I don't know. It's just... I try to think. I try to think like, oh, there's got to be some surprise, something for a 20th anniversary. It's a big moment. It's a big moment for Xbox, and since it seems to be tied to to the Halo and the the history of Xbox, like, yeah, just just be like, multiplayer is open for a week. Anybody can play. Go ahead and play. You know, there's no time restrictions on on multiplayer matchmaking. Everything's there. Go have fun for a week. And then come back on the eighth. Come back on the eighth when you know the campaign and everything of the multiplayer drops. Like I think that's something that maybe is possible. Um, that makes sense. But I don't know. There's just a part of me that is just kind of like doesn't make sense to drop a gunk trailer during the Xbox 20th anniversary stream. You know what I mean? They're not owned by Xbox. Sure, it's a game that's exclusive and coming out, but it's like. Is that the right venue to just debut a trailer for Gunk? I, I don't know if it is, really. Like, personally, if if I was in charge, and I, I don't know how much, you know, the pandemic affects everything, but, like, I'd, I'd be like, no, this needs to more focus on first party, not, like, indie games that we partnered with. So, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe. There's, like, loads of different ways they could take it, I guess. Um, it's uh, I don't know. It's interesting to think about. Yeah, but I ultimately have just no idea. You're better at predicting these kind of things than me. 
Yeah, this is something I was thinking you, about. You, you think, you think, you think more like, I don't know, I don't know like you're in the head, you're in the head round. Yeah, not me. Um, <laughs> so we also finally got a look at the Grand Theft Auto trilogy and what it looks like, brand new, right? The new graphics and all that stuff. Uh, and it's interesting because Grand Theft Auto San Andreas is coming to Game Pass on day one, while I believe Grand Theft Auto 3 is coming to PlayStation Now on day one, which means is what's up with Vice City. But what do you what do you think about that? What do you think about San Andreas Definitive Edition coming to Game Pass on day one and, and this whole Grand, Grand Theft Auto stuff? It's interesting that, like, Microsoft got the one, the, the one that's sort of, I don't know, more more sort of celebrated, I guess you could say. Um, is that fair to call it celebrated? I don't know. Um, but like the GameSpot put out a poll, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they were they were like, which which game are you most interested in? And it was it was San Andreas, and that's the one Microsoft got, right? Uh, people are saying Grand Theft Auto Three is not hitting PS Now Day One. It's coming in December. So oh, that's yeah, so it comes in this. So I think the game's released November 11th. And San Andreas is hitting Game Pass on day one, and Grand Theft Auto 3 is hitting it on December 7th, so a month later. I wonder why they're doing it like that. But I guess it's just it just boils down to, like, how much Sony and Microsoft are budgeting for these kind of things, because I guess they have very different ideas and opinions about where the value lies there, I guess, maybe. Or maybe Sony Microsoft just has more to throw around and stuff. Do you think, like... San Andreas would move, will realistically, I don't know, move the needle for Game Pass. Like, it's an old game, you know. Yeah, and I am not, I am not someone who has nostalgia for Grand Theft Auto. I'll just put that out there right now. It's but an old game. I, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. I mean, I think people who are subscribed yeah. will probably like it. I'm not sure how many people were, uh, will like subscribe to Game Pass. But then it's like, it's just an extra thing because you have Forza Horizon a couple, uh, you know, a few days before that. You're going to have Halo campaign a little bit after that. It's just another reason to keep people subscribed. And the only thing I could admit, like, when I say maybe, it's because maybe there will be some people who want to check out the improved graphics and gameplay that, that they say they're offering. And, cause, and there is nostalgic there is nostalgia for Grand Theft Auto, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, maybe maybe there is a chance that it, it could be something big. I don't know how big. I don't think on the bigger level of Back for Blood, which I don't know if you saw, Jez. Uh, you know, even though me and you both beat Back for Blood, uh, we didn't love I didn't it. Beat it. I got well, I beat it. <laughs> but, like, we didn't love it. It's good, but it's not great. Uh, it does some things better than Left 4 Dead, but then something's worse kind of just a, a solid game. Uh, it made its way all the way up to the, to the fourth most played game on Xbox, only behind Warzone, Apex Legends, and Fortnite. That is crazy. Beat Minecraft? Yeah, it was the fourth most played game, you know? Wow. Yeah, ahead of Grand Theft Auto, even. And I think that's I just... I don't get that. Because <laughs> it... I understand that. It's easy, because Xbox, I think Xbox Game Pass, when you have a game that's highly uh, sought after, right? Even though you can make, you can maybe argue Back for Blood isn't the most sought after, but, like, big AAA game, 
even though some people say it's not, you know, on the level of Outriders, it's just like it's also co-op, so you're bringing your buddies along. I think like when you when you put a game like that in Game Pass day one, it almost acts like a free-to-play title because now you have this game yeah. is now available to 20 plus odd million people, and those people are just going to download it and try it out. And so many people were downloading and trying it out because you could bring three other people with you that it just raced up the charts. I mean, hell, like Marvel Avengers got all the way up to like 12 after a year just from putting it in Game Pass. So it's like mm-hmm. you've seen how putting a game in Game Pass can boost it all the way up. Back for Blood hit number four. I think Outriders hit number four. It, it, I don't know. Like, I, there, it seems like the Game Pass audience is super engaged. And if it's a game they're looking forward to, they'll they'll go and they'll they'll play it. Now, I don't know how long they'll play it for, but it definitely seems like enough people are playing it to the point where it's competing with the big dogs, which is something yeah, yeah. really interesting. And I doubt Back for Blood would have reached those heights if it wasn't for uh, Game Pass. So I just thought that was really interesting. Uh, Swan says, "Quit Flex Seal Al Thor. Let Jez leak." Hey, sometimes I gotta protect Jez <laughs> from Jez, okay? Sometimes, sometimes yeah, I gotta protect yeah. him from himself, because yeah. sometimes he'll be getting on here and he'll be like, "I'm just gonna leak everything," and I'm like, "Jez, calm down, hold on a second, buddy. You really want to do that? <laughs> we're gonna know all. Mm-hmm. We're gonna know literally every Xbox game that comes out before Xbox even announces it. If you have your way, <laughs> you gotta keep some surprises. Uh, I don't know that much. But, but um, yeah, yeah. I'm just excited, man. There's so much cool stuff I'm looking forward to. Uh, speaking of new stuff, um, you finally have more SSD options, and I, I'm going to be interested to hear your thoughts on this because it's quite expensive. So, as we know, you can currently get a one terabyte expansion card from Seagate. They're the only ones making it right now. Uh, it's mm-hmm. 220 bucks. I have one. I don't know if you have one. Uh, I do, but, but I got mine from Microsoft, so I cheated. So you cheated. Okay, I had to buy mine. So there are new SSD options and sizes and pricing for this fall. So there's a 512 gigabyte cartridge for 140 and a 2 terabyte cartridge for 400 which is more <laughs> than the entire Xbox Series S, $100 more than the Series S. And $100 less than the Series X. So this 2-terabyte card is almost as much as the console itself. What do you think of the storage and range of pricing on these things? Well, we know why it costs a lot. And it costs a lot because they chose CF Express as their speed standard. Um, CF Express is patented and owned by a consortium, I believe, Maybe, I don't know, I'm not actually exactly sure off the top of my head who owns CF Express, but CF Express is the standard they use. And CF Express is like, it's like an interface for NVMe um, storage solutions. And it costs a lot of money. Like, if you want to, if you want to license it, the, the CF Express standard, you have to pay the money. So Seagate has to pay the money to use that standard. And um, I guess, like, as the... As the, the storage goes up, then so does the prices, you know. So it's the it's the 
the price of the technology. And, like, I often hear people say, I often get people in my DMs saying, like, oh, James, when, when are they going to let up with the exclusivity so, you know, someone else can, can make a cheaper version? And I'm sitting there thinking, like, would it actually be cheaper? Because at the end of the day, it's still going to be CF Express. Like, unless unless someone comes up with a new technology that just lets you, I don't know, dock an NVMe drive. Because, like, some people have tried to do that with homebrew homebrew technology and stuff, um, where they can, like, interface a regular NVMe uh, M2 drive into the slot using some kind of a custom-made adapter, I think. Um, some people have tried to do that. I, I, I think it's unverified how well it worked or not. But that's why it's expensive, because of, of the standard. Um, so... On the one hand, yeah, it sucks that it's $400, but on the other hand, that's the problem with, you know, the standard. Like, how much does a, a 2 terabyte M2 drive cost, you know, that, that meets Sony spec? It's not it's not going to be much cheaper, is it? I don't think. Like, um, I've got an M2 drive in my, um, I've got an M2 drive in my laptop that I, that I install games on. And um, I paid a couple of hundred for that, I think. That was not cheap either. Um, yeah, they're def- but yeah. it's it's just the sticker, sh- it's like the sticker shock though. You see two terabyte little, you see this little cartridge, super small by the way, right? And you look at it, and you're like, this thing's four hundred dollars, and it's almost yeah. costs as much as my huge Xbox Series X. So there's a little disconnect on pricing there. Like I think I said in my video, I couldn't possibly recommend a two terabyte for anybody really unless you got money to blow unless you're just sitting on thousands of dollars and you're playing hundreds of games and you don't want to have to deal with deleting them or whatever and you're just like four hundred dollars is nothing dude like i wet my ass with that you know like yeah whatever <laughs> i mean like you like if you if you're a youtuber you mean. <laughs> i'm not getting the two terabyte thing for 400 i don't wipe my ass with that Sorry, Jez. I'm sorry to break your myth that, you know, I'm, I'm Randall Millions for my YouTube, right? Randall uh, Millions. So even, like, yeah, I look at that and I'm like, I have, I bought the two, I bought the one terabyte one, right? So it's like, okay, 220 bucks is like, yeah, a little bit more expensive than I would normally, but it's like, all right, I need the extra storage, right? Because what's on board the Series X isn't enough for me. And, yeah, I almost have both of them full, but... I'm not paying another four hundred dollars for a two for you know two terabyte, and it's not even like I can use both the one terabyte and the two terabyte at once. It's not like how you can with the external drives plug in up to three, right? There's not two slots for it, so it's like I could have the one terabyte in there, but then okay, then if I want the two terabyte in there, I got to lose everything from the one terabyte. Um, so. I just kind of like it doesn't seem worth it to me. I don't know if it's worth it for anybody in, in chat. Um, chat, let us know. Is are you interested in buying any of these? Is, which one would you prefer, the five twelve, the one terabyte, or the two terabyte? Even the five twelve, like I don't know, it seems a little bit, little bit. Uh, doesn't it seem like a little bit overpriced for what it is. Like it's half of the the one, then the one's two twenty. And that would be like 110, but it's 140. It just the prices seem like this, like a little high. It's just like I would just recommend people buy a cheap hard drive, an external hard drive, plug it in, and just shuttle content back and forth if you really need to. Well, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, Rand. 
because um, I actually am reviewing another product that Seagate announced this week, which is exactly that. Seagate Game Drive for Xbox SSD, high-speed add-on storage for your Xbox, and it's just a standard USB drive, but it has an RGB light on it now. So that, that's cool. It has an RGB light. But I think, like, if if I was, if I was, like, if I didn't have, you know, if I wasn't lucky enough to just get a drive from Microsoft, because it came with a review unit, um, I would probably not buy one of the cards, because they are mad expensive. But I'm also lucky as someone who lives somewhere that has unca- uncapped internet. So, my storage is constantly full, but I just, oft- I just often delete and re-download games. Like, I didn't have... For example, I didn't have uh, Call of Duty installed, and I, I wanted—I mentioned earlier—I downloaded Call of Duty because I wanted to test that game out, and then like I just deleted it again after I was done because, to me, it's no big deal to download a game and delete it because I have uncapped internet. But I know that a lot of places around the world and in America even that into uh, data caps are a thing still. So I think the best—the best option really is to get one of these M, um, not NVMe. These one of these SSD these USB 3.0 SSD options, but it also lends, uh, it does lend some, I don't know, uh, weight to the idea that Microsoft should consider um, getting in the next Xbox, maybe upgrading to USB-C. I, I can't see them going all the way up to Thunderbolt, but, well, USB-C, I don't, I don't know if USB-C actually gets faster than USB-A 3.1 anyway. I think it's just a different shape, isn't it? Mm. But like, I don't know. Could they, could they go to Thunderbolt? <laughs> Thunderbolt 3? And then let you have like a Thunderbolt 3 external hard drive? Cause even, even that would be cheaper than these CF Express cards, I think. But that, that would increase the cost of the Xbox. Cause Thunderbolt 3 is also a patented technology that Microsoft would have to license. So. You know, it's it's, uh, it's just the sort of inflationary tech, isn't it? When you get all the get into all these patented standards and stuff like that, and I suppose you could argue, man, maybe Microsoft should just develop its own proprietary like storage solution or something. And some people in chat are saying USB C is faster than USB A 3.1. I, okay, well, well there you go. They could they could go to like USB or, or whatever or even Thunderbolt. Um, okay, someone else is saying. It's just a different shape. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know off the top of my head, like, what the difference between USB-C and USB-A 3.1 is, or 3.2 or whatever. Just, just off the top of my head, because, you know, that's more... I have, I have someone else to do that stuff. Mm. But I know Thunderbolt is faster, at least. Thunderbolt's faster. So, yeah, I don't know. Aaron has been like, a member... Just, yeah, USB. Sorry, go on. Well, I was going to say, Aaron has been a member for 13 months, says... He says the thing is the one terabyte's at two twenty, but the two terabyte is four hundred, so it's a better value to get the two terabyte. Yeah. Okay. But four hundred dollars is a lot to spend, especially just on a, a on a on a storage expansion that you may or may not need when you can spend less. I, I get like one terabyte's two twenty, and double that would be four forty, but it's not. It's four hundred. So like, two terabytes is a better value in comparison, but you know, as some people would say, like, why do you need it anyways? You can just delete games. Like, do you need all those two terabytes worth of games stored on your 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 hard drive space? Why don't you just delete stuff you're not really playing, or have a four terabyte spend a hundred dollars for a four terabyte external 
hard drive and just keep games there, and when you want to play them, move them over. So I guess it just really depends on people's, what their money situation is and what their memory situation is, but I play a lot of games. I have a lot of games installed, and even I am not going to spend $400 on the two-terabyte card. So Even with your YouTube millions? Yeah, yeah. even with my millions, I'm not spending $400. I should tell you why you need to See, I'm not cool enough to get a free thing from Microsoft like Jez is. Jez is like, whatever. Just <laughs> Microsoft in the mail, I'll just open up one day and there'll be a two-terabyte card for me to review, you know? <laughs> Jez is the lucky one. Um, so, Jacqueline... <laughs> he says in, God for this. <laughs> thank God for that, yeah. Uh, he says in Super Chat, Rand, you said you'd like to see Xbox at 30 Studios. What seven studios would you personally want? You too, Jez. So that's an interesting segue we might as well use um, to talk about uh, Phil's comments about acquisitions, which, oh, man, acquisitions, here we go again. Like, it seems like it never ends. It never, ever ends because people people speculate about it, and now you got Phil Spencer talking about it. So, of course, it gets, uh, uh, you know, people speaking about it again, right? So what did Phil say? Well, let's have to read what he said. Um, he basically said um, uh, that they're, he said that uh, they're always out there looking for people who we think would be a good match and teams that would be a good match with our strategy. So we're definitely not done. So Phil basically saying, like, yeah, we're, we're not where we want to be with our number of studios. Right, they're looking. They're always looking, as me and Jess have always said. It's all. They're always looking. They're always talking to people. Um, and he goes on to say, "There's no quota. There's no kind of timeline where I have to go acquire studios by a certain time. But if we find a studio and we have a good fit, we share what we are trying to go do and what they're trying to go do. And if we feel we can both get together, absolutely. So he's saying that they don't have to hit a number. He's saying that they don't." have a timeline where it's like you need to have, if you don't have these studios by 2024, that's it. You only have to 2024, no time after that. Um, so, I mean, it's really nothing new for, you know, you've listened to the show, any of us have been talking about. So I guess, what do you think, Jez? Uh, Jakester says, like, any acquisition announcements at the anniversary event. You know, with with, temp- with, with Phil I, talking about this again and and stuff. So, I think like part of me wonders like if they say that to like try and just signal that people who want to be acquired can reach out, maybe. Because mm. sometimes I do that, right? Sometimes like if I if I know if I've got some information or something, sometimes I'll I'll sort of tease it on Twitter in such a way that only people only people who who know would reply. <laughs> so like like I mentioned the Wu Tang Clan thing like a few a few months ago, right? Um I was wondering if anyone would reach out with some information. <laughs> so like I wonder if like when when they they say this stuff, I mean, you know, if they if they're signaling to devs, you know, reach out if you if you've got a plan, if you've you're looking for acquisition, or if you're looking for funding or whatever, reach out. So I do wonder if that's why sometimes they say things like that. Um, again, that's, you know, speculation. Don't have any information on that. That's 
you know, conspiracy, my personal conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory. But I haven't heard they're acquiring anyone anytime soon. But then again, I very rarely hear about acquisitions until like, you know, everyone else. It's um, acquisition, like the, the secrecy around acquisitions is hardcore compared to some of the other stuff that I get information on. So, I don't know. But uh, what was the, what was the chap's question? He asked, "What well, I, you I just I just yeah I just threw out just a number like you know thirty studios and there are twenty three. So what seven studios would I personally want? And we are, we've talked about it enough. Like Jez wants Capcom because uh, he wants Monster Hunter, right? Um, yeah. Forever. Yeah. So like I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of studios that Xbox could go after. I mean, you wrote an article, what was it, that uh, their next person should be a mobile developer, right, or a mobile publisher to help them reach yeah, their, their three billion uh, gamer goal or whatever, right? Yeah, I think I think they should look at that. But I know that's not the popular choice by any means. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, look, they've talked about wanting to increase their presence in Japan. They own Tango GameWorks, so. You know, maybe they invest in a studio there. Maybe they buy a studio there. They they add more Japanese content. As we all know, Japanese is their fast. The, the Japanese market is their fastest growing market. And you know, there's ways you can increase that. You need Japanese content. So maybe they they focus there. Phil's talked about his desire to have kid friendly games. Um. So I'm sure there's studios out there that they're talking to to get more broadly demographic style experiences. I think it really hurt Xbox that they missed out on Fall Guys. Um, you know, Game Pass needs stuff for younger audiences so they can bug their parents for Game Pass subscriptions, which is something I don't really <laughs> think is going on right now, but that's something I'm sure they're thinking about. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that's not something that interests anybody here listening to the show. Like, who? Kid-friendly stuff, like, we don't want that. We're core gamers. We're hardcore. And it's like, yeah, I get that. But, like, they're also business, and they need to hit all these targets. So that's something you got to think of. And then, as Jeff Grubb said in his article, like, and I kind of theorized when we talked about Perfect Dark and Crystal Dynamics, you know, Matt Booty in his interview was kind of funny. He said that they jumped at the chance to work with them. Like, you know, Crystal Dynamics, they, they're going to see how they work out working with initiative on Perfect Dark, and if everything flows well, everything's good, maybe Square Enix just doesn't have any need for them anymore, or they don't want to be like, you know what, we don't know what to do with Square Enix, you know, we'll sell them to you, and here's the Tomb Raider IP, because that's another game they're working on, so uh, just like with Sony, because Sony tends to buy studios that they work with for a while, Housemark and, and Bluepoint, and Xbox has done that. I mean, obviously they bought Playground and they bought Undead Labs because they worked with them on Forza Horizon and and um, State of Decay. And they could do it again with Crystal Dynamics. And then you also have Project Dragon, IO Interactive. That is a studio I would love to come see under Xbox's umbrella. Hell, that's another... They can go buy the Hitman IP from Square... Like, you go to Square Enix, you get Crystal Dynamics, you get IOS Montreal, grab the Tomb Raider IP... Get the Hitman IP. Grab Ion Interactive. Right. Give Batman back to them. Like, that would be super exciting for me personally. Um, They're also, you know, working on Contraband with Avalanche. So, like, you have these experience, like, these studios that they're working with. And if 
it all goes smoothly and they have a vision of the future together and they feel like it would work out better with Xbox, you know, working together, it's something that that could uh, happen. So I think I'm of the opinion that I think Crystal Dynamics joining Xbox is going to happen in the future. And I wouldn't be surprised about I.O. And then, of course, but, you know, but for some people, that's not good enough, though, Jez. Because it's not a it's not a publisher. Like when you go from Bethesda to I Interactive, it's not sexy, you know. So there's still the people that want Xbox to go out and like, hey, what about Sega? Right? It fills the the PC markets with, uh, you know, their their PC developers. But then you also have the Japanese flavor with you know Atlas and Persona, uh, Yakuza, right? So maybe that fits, you know, a a targets for Xbox, or what about, uh, you know, you said Capcom, what about Ubisoft, what about Warner Brothers Games? And I still think when you look at the publishers out there for the type of money you'd have to spend, I know people were all up and be like, take two, take two, take two, which would be a lot of money for Grand Theft Auto. But I, when, I, when I look at the publishers that are out there, I feel like the one, I feel like the one that fits, that you could slot in and it would fit a lot of Xbox's needs is Warner Brothers games. Like, I feel like if they ended up buying them, right, which we know they were interested in before uh, eight, the whole Discovery uh, merger thing, like Xbox was interested, Take-Two was interested, EA, right, um, because they have a bunch of great studios. Suicide Squad looks really cool. Um, Gotham Knights looks great. We don't know what Monolith is working on. You know, NetherRealm always kills it with Mortal Kombat. Like, if you were somehow able to get... Warner Brothers games and figure out the licensing agreement. You could have your fighting game developer. You could have your superhero developer, which, you know, everybody, after the Wolverine announcement from PlayStation, everybody was like, Xbox needs super, their own superhero games. They need it. Well, I mean, there's your superhero games. You know, there's your kid-friendly studio with Traveler's Tale. You know, they could make... They could be, I don't know, they could make a Minecraft Lego-ish game, right? Or, or something else. They also have Lego game. Well, I'm, oh, just, no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like they could make something like that. They make the Lego games, so they they can they make kid games, right? Monolith, whatever they're working on. But then also, you got to realize that uh, Warner Brothers Games is 11 studios, but you don't really hear about some of the other ones, like uh, some of the other Warner Brothers, uh, like is it Warner Brothers Chicago, or is it like Warner Brothers Montreal, like. There's a, a, a few of those studios that are strictly just support studios. And those are in rare, <laughs> those are rare these days. A lot of the support studios that Xbox purchased, or that Xbox used for like Gears and for Halo, they were purchased recently, either by Tencent or, or, or uh, Embracer. So, yeah. like I said, I think Warner Brothers like fits everything Xbox really needs. You get your support studios, which are not a lot of, right? You get your superhero developers if you want to continue that and get, like, an exclusive license. You got your fighting game. You got your kid-friendly stuff. Like, they fit a lot of what Xbox needs. Um, but the question comes always comes yeah. down to money and licensing. So that's the per, that's the one I want. Like, there was a time I would have said Ubisoft, but, like, lately Ubisoft games are all basically the same. You know, and it's kind of like, eh. And I think a lot of people are down on, on Ubisoft now. 
Um, some people say Square Enix, uh, but it's like I almost think there you a better chance going after their Western publishing arm than go after the Japanese one. Um, There's no way they're getting the Japanese one. Yeah. Did you so see recently that they said Final Fantasy XIV is now the most profitable Final Fantasy ever. Huh? I mean, I'm not surprised that it's MMO, right? Constant, constant engagement, constant monetization. Uh, yeah. you know, so they turned that around so hard. Yeah, they did, and kudos to them. Kudos to them. I mean, they turned it around. They spent a lot of money and time on it, and uh, they deserve to the success that they've seen. So, uh, Gecko Gamer says, "I see Avalanche and Rebellion are using Game Pass as sort of free-to-play model with paid DLC. Do you have an opinion or feelings about that?" Uh, not really. Um, it just, I mean, you want your game to be played as many people as possible, and when you release DLC with as many people as playing it, yeah, I mean, it's a good model. Like, you have, before, if you had just people buy the game and then you spend the DLC, there wouldn't be that many people who would buy the DLC, but if you have millions of people playing because of Game Pass, then your chances of selling DLC are higher. So, I mean, it's a good strategy. Is that, is that what, um, is that what Rebellion's doing, did he say? Well, yeah, I think, like, was isn't, like, Sniper, wasn't Sniper Elite 4 on Game Pass, and they had, like, bunch of DLCs, right? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, it's interesting because, you know, some of those some of those sort of double-A kind of devs, and I, I suppose you could call Rebellion the double-A dev, um, but some of those double-A devs, like, I, sp- I spoke to them, I spoke to them, like, uh, around when Game Pass had started, there was a hell of a lot of skepticism about what Game Pass could do for, for those kind of double-A sort of games. And I think there still is for some types of games. Like, I, I, I'm not sure if single-player games see the, the same kind of uplift that multiplayer games do. Like, I don't, I don't think, like, like a game that's sort of, like, we, we talked about how, like, uh, we don't, you know, we're a bit, bit iffy about Back for Blood's quote-unquote quality, maybe, in some ways. Um, but, like, the equivalent single-player game, in terms of quality, I don't think would do as well as Back for Blood is doing. Because, like, when you factor in playing with friends, that changes the proposition for a game in a big way, you know. Um, but single-player games, like, that's why single-player games are in this sort of weird place right now where a lot of a lot of AAA publishers don't even want to touch them, you know. And, uh, you know, we get we get Splinter Cell mobile, mobile games and free-to-play games, but it's only been this week, after how many years, that they, we've heard rumors that Finally, they might have greenlit a new actual Splinter yeah. Cell. Well, here's the thing about that. I'm not going to believe that until I see it announced. And even then, I'm not <laughs> going to believe it until I'm actually playing it because, I mean, where the hell is Beyond yeah. Good and Evil 2? Does that game even what exist anymore? Is anybody even working on Beyond Good and Evil 2? You know, people waited forever for a Beyond Good and Evil sequel. And then they finally announced it, and I think we saw it at two E3s, and it definitely seems like that game just went off to die, and they're not even bothering anymore. So here's my thing about Splinter Cell. I have two two opinions about it. One, I don't, I'm not going to believe it until it actually is announced, and I and I see it because I have a friend who worked, who tested two different Splinter Cell games at Ubisoft, or at least one. So it's like. There's been other Splinter Cell games in development that end up getting canceled, right? 
So I understand, like, this comes from Tom Henderson, who's a notorious leaker, usually right about a lot of things, right, especially when it comes to Battlefield and Call of Duty. So he's saying that there is a new Splinter Cell that's recently been greenlit. So, okay, great, but that doesn't necessarily mean it'll stay greenlit and they won't cancel it. Because, like, I think the problem they've Ubisoft's been having forever is trying to figure out how does the Splinter Cell formula fit into the formula of all of our other games. And quite frankly, it doesn't. So that leads me to my next point. And I think Paris tweeted this out. Do I even want to see what a modern Splinter Cell would look like from Ubisoft right now? Do I really want Sam Fisher to come back in an open world that basically just looks like Far Cry or Ghost Recon, or it's just like a Ghost Recon game, but you play Sam Fisher, and it's just, hey, here's a base to take down. Okay, move on to the next base with, like, tiered loot. Right, like Splinter Cell wouldn't wouldn't work like that. Like tiered loot doesn't work in Splinter Cell. I'm sorry. Like you have your, your you have your silence pistol. What does your your starter silence pistol do? Two damage, while the next one you find has like <laughs> green flare on it, does five damage. Like it doesn't fit into whatever formula that Ubisoft's using for their games right now. It just doesn't. And then you can get like then you can get like glowing skins for your level one pistol. Right. So like you couldn't do dispense from Ubisoft box. So you can't do the open war formula because it just doesn't work in a Splinter Cell game, and the loot system just doesn't work in a Splinter Cell game. Right. Now, granted, the multiplayer has been excellent. Everybody likes Spies versus Mercs and wants to come back, but People also want the single-player campaign. So I'm not sure modern-day Ubisoft can make a really good Splinter Cell game anymore. I'm um, not sure they can make a really good game, period. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe they can. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just like, hey, guys, here's an island. We're dropping 50 spies in. And guess what? There's 50 mercs on the ground. It's Battle Royale Splinter Cell, Splinter Cell style, <laughs> right? So we'll oh see. We'll see. I want Splinter Cell you, to come you back. It now. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. You've jinxed it. Probably. I, wa- I, want, I want Splinter Cell to come back. I really, really do. Um, so Jeff in the, ch- in, the in, in, in chat says, so my understanding is they're going to do a Splinter Cell like the new Hitman, and that could work. Okay, that is a good idea. Uh, if they could do it like the new Hitman games, that would be fantastic. I'd be down for that. You have, like, one level where you could go through with many different ways to infiltrate different targets to go after, different ways to assassinate, and move on to the next. I'd be down for that. It just cannot be open world, and it can't have any tiered loot. Like, I, I Jeff has given me hope. I'm hopeful again. Jeff said earlier in the chat that I have to care about his leaks because I said I don't care about MMO stuff, so I was, like, downplaying Jeff's mainframe thing. But, Jeff, you've given me hope again. Thank you for this. Thank you. I didn't really think about that. I just wanted Jeff to just just sort of just tell you that, it's by the way, it's also a free-to-play MOBA. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? It's all free-to-play. Well, actually, I actually do want the multiplayer portion. I do want Spies and Mercs to go along with it because Spies and Mercs is fun. So I want I want the Splinter Cell multiplayer to be with. I have the, no idea what that is. What is that? Never played like? Spies versus Mercs. So like, uh, it was basically. I haven't played Splinter Cell at all. So basically, you had four spies uh, that played like Sam Fisher, and then you had four Mercs, basically heavy armor, machine guns, and uh, they were in first person. So the the spies were in third person. 
move like Sam Fisher. You could be up on the rafters in the darkness. And the marks were first person on the ground with guns and stuff. Um, and, you know, the spies would have to hack stuff or steal stuff, and then the mercs would be looking out for him. It's really, really fun. Um, Interesting. Jeff goes on to say, Hitman, but more military stuff and more Ubisoft service stuff. Now you're... Ugh, now I'm getting disappointed again. <laughs> it could go bad, but I'm also hopeful. Okay. Well, I guess you, you gave me hope there for like two minutes, Jeff. I appreciate it. Now we're back to reality, and it's I realize it's Ubisoft. So, ugh. Anyways, um... What else we got here? Oh, uh, God of War is coming to PC, Jez. Yeah. <laughs> God of War PC. God of War PC. Imagine that. Who would have thought? Who would have thought well, that was happening? That's yeah. Really interesting it, thing that's happening. No surprise. Uh, make you feel? I mean, I'm happy for my PC dudes. Like, I think people obviously realize that Sony's uh, very much going to be, yeah, we're putting stuff on PC. Uh, pretty much everything, you know, uh, is going to be there at some point. Um, it's it's interesting though uh, when you look at um, oh. fans' reactions. Yeah, because okay. what's that enlighten us? Well, okay, because at first it was like years ago. You know, uh, Sony would never do it, right? Never, never put their games on PC because you know they know the value of an exclusive, and the exclusives are what sell the yeah. consoles. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. And then, like, they're starting to put yeah, their well, games on PC, like Death Stranding, um, Detroit Become Human, but people made excuses for those. Oh, well, Sony doesn't own Kojima, blah, 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 blah. Like, even whatever. Like, it was all these excuses. And then Horizon came, and it was just started it, which, whatever. Like, I took a lot of shit for that when I said Horizon was coming to PC, and I think I also said, like, their plan was for putting all their games on PC. And then Days Gone got announced and came out, and then Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy announced and coming out, and uh, and then now God of War, and eventually Ghost of Tsushima, uh, pretty much all their games, uh, maybe even Spider-Man at some point. But now the talking point, Jez, isn't that, like, even though people, even though these same people were saying that they never would do it, now they're like, this is the best way to do it. Sony's being smart ah, because they get right. people to buy it on the PlayStation for full price. And then they can sell it again ah. um, on the PC for full price. Sony's smart, right? Which is like, okay, dude, like you said two years ago that they never would do it. Now you're like, this is the best way to do it. So I'm like, so you're advocating for buying the game twice. Instead of the way that Microsoft does it where it's a simultaneous release, and usually, if you buy Halo Infinite, you're going to be able to play Halo Infinite anywhere. On your Xbox or your PC, you only have to pay for it once. Where Sony is basically like, no, 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 we don't want that. Like, you're going to have to pay us again if you want to play it on PC. Right? So. When you said that, I was just, have you seen that episode of South Park where the dude's roughing his nipples? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, That's what I thought of when you said that. I think yeah, no, you're gonna have to do that again. I think what ends up happening, does is um, I think what Sony's ending up gonna do is they're going to end up releasing their games day and date on PC at some point. I'm not saying it's anytime soon. Yeah. 
I'm not saying it's, yeah. it's next week. I'm not saying it's in you know next year or the year after. I think I think before the end of this generation, they start flirting with um, uh, they start flirting with day and date releases on PC. Yeah, I I think so, especially in an age where supplies can't meet demand. Uh, you're kind of bottlenecking your software sales there, which is where your margins are. Um, I admit, Rand, I'm no businessman, but, you know, it kind of says to me, like, if your install base is bottlenecked by the chip shortage and your margins is software, putting your software on everything simultaneously probably going to give you better returns on your investment in a short space of time. Some people might say, yeah, well, think of the long term. Uh, when has Sony ever thought of the long term? <laughs> They're not that kind of company. So, you know, um, yeah, I, I think I said it last week, actually, that I do see Sony eventually, one for one, copying Microsoft's strategy. Game Pass, PC games, the works. I do see that happening eventually. Because the margins are just better. You know, it's, it's, that's the way it is. We're moving towards the sort of a software first business model. I mean, it's always been a software first business model, but in, in our glorious capitalistic system, perpetual growth is demanded. It is, it is, got, it is the gospel, you know, the gospel of perpetual infinite growth. And if you're being bottlenecked by supply issues, you know, if you're being bottlenecked not only by supply issues, but by the pure virtue of the fact that the console console install base isn't really growing by Jim Ryan's own admission, then once the only way to fix that bottleneck is to start exploring other platforms, which is mobile in the case of cloud gaming and PC in the case of everything else. And, um, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn, Death's, uh, not Death Stranding, well, yeah, actually, yeah, Death Stranding and Days Gone all performed very well on PC. You really think they're like, they're going to just stop, you know, when when it's just basically just free money? No, of course not. That's the way it's all going, you know. And um, I think the only the only company that won't do it is probably Nintendo. But maybe even they'll do it eventually. Who knows? Um, Nintendo's always been a bit of a wild card, but... I don't know. Nintendo's moving. Nintendo's plan for growth is has gone completely off the rails. They're like building theme parks now. Mm. But like we want to be Disney. <laughs> so like that's that's how Nintendo's going to grow. They're going to become literally Disney. They're going to start making huge blockbuster movies and start putting you know theme parks on every continent and then just rake in the cash from there. Although uh, I don't know. I don't know if theme parks is a good idea in the in the current pandemic world that we live in, but you know. Yeah, I agree with you, Rand. I think that that is the future. That is probably the future, and um, I think it's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. Radimus says uh, in the subject, God of War is going to PC before Uncharted, but it was announced later, almost like they needed to get the hardcore fans ready. It's interesting, isn't it? And Faith says. Horizon 5, Halo Infinite goes to PC day one, nobody cares. God of War 2018, three years later, goes to PC, breaks the internet, and I'm willing to make a bet about day and date, Rand. Uh, I mean, the bet, I don't know, the, the whole bet thing would be, because I don't, like, like I said, I'm not given a time frame. I don't think it's next year or even the year after. So, like, we'd be waiting a long time to for the bet to actually bear fruit. 
Um, but it's something we could talk about. Now as for like Halo, Horizon 5 and Halo Infinite goes to PC day one, nobody cares. Yeah. You know why? Nobody cares because it's standard. Microsoft has been putting their games on PC day one for five years now. Nobody gets excited about anything standard. It's standard practice. Uh, Sony, which has been the holdout, mainly because also the fans have been vocally against Sony putting their games on PC. Let's not forget that. So a lot of the whole breaking the internet is because Sony fans are crying tears that God of War is coming to PC. The the reason why people say that nobody cares about Horizon and Halo going to PC is because Xbox is a PC publisher. They're, they're a PC developer. They put all their games on PC. Of course nobody cares at this point because it's just completely standard. That's why, like, when EA put their, puts their games on PC, nobody cares either because that's just the way it's done. So it's not exciting. It's just the way it is. But for now, every time Sony announces a game, it'll be interesting. Um, and they'll keep on, you know, but the more they do it, the less interesting and exciting it'll get because it'll start becoming more and more standard. So, yeah, sure, like, God of War, four years later, who really cares at this point? It's extra money, right? And I'm sure that's what everybody's thinking. Yeah, but it's like, at some point, it's not going to be four years. Like, God of War Ragnarok? Do you really think, let's see, God of War Ragnarok comes out this year, right? Uh, do you think it comes to PC in 2026? Or do you think it comes to PC a lot sooner than that? Does it come to PC in 2024? Hell, does it come to PC in 2023? That's the thing. Like, a lot of people will be like, well, one, Sony will never do it. And now that they are doing it, oh, well, it's only two to three to four years later. But then what happens when it's only a year later? What happens when it's just two years later? What happens when it's six months later? What happens when they just take one of their games and do a day-and-date release just to kind of see, right? So that's why <laughs> that's why it breaks the Internet, simply because a lot of Sony fans hate it. And, well, because God of War is also an amazing game, and PC players can finally play it. But the more and more this stuff becomes standard the less and less it's going to break the Internet. So that's kind of how it is. Yeah. Microsoft, yeah. Microsoft, Microsoft, yeah, Microsoft putting their games on PC isn't a thing. Isn't, nobody cares because it's just it's been standard for five years now. So why would it why would it do when they did do When they did it for Quantum Break, people freaked out then. Do you remember? They sure did. They sure did. People, people got bitch slapped down by Phil... Uh, people were up in arms about Xbox games going to PC. There was, yeah, it was, it was a massive thing. It was huge, and it was the first one. But now, because they've been doing it ever since then, nobody cares. It's just what it is. It's just Microsoft strategy. So, same thing will happen with PlayStation when it becomes more and more standard. And I, some of it's just because their fan base just they blow a gasket. Whenever a game gets announced for place for a PlayStation exclusive goes to PC, they're just some of, some of the PlayStation fans act like just children when it comes to that shit. So, Di Almighty Spartan God says 15 months. Well, damn, it's been that long. It has been a long time, man. Thanks for supporting the channel. Uh, Gecko Gamer says, "What do you think is going? What do you think is going to be necessary to preserve games long term? I personally want to move away from 100% being dependent on storefronts." Um, hmm, game preservation. That, that, yeah, that, that's a controversial topic because, you know, I know that uh, Microsoft has this sort of idea. People are worried about Microsoft's DRM because, like, 
there is there is this sort of there is this mentality that Microsoft ever shuts down their servers, you lose access to that content. And we see it, we saw it with um, PlayStation Vita recently, where people were wondering if they were going to, you know, lose access to their stuff. And um, Microsoft actually themselves shut down one of their digital stores uh, not a couple of years ago. Microsoft Groove, which was their, their attempt to take on, their ill-fated attempt to take on Spotify, um, they shut that down, and uh, when they shut it down, they released all the DRM checks on the MP3s and told people to download them if they want to keep them. Now, can you do that with games? Not to the same degree. And, you know, there is, there is multiple, there are layers of problems with this, because some games are designed around the DRM they have. Like, I've seen this, we've seen this before, where... Again, a, 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 a service that is attached to a game gets shut down, and then the game breaks because the game is designed from the ground up to expect the DRM check. So, it is a problem to some degree. Um, there are no there are no globally accepted standards for how this should work. No globally accepted accepted practices for preserving games. And we're just sort of depending on companies to do the right thing now. It bugs the hell out of me, Rand, that all through the Wii gen, the whole the whole generation of the Nintendo Wii, uh, Nintendo was selling uh, three um, backwards compatible games digitally on the Wii uh, as part of their I think it's called the Virtual Console, if I remember correctly. They were selling games on there, and then you'd think for the Nintendo Switch. They'd put the the uh, the virtual console and their emulators on the Switch, and we we know full well the Switch can do it. But they instead tied those games up to a new subscription service, you know. So anyone who bought the the digital version of Super Metroid on the Nintendo Wii, for example, they just have to rely on the fact that their Nintendo Wii is never ever gonna break, and we know that's not gonna happen. But the problem is with all this DRM stuff. If you take a sort of really long view, and I mean a really long view, decades into the future, entropy, entropy claims everything in the end. Like, so for me, when I think about this DRM stuff, I'm not worried about DRM. I'm not worried about Microsoft server shutting down. I'm worried about World War Three and the whole the whole civilization collapsing. You know, I think like I think human society will would have to end for Microsoft to actually turn off Azure servers. Because, you know, it would take something truly catastrophic to bury a trillion-dollar company like Microsoft. So I'm not personally worried about the DRM stuff. I'm more worried about older games, which um, I'm more worried about older games when it comes to, like, uh, DRM, because... Uh, game preservation because like you, you can't even buy a lot of these games anymore you have to like look on eBay and you know the games aren't being printed anymore and you know how do you even get access to those games and one way you can get access to them is like you know relying on companies who own the rights to them to make a digital version and then at least we got the digital version to, to look look to you know but then you know 
people have to make those games and they have to get paid at the end of the day. And how do you pay them? You know, you have to sell the game. How do you make sure people don't pirate them? You have to use DRM, you know. So it's a whole it's a whole system of pros and cons really. And and then it's ultimately like what where do you personally feel about it? I personally don't care. You know. And I don't think people who are in the Microsoft ecosystem, at least, I don't think you need to worry about them shutting down Azure or shutting down Xbox Live anytime soon. They make way too much money on it. So, mm. I don't know. That's kind of my long-winded take about that. I'm more worried about entropy around than they are in. Yeah, it sounds like it. Are you worried about entropy? Worried about them physics, huh? Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, the, the downfall of democracy and the... The end of society. That that's, that that concerns me. Not so much the DRM. Right. Uh, does Game Pass concern you? Do you think it's struggling? Do you think it failed this year, Jazz? Yeah, that was the other big topic of the week. Um, there was a uh, who broke that news about the um, targets. I think I saw. Um, who used to be the former editor of uh, of Kotaku? Stephen Satillo, his website, I believe. Oh yeah, it was Axios. Okay, so Axios Newsletter, news, Axios News Agency broke the news that Microsoft had missed its targets for Xbox Game Pass. It was supposed to grow 40-something percent. 48%. Yeah, 48%. Yes. And it only grew 37%, so it missed out on 11%. And this is tied to executive pay bonuses for, um, for what, June 20, uh, what was it, June 20, uh, 2020 to June, uh, 2021, right? That, that, that fiscal year, essentially, last yeah, fiscal year. Right. So it was, it was, it was targets. They, they came up with the new fiscal year where the executive team w- would get a bonus, right? Correct me if I'm saying this wrong. Uh, if Game Pass was 48% or growth was 48% or higher, uh, that the, yeah. that Satya, uh, would get would reach his bonus and stuff, and it didn't reach 48 percent uh, or 47 percent or whatever it was. It only reached 37 percent. And of course, there's been a lot of talk about this, a lot of articles written. Jeff Grubb had a great one on uh, Venture Beat, which I agreed with. Like Microsoft needs uh, their big games. You know, they need the Halos to come out and hit, and Forza to come out and hit, and Starfields and the Redfalls. Like that's what's going to grow Game Pass. Like. Uh, indie games are great, and there's tons of amazing ones on the service, but I'm not sure people subscribe. Maybe they do stay subscribed for those, like for the Artful Escapes and the Ascents and stuff like that, but I'm not sure those games really get people to subscribe. I think they get them to stay subscribed. And Microsoft, as we've talked about, uh, they launched the Xbox Series X with Gears Tactics, and um, they had updates for existing games that were already in Game Pass. Uh, they had the Medium, and they had MLB The Show, and uh, Outriders in April. Like, for the most part, I think up until July, I think Game Pass had a pretty bad year for the most part. A lot, Obviously, a lot of games have been delayed. That factors into it. Um, and when they made this, Projection, obviously, in June, Halo Infinite was supposed to also launch, which, you know, when you, when you factor in, okay, 
48% was the target, and they hit 37%. What would it have been like if Halo was actually ready at the launch of the Series X? Could they have hit that target? Potentially. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they would have. And then nobody would be talking about them missing a target. Uh, they they maybe would have hit it if Halo would come out. I I think this, what this really signals is an overreaction, because a lot of people really don't talk about how this is, you know, as you mentioned, since you're in the Microsoft reporting, how these targets are always really high, right, Jez? Like, they're they're high for a reason. Yeah. Um, and that Teams and Surface didn't hit their targets either, right? Yeah, a bunch, a bunch of Microsoft Surface didn't, didn't hit their executive pay bonus uh, targets. Surface didn't hit it, apparently. And... Um, some some others didn't hit it, but that it's you know like you say those targets are high pie in the sky kind of targets for a reason because they want to they want to pressure the people in charge to actually deliver serious results. I think like it's really funny because imagine imagine if the target had been thirty five percent right and um that had that had to grow thirty five percent and they did hit it. Um, people would still be like, you know, nobody would be talking about it. But because they missed a target, apparently that's somehow like a bad thing, even though it grew like by a massive amount. And obviously then you get people who uh, have an axe to grind with Xbox and want to troll and stuff like that. They take it and they spin it into something that it ain't, and then we get like a whole bunch of articles and stuff about it. Um, You know, I think uh, Tom Tom Warren's tweet about it cracked me up. Like, oh no, poor Microsoft! They have to recover from thirty-seven percent growth. You know, <laughs> like when you when you like seriously like put it into perspective and really like analyze what's going on here, it's positive news. <laughs> um, you know, but those targets are high for a reason. But you know, they they the executives have to earn earn that, and um. To get some so some of these targets is like getting blood out of a stone, and it also comes back to what you said earlier, Rand. That Xbox has become more of a mature, maybe mature studio, and they they are willing to delay games now. Like they could have released Halo Infinite last year in, in a mess. They could have. And that probably even it in an even in a messy state, it probably would have boosted Game Pass subs because it's Halo. Um, but they they were like, you know, no, we're gonna pace ourselves and you know do the right thing and release it as good as it can be because, like, you know, that's that's what people want, ultimately. They want Halo to be good. And if Halo's in a bad place because of COVID or whatever, um, which is still sending shockwaves throughout the gaming industry, not gone away, we're still in the pandemic, um, then, you know, that would have been bad. It would have been a bad thing. So I think they, did, they totally did the right thing in delaying that, even if it meant some executives missed their bonuses. But, like, you have to wonder, in another company, like your Activision or whatever, Activision hitting their their target bonuses or whatever, would Bobby Kotick have cut the same corner? Um, would Bobby Kotick have, have, like, would he have made those same delays? I don't think he would. Because, um, you know, evidently, Activision love releasing unfinished games, like uh, Warcraft 3 Reforged, which is a total mess. And uh, you know uh, the other the other load of half baked games that um, that they've released lately. So I don't know. I think it's just a bit of a non-story. 
I don't think it's a big deal, but I do completely agree that to start turning the gasoline up, they need those AAA bangers because those are the games that really, really boost the service. Yeah, I mean, it's great that Back, Back for Blood is doing well. It's really great. But, you know, I don't think a Back for Blood is going to do the same kind of numbers as a Halo. It's not going to do the same kind of numbers as a Starfield. It's not going to do the same kind of numbers as, uh, I don't know, Peppa Pig. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think people might actually subscribe for Back for Blood and, and out, game like Outriders, though. Like I, I actually yeah, think those those are important. And George says in the super chat, first half of 2022 is the same. Nothing till Redfall. Uh, nothing till the end of the year with uh, Redfall and Forza. And he says Microsoft needs to do a better job of spacing games. First half of 2022 is empty, while the back half is full. They need uh, Age of Empires, Persona, et cetera, first half of 2022. And, yeah, I mean, like like I mentioned, they launched Gears Tactics as a launch game, and they didn't. their next first-party game wasn't until July for Microsoft Flight Sim, which had already been out on PC the year before, and Psychonauts 2 in August. So, yeah, like, Game Pass didn't have its best year. And, you know, you look at the end of the year, and it's stuffed, right? You got Age of Empires in October. You have... Forza in November, and you have Halo in December. And then here comes 2022, and we already know Starfield's end of the year. It has a release date, November 22nd, right? You can assume if Forza Motorsport comes out, it's probably in October. And we know Redfall, they say, is summer, so probably September. So you're already looking for, once again, the end of the year, it's probably going to be packed for Xbox. But what about the first, uh, you know... <laughs> Ten nine months of the year, Xbox usually seems to forget that people want to play video games in the first nine months. And I understand some of that has to do with when these games are targeted to come out and all that stuff. Like, I get it, but, like, Stalker's coming out in April. Uh, maybe SS Falls comes out at a certain point. But you're right, Georgie. They need to do a better job of it. Uh, we think that's when uh, the one AAA game per quarter We'll start hitting in 2023, and I think Xbox will never look back after that. So it's frustrating uh, to know that, like... You know, there's, um, there's something interesting you just made me think about, is the, is the fact that I heard Obsidian is gunning for one game every year for the next... Like, they've got plans for a game every year for the next seven years. Um, that's what I've heard about uh, Obsidian. I have no idea if they're going to feasibly be able to hit that. That's a pretty ambitious goal. But it does make me wonder if that's like, could they could they be trying to build a model that other studios can follow? Like, are they trying to build like, build like, what does a Game Pass studio look like? Do they have like two big releases and then two smaller teams working on like more experimental things like Grounded and stuff like that? It's, you know, it's interesting to think about it for me. Um, because I do, you know, Obsidian is Absolutely, they're smashing it. You know, like the ground. Like, believe it or not, I've been playing Grounded basically this whole podcast because um, they released a pretty massive update for the game, hot and hazy, with a bunch of new features in, and it took me back into the game. You know, and this 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 is a game made by a very very small team. You know, you can't you cannot possibly take away. Like, I don't I don't care if people don't like if people don't like um. People don't like uh, Grounded. That's totally cool. You know, survival is not not for everyone. But you have to admire what a team of 12 people pulled together here. This is like, Grounded is way more polished than Ark Survival Evolved. 
Like, it's it's not even close. Like, you know, Ark Survival Evolved, and I might upset some people here because I know Ark Survival Evolved has some, a serious fan base, but man, Grounded is, plays far better than Ark Survival Evolved. It's way more polished. It's it's smoother. The engine's better. Like, and this is a team of 12 people. I think it's, it's more polished and it plays better than Conan Exiles as well, which has a far bigger team behind it. So I, I think Obsidian is truly something special. And I do wonder, like, can other, other studios look at how Obsidian's, you know, approaching the, their, their game development and emulate that to get Game Pass in a flow of, like, one tempole release every quarter? Or maybe... But that's, it's, it's not 12 people, it's 20 people, sorry. Grounded, Grounded has 20 people on it, I think. It's a small team, put it that way. It's not a big team by any means, but... Yeah. It's uh, it's cool to think about. Yeah, I mean, like, also, 38%. There's going to be times in the future where Xbox is going to wish they could hit 38%, you know? When when you're already at 40 million or 50 million, you know, growing the next year at 30% isn't really probably a viable thing, right? So, um, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. I, it just seems like Game Pass has this target on its back for a lot of people. Um, yeah, they don't like it. The people, you know, whether there's just a lot of people that don't like the service because they think somehow it's going to change the industry for the worse um, or change, you know, and change is always a, a thing people fear. So they see it missing by 11% and they're like, oh, it's done for, um, you know, like this is it, like wrap it up. Yeah. Not only is Game Pass done for, that means Xbox is done for because they put so much behind it. So it's like, Xbox is finally, they're done. Like, they're getting out of the gaming business. Game Pass has failed, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, they'll, they'll do their Twitter spaces and talk about, you know, a system they hate and, and be like, what's going on here? Why is, why is Game Pass sucking so bad? But then God of War comes to PC the next day, and Twitter, there's nobody in Twitter spaces talking about God of War coming to PC. Interesting. <laughs> um so, yeah, the thing is, it's like they need games. Uh, also, like, the chip shortage hurts not being able to sell Series Xs to help grow grow the Game Pass thing. Like, not having the best store on the PC side of things isn't helping either. Um, so there's there's ways they can get better. It's just like, but the big thing is they need the games, like 100%. You're not going to grow a service if you don't got the games and the games people want to play. So, you know, we... We heard Jeff Grubb say that they got billions earmarked for Game Pass. They're going to have to spend some of those billions next year because early next year looks a lot like early this year. So Microsoft's going to have to go out and spend some of that money and convince some of these publishers and developers to put their games on Game Pass Day 1 because that is what's going to grow Game Pass. Big AAA games on on Game Pass Day 1 mingled in with Xbox's own first-party content. So that, that's just what Xbox needs, and they didn't have it this year until basically now, until Forza and Halo hits. And then they're going to have a dry first half of 2022 until Redfield, Redfall and Starfield hit at the end. And then 2023 should be the beginning of basically what Xbox has been trying to aspire to since they started Game Pass, which is one AAA game a quarter. And that's when you'll know, like, is Game Pass something that's going to grow? Is 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 like you you, ha- you have all these games now. Is like is it 
or is it still going to, you know, like not hit its targets, I, I guess. So we'll see. I just There's always something with Game Pass, and it's usually negative from group of people, but we'll see. We'll see how that, how that all plays out. Um, what it's do you want to grow a service, you know? Yeah. It's odd. Um, like, like Netflix is, like even like Disney Plus, like Disney Plus is not close to Netflix. Like even even with all the power Disney has, Netflix is just on a completely another level. You know, and uh, Disney Disney is probably like racking their brains, like how can we grow? How can we like get up to that level? And um, you know, it's, it's just time and investment. You know, it, it takes time, and it's gonna it's gonna be harder for Xbox because like, you know, at least with media, you can it's a little bit. I don't, I don't want to say simpler, but it's like it's it's um, you know, it's easier to get a TV show or a movie across devices. With Game Pass Cloud, they've got to they've got to come up with whole new systems and paradigms to make that shit work. And um, it's gonna take time, but they'll get there. You know, Netflix got there. Netflix uh, famously was laughed out of board meeting with Blockbuster, who are now dead. <laughs> and um, the people who are laughing at Game Pass now are gonna be the ones uh, with egg on their face, you know, or the ones that are very very quiet, you know, in the future. The the people writing the articles, the people who are like. Thin, thin, you know, they're writing articles and they're sort of, they're, they're struggling to hide their fear of it. You know, the fear of change, like you say. Because they're, they're, they're reaching for any kind of way to pour scorn on it. And it's, it's obvious sometimes. It's like really obvious that it's just like, you don't really have that strong of an argument here, mate. It's just kind of coming across a bit like, you just don't like what it might do to the industry. Um, or whatever, or you've you've spoken to a dev who sh- shared a fear about it, like because I think I think it is fair to have some fear fear of it, you know, because Netflix has disrupted the theater industry, Spotify sure as hell disrupted the music industry, but I don't think Game Pass has to be like do the the bad things like um like Spotify did to the music industry. I don't think Game Pass has to be there. I think Game Pass can learn from Spotify and make make a platform that works for everyone involved, and that's my thoughts on that. Mm, interesting. Um, Edward King says, "What other Xbox studios can stretch out with multiple teams like Obsidian?" Um, hmm. I think Playground might be able to. Well, I mean, we you know they got two studios. One's doing Forza. One's doing Fable. So yeah. I mean, like, even, like, splitting off to make, oh, like, okay. smaller games and stuff. Like, uh, Double Fine, I mean, I suppose in some way, um, a Double Fine are doing something similar, and I suppose, um, to some degree, Ninja Theory did that with, uh, Bleeding Edge, um, God Rest It So On. <laughs> Not that it's actually dead, like, I know a lot of people who still play that game. Um, that, that is funny. I might actually write an article about that. Because you, you know Bleeding Edge still has, like, a pretty strong community of people who play it, like, every day. What, like, like 100 I mean, people? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but it's like, you can still get a game in, in Bleeding Edge. Like, it's not, it's not like, um, it's not like, uh, it's full of bots or anything. You can still get a game in Bleeding Edge. I think Bleeding Edge shouldn't have been dropped as quick as it was, but that's just me. That's just me. 
I digress. Yeah. Um, uh, Matt Booty's comments. Uh, everybody in the media yeah. asked him about, hey, what about these? What about play? You gonna make these PlayStation style box blockbuster games? You know, and uh, Xbox says kind of, yeah. So he was on the interview with Kind of Funny Games and was asked if, uh, you know, they want uh, Sony style blockbusters. And uh, this is what Matt had to say. He said, first, to bring it up, hats off to Sony and their studio system and the leaders that they got there. It's fantastic. Um, you can't argue with the quality and the craft of the games they delivered that they're working on now and the stuff we've seen so far. So kudos uh, and hats off to them. He says, I tend to come at l- that less of one of these and more making sure that we are paying attention to fan expectations. I think there's a certain kind of game that generates an anticipation that kind of becomes this big tentpole moment. It's a game that fits the intersection that everybody can play, and it's also a big world that you feel like you can inhabit. I think those kind of games are important. And uh, it's been a place where we have not been out in front. We haven't really had that sort of one-to-one with Sony. Um, he doesn't want to get into, well, where's our Uncharted or our own Horizon Zero Dawn? Where's our this and where's our that? He doesn't think that does anybody any good, but uh, what his takeaway is is that there are games – that have universal themes, that have got a big world that people want to get lost in, and have really well-realized characters and high production values. And that is absolutely what we want to go after. Um, and that they want to have those kinds of games uh, for their fans is important to them. So what is your takeaway from Mr. Booty, who normally, he's very he's very quiet. He's not He doesn't really do a lot of interviews like Phil does. He's kind of more reserved. They don't, they don't bring him out for a lot of... Uh, lot of these things, a lot of interviews, but, um, you know, what, what do you think about his comments? They are doing a round of, um, they are doing rounds of interviews at the minute because, uh, um, you know, it's, it's the 20th anniversary coming up, so they've got, like, they've got, you know, they're, they're celebrating. There's, there are things to celebrate at the moment. So uh, I think we'll probably see other interviews. I probably Phil do some interviews with some, like, legitimate outlets not not with me i don't get interviews with phil i'm not cool enough but you know we'll see i, I suspect you'll see phil in like some of the the big published um the big name outlets out there maybe but um what i think of matt booty's comments well it's sort of like we've heard it before right haven't we surely i think mm-hmm. and it's kind of like I'm just sort of tired of hearing it. I just want to see it now. I believe, I do firmly believe, I do believe that Hellblade will be sort of their attempt at least. Because some, some people misquoted me last week. Oh my god, said, I'm shocked. Um, no, misquoted Jazz about yeah. Hellblade. Oh my god, no, I didn't, I didn't see that coming a million miles away. Yeah. I, did, I said uh, I said that um, I think Hellblade will be the the God of War competitor or whatever. Some someone said, Jez said Hellblade will be better than God of War or something like that, which is not what I said. I just said that'll be that kind of that'll be in that kind of vein. I think it'll be that looks like and plays like. And I know Marvel Avengers for a lot of flack people gave it for the multiplayer like game looked good and you know and had a, had a really good single player campaign so like you know what Crystal Dynamics is good at so it's like you're telling people like well this is what expect Perfect Dark to be like this right and as you mentioned before when you when you drop CGI trailers of State of Decay 3 which look infinitely better than State of Decay 2 
you need to kind of hit those expectations where you talk about, you know, high production values and, and stuff like that, right? So hopefully Xbox Game Studios can, can hit that. And I think a lot of their studios will. I think Obsidian's going to kill it. I think people are probably going to love Avowed. Um, even though it may not be the heavily cinematic uh, uh, game that people want, but like, I don't necessarily want or need Xbox to do one-to-one copy PlayStation. They need to do their own thing and be great at it. Um, that's the thing, because most of the time with this past gen, they weren't great at what they were trying to do. Uh, sometimes it was great, and some, sometimes it was just was bad. So, you know, I have PlayStation to do the PlayStation stuff, and I have Xbox for everything that Xbox is doing. And all I've wanted, whether it's a double-A or triple-A game from Xbox, is the game to be great and amazing. Whether it's a small game like Psychonauts 2 or a big game like Halo. I don't care. I'm not looking for them, for all their studios, to copy PlayStation I want them to do their own thing, but the one thing I do demand is that the games actually be quite good. They can't just be like, well, the game's just okay, but what does it matter because it's in Game Pass? Nah, fuck that. Fuck that. I hate that fucking argument. It's fucking bullshit. I, I see people bring it up all the time where it's like, ah, it's okay. It's, it's a 6 out of 10. It's a 7 out of 10. It's, but it's free, though. Fuck that. I don't care if it's fucking free in Game Pass. My time is valuable. Like, I'm not here to play boring-ass bullshit and play games that are just merely okay, and it's okay simply because it's in a subscription service. Like, I have Netflix. I watch a lot of stuff on Netflix, but I only watch good shit or the shit I like. I'm not watching every single garbage thing that Netflix puts out because my time is valuable. So Xbox better hope that they got the studios they want, and that their money can help them build bigger and better games that are going to be great. Because I'm I'm telling you, we come to a couple years from now, and Hellblade 2 is just merely okay, but people are saying, oh, it's fine because it's in Game Pass for free. Fuck that shit. I hate, I hate that fucking argument. I hate it when people bring that up all the time as an excuse. As Game Pass is an excuse for games to be mediocre. I, I, I think it's the... I just hate it. I hate it so much. And I'm not, I may read, though. Well, and I'll give like something <laughs> like like Outsiders and Back for Blood a pass because Xbox isn't making those games, right? Like whatever you can put those games on the service. That's fine. I'm like you're making your own games and you're putting your own games on the service. Those games better be great. I'm not saying every single like all those games have to be the super high production value that PlayStation has, but like if it's Psychonauts two, like. And it hit that. Like, I had my doubts about Psychonauts. I was like, what is this small little game going to be? But it wasn't small. And it had great production values for what it was. And it had a great story. And it was like, it was everything that I wanted it to be. That I didn't even know I wanted. It was a game I didn't even know I want. And it came out, and it was absolutely fantastic. And it's going to be grand. It's going to be game of the year. Going to be nominated for game of the year. That's what I want. Whether it's a small game or a big game, I just want it to be unique. And amazing from Xbox. I just, I just don't want to have to be like, well, Crackdown 3 was fun, uh, and it was free. I don't fucking give a shit if it's free. It needs to be really fucking good. And that's the only way Xbox Game Pass is going to grow. 
that Xbox that people are going to look at, at Xbox differently than um, uh, how they have in the past. People, I don't know, like it, it seemed like with this past gen, people just expected mediocrity. Like that needs to change, and you can't just use Game Pass as an excuse to put out oh, just okay games just because well it's free. No, the games need to be great. That's how you're going to grow Game Pass. That's how you're going to change people's minds about the service and about Xbox in general. Yeah. So. You are right, pal. So. Preach. Preach, We'll see. We'll see. Because I'm sure if Halo Infinite's campaign isn't good, I'm sure we're going to see people use the excuse, oh, it's free in Game Pass. Who cares? And I, I just, I, I don't know. It's just that excuse and that whole thing just, Infinitely bothers me. Just it really does. It's like you don't care about you don't care about quality. Like you just you just care about not spending whatever. Anyways, I just had to get that off my chest, right? So, um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, they can back up what they're saying. So we'll see. We shall see. But anyways, I think that's where we're gonna end the show. We'll take some questions because it's already kind of getting late. So thank you guys for being here. Make sure you hit the like button. This will be up on, um, you know, Spotify and, and Google Play and iTunes. Uh, whenever Jez gets around to it, I'll send him the file, and you guys can listen to it there. We appreciate everyone being here on Saturday. Um, Alvin says people will not use that excuse here in 2019, man. No, I, I, I see people use that excuse all the time. So I'm just saying that can't be an, that can't be an excuse anymore. You know, um, so, yeah, it just can't be. I just, uh, I won't accept it. I'll just be like, no, it doesn't matter that this game is, is, is bad just because it's in Game Pass or whatever, so. <clears throat> Anyways, um, let's see, do we have any questions, Jez? Do you have anything you want to say? We got one from XGamer. Does Jez know anything about being able to change the email associated with the Xbox account without deleting or removing the original? Um, you do that in account.microsoft.com and then under your user settings, it is possible to do, I think. Um, I've tried to do it, but my account is like bugged and it won't let me change. It won't let me change on mine for some reason. So I don't know if it's because I got so much content tied to my account or something. I have no idea, but. Um, the whole account system and changing the email addresses is kind of messed up on Xbox, but you do it, you do it through, if it works for you, you do it through accounts, or is it account or account? It's either accounts.microsoft.com or accounts.microsoft.com, and there's a setting somewhere in there to do it, but, um, yeah, maybe I'll write a guide about that next week. I don't know off the top of my head exactly how to do it, is what I'm saying. Right. Um, yeah, let me see here. Google kind of, uh, Google kind of went wonky on me. Hopefully you were still live. Um, I was, it was weird because it says I was logged out. Um, yeah. which, uh, which I wasn't, but either way, I think we're still live. Let me, let me go and uh, see if we still are. Uh, yeah, let me see here. I think we are. I think we are. No, and we're still live. Let me make sure. 
Uh, Whittier says, Rand, what are you doing for the 20th anniversary? Jazz, what will Windows Central do for the 20th anniversary? I, um, I don't know what I'm doing yet. I mean, we got a month, a month to decide, so maybe I'll stream it. Um, I don't know. Jazz, you know what, uh, your plans are for Windows Central yet? Um, man, I'm, I'm just exhausted of this year already, so I don't know if we've made any explicit plans for the, the anniversary. We'll definitely be covering it. Um, I don't know if we're going to do anything specific for it, but who knows? Wait and see. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it at least. Yeah, uh, let's see here. What else we got? Uh, Airfight wants to know what about our thoughts on the rapid popularity of the Series S in Japan, and he hopes Xbox goes for more indies. It's good to see that they're seeing more success in Japan. The Series S, um, small system. We know that uh, Jap- the Japanese like the, you know, the, the smaller systems, and it's a mobile country. Um, so yeah, they just need to work more in the Japanese market to maybe maybe this is the gem they they start crawling back with Japanese audience. Maybe they can make more Japanese uh, title like you know get some more Japanese games on their platform. Have some maybe buy a Japanese studio and like maybe they start seeing some moderate success in the country. Um, it's interesting, but it's it's all it all goes to like demand. And the games, like you have to have games that appeal to that that country. And Series S, you know, maybe it, maybe it fits over there. Um, so let's see. Uh, what do we think about the rumors that Everwild development isn't going as bad as initially believed? I mean, you know, uh, what what was it like? The report was that it was completely rebooted, and Matt said, "No, nah, that's just." It's not as bad as it sounds. It was just like, hey, they're always making sure the game's good. Um, you know, it did lose this creative director, so maybe some things change, but we know what the game's going to look like. And they're probably just figuring out, like, how to make it fun and how, like, what's the gameplay loop. And maybe there was just differing thoughts at the studio about it and stuff. So uh, we'll see whenever we do see it again. Uh, Funchito says, any news in the Game Pass and Steam rumor? Do you think it's more interesting for Xbox or for Valve? I think it's more interesting for Xbox because Valve has 140 million players a month and Xbox is one of Xbox's like target growth areas is PC, but like they know nobody wants to use the Windows Store to play their games. So it would greatly help out Microsoft's uh, long-term goals to get Game Pass in front of those PC users and have them subscribe. So I think it would be... Uh, more interesting for Xbox than for Valve. I mean, Valve's already the dominant force in PC gaming. Um, I haven't heard anything about Game Pass on Steam. I don't know if you have, Jez, or what your thoughts are about it. Are Game Pass on Steam. Um, man, I just I just wonder what the deal looks like, personally. Definitely Microsoft wants it more than Valve, potentially, because, you know, at the end of the day, like, potentially Valve loses sales if you know people people um just use game pass and don't and valve doesn't have any kind of kickback but microsoft is earning a lot of goodwill with um third-party storefronts at the minute because of their new windows store policy um so the new windows store policy is third-party stores can be on the windows store now 
So like, um, for example, the Amazon App Store, the Android Amazon App Store is now on the Windows Store, which is like Storeception um, on the uh, Windows Insider. I knew about the Cloud Save trick because I'm an achievement hunter, and we've been using that since the you know the the, the dawn of the Xbox One. So it was nothing I already didn't know. So when I posted my stats and was like, "Hey, I hit level 60," you know, in 70 hours or whatever it was, people were like, "You know, that's impossible." Uh, you know, and there's no way you could do this without cheating and using guides and all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm "Like, you sure?" <laughs> I mean, because I played the game. The majority of the time at a party with my with my with my buddy Gopher, right? We were exploring Elden Ring together. We weren't playing the game in co-op. We were each playing our separate games, but we were in a party together, and it was really cool to play that game that way because one of us would find something and then tell the other one. So when we would get to that spot or whatever, we you know that person would find it, right? But we didn't play it together, and I. Uh, you know, people were like, oh, you cheated, you, you you farmed. The only thing I did, I think, was I, I, I killed the Knight Cavalry and Caleb super early. Uh, I think I got him to despawn. And I think that got me an extra 15 levels more than I probably should have had or something like that. But <laughs> I didn't farm because, yeah, there was this, like, thing where, you fo- where he follows you up a yeah, path. Dude, and if you had farmed, it would have... Put your time up, but anyway, wouldn't it? Like I farmed a shitload because I like I end up getting a weapon. I'm like, oh man, I need some stats for this weapon, so I end up farming to get the stats to use the weapon I want to use. So I farmed a load, and yeah, I'm. I think I'm like, and also I've been doing a lot of stuff for guide writing, so I'm like, I'm like, a hundred hours on my main save, and then like forty hours on my second save. I made two saves for writing guides. Um, but everyone plays Elden Ring at a different pace. Like, if you do, like, force your way through and kill the bosses by just learning them, you can do it much more quickly than if you actually just try and farm and overpower them, which is honestly how I'm playing I just it. Over- I, I just overpowered all of them. Like, you saw my video of beating uh, Mog, the, you know, the Lord of Blood, I just had my Mimic tier, I had my two Colossal Swords, and I beat him in less than a minute. That was, like, literally every single boss fight for me in that game. Just run up to him with my two swords, have my have my buddy, my Mimic tier, come with me, and it was over. Like, uh, sadly nerfed, no. <laughs> sadly nerfed, yeah, but, yeah, that was, that was, I didn't have a complicated uh, build. I didn't wasn't using like blood. I wasn't using Horfrost Stomp, or I, I didn't even use the Ashes of War. Like I didn't I didn't even change it off my first weapon. I I literally just had two Colossal Swords. I pumped strength. Uh, you know I had like fifty vigor and fifty endurance, and I both my weapons like maxed out. And I thought for the most part the game was really easy. And especially it was just a joke once you got the mimic tier. Uh, so I just kind of breezed through the game. I went everywhere. I, I, I thought I saw everything. And it was just like looking for like, okay, I want to get the thousand. So let me, let me figure out how to get these legendary items and some of these quest lines, like Fia's, Fia's quest line for the Deathback Companion. I wasn't really sure how to do, so I looked up that. But yeah, um, 
I mean, it's funny to see because some people get so upset if you play Elden Ring a certain way. Like you, you, you know, you play in co-op, you're cheating. If you're if you're using oh, yeah, magic, yeah. you're cheating. If you're doing this, you're cheating. If you, it's like the devs put all that stuff in the game for a reason. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily call it reason. They gatekeep the hell out of that stuff. They 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 really do. They gatekeep it. Like, and I don't know why. Like, I had this in Dark Souls too when I was playing Dark Souls last year. Um, what did someone say to me? I posted a game clip and someone was like, oh, you're playing it on easy mode then. And I was like, eh, what do you, what do you mean? And they're like, uh, I can't remember the name of the armor set I was using. But I was, I was using that really heavy armor set, the black iron set, I think, um, that you get from Arnold Londo. And he was like, oh, yeah, that armor set makes it easy mode. And it's like, it had better stats than what I was using. Isn't that what you're meant to do in an RPG? Use the... Stuff that has better stats? It's crazy, man. Like, uh, just, it's, it is funny how people get all upset about the way you play these games. But, you know, they're going to have to deal with that, I think, because I think this is, Elden Ring is pretty much the mainstreaming of this genre, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Loads of people are discovering it for the first time. Loads of people are you know, enjoying playing it the way they want to play, breaking the game, using, you know, Mimic Tear and Comet Azure and all the different, you know, tools they put in the game for you to basically break it. Like, there's some there's some stuff in there that has been nerfed, like the Horfrost Stomp's been nerfed. And, Mimic Tear. Uh, my bro, the Mimic, Mimic Tear's been nerfed. Yeah. You know, he had um, my back the whole game, really guys. Mimic Tear at my back yeah. the whole game. They they nerfed them, <laughs> but they didn't nerf yeah. Comet Azure. I ain't... no, they haven't. Comet Azure is not overpowered because is, is, is that is that is that the is that the spell where it's like I see where people it's like a, just a stream of blue projectile just like destroying yeah, Comet Helmet. Yeah, okay, I figured as much. Yeah. But if the boss moves, then it's wasted, you know. So it's 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 situational. It has its trade-offs, you know. And like I I've been like um, I was uh, I was grinding Radan a bit because I wanted to help random noobs because I killed Radan and you know it was re it's really easy if you want to like help a random player it's really easy to do it at um Radan because it seems like a lot of people are stuck on him. <laughs> So you put your summon sign down, no matter what level you are, you get instantly summoned to kill to fight this boss. And I was grinding him because I wanted like I wanted three points in dexterity to use this spear that I found. And um a load of people were trying to use Comet Azur to fight Razan. But Razan just kept moving out of it. Yeah. So it was like completely useless on him. And it, it made me realise that like it wasn't as overpowered as some of the clips that I'd seen made it out to be, but I don't know. It's uh, it's a good game, and it's going to be hard to top, but, you know, Starfield's coming, so I think Starfield, it's going to be, ba this year's going to be the battle of Starfield and Elden Ring, I think, for Game of the Year. You sure about that? Yeah, I do. I do think that. I believe that. I think Starfield's going to surprise us. Well, I mean, I, I hope you're right about Starfield. We do get, we did get some uh, new Starfield details. Um, we did. More looks at concept art. I'm going to be interested to talk with you about that because there definitely seems to be a divide about how Microsoft is promoting Starfield versus how people want them to promote it, I guess. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, Jones says, uh, happy birthday, Gaz, in the super chat. So, yeah, Gaz from the wonderful Go On Live, or Game On Daily, Go, Go Live show that usually is on Saturdays, uh, a couple hours after us. Uh, he's in the chat. Uh, he's awesome. And make sure everybody wishes him happy birthday. Happy birthday, Gaz. Happy birthday. It's Gaz's birthday every day. Happy birthday, Gaz. Uh, oh, interesting super chat here from Xbox. Xbox lost PlayStation 1. We got a troll in chat, Jez. Um, <laughs> Xbox Game Studios is a mess. Perfect Dark is canceled. Oh, interesting. Oh, bless. Interesting. Bless him. Yeah. I always love people spending money to, to troll. So, I guess, yeah, Perfect Dark's been canceled. You got the inside scoop, my dude. Who are you listening to? Someone on Twitter? Uh, one of those PlayStation insiders that's literally wrong about everything? Or one of those PlayStation insiders on YouTube that can't get a thing right about anything at all? Is that is that your source on this one? Because if so, then, you know, you're going <laughs> to... Never mind. Uh, Supernova says, Green Saw, since we don't know the truth about what is inside the studio, but what was the... But what was the project's true regarding the rumor that appeared last year that it was small and experimental, and now it's up to huge triple A? Well, that's what me and Jez are going to talk about when we talk about Perfect Dark. Because you've kind of already put out tweets mentioning the fact that uh, sort of like their initial pitch uh, went by the wayside, and now it's just kind of traditional game, and that's one of the reasons why everybody decided to leave, Correct. Yeah, pretty much. I'll I'll explain more when we when we cover that topic. But yeah, but yeah, it was it, there's been a there was a disagreement over the direction of the studio, and that's why half of the core team left. And it's like, like the head the headline says half of the half of the studio quit, but it's half of the core team, which isn't the whole studio. So I think that's. Kind of an important point to make, but, but yeah, we'll talk about it more. In a yeah, achievement who's been a member for seven months says patch 1.03 hit before the last two bosses. I cowardly stopped, or I cowardly stopped the update to have Sword of Night and Flame and Mimic, Mimic not nerfed. Also, Bird Farm is best. Yeah, I I did see some people being like, I'm not updating Elden Ring time finish. <laughs> I'm not going online and updating that game. I don't want that stuff. Because uh, I know I know people personally who went out of their way to get the Sword of Night and Flame, and that was specifically nerfed. And I feel bad for them because they, like, literally went out of their way to get that sword. And uh, yeah, yeah, I I haven't used anything like that's been nerfed. I never, I've never, I haven't got the mimic tier. I haven't got like um, any of these weapons that got nerfed. So I've been like, I've just been playing with. I haven't even got Comet Azure yet. I've been using regular Comet, which got buffed. Yay! Like, all the magic spells I've been using got buffed, because everyone was just using Glintstone Pebble, because it was more FP efficient, so they've rebalanced all the other spells, so... And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's all fun and games, when things get buffed and nerfed randomly. Yeah, I know, right? And now that pain from World of Warcraft... Uh, Dave wants to know if there's any updates on Fable's development. Mm, I haven't got anything in my end. Um, I suspect we should hear something about it 
fairly soon in the next few months, maybe. Um, you, you think we're gonna? You think we're actually gonna see something from Fable this year at E3? Possibly. Um, I'm still digging into that at the moment, but we'll. we'll hmm. see. You see, I didn't think we'd see anything from Fable till next year because I had always pegged Fable as a 2024 game. In fact, I always pegged Perfect Dark as a 2024 title. Um. So do you think? I mean, so do you think Fable could potentially be next year? Or do you do you think it's maybe 2024, but they're going to start showing it off next this year? I think there's a chance to show it off this year, um, or show something off for it this year, because I think one of the things Microsoft wants to dispel right now is this narrative that they don't that they don't have anything. <laughs> so if they do have something to show Fable, I imagine they'll show it this year to to contribute to that, but. Maybe not. Maybe they'll just let, you know, Bethesda do the heavy lifting and then they'll come in with it next year or something. Because um, at the end of the day, they can't manufacture enough consoles to meet demand anyway. So it's it's not like it's not like there's a huge desperate competition between PlayStation and Xbox right now. Because as we saw from, uh, was it MPD or European sales figures or something? Um, Xbox actually outsold PlayStation in the uh, in Europe, I think, if I remember right. Yes, that is true, which oh, is yeah. something I never thought I would uh, see. Uh, yeah, that's uh, a quite shock. Outselling it in the U.S., sure, because Xbox is strong in the U.S., but selling it in the U.K., yeah, you, you know, that can happen. Selling it in, like, the entirety of the European nations that actually report, uh, that was a bit surprising, uh, does, it makes me wonder if Sony is just diverting shipments to places where Xbox is strong and not worrying about Europe at much that much right now and being like, we can afford not to send items and consoles to Spain and Germany because the battle is in the U.S. and U.K. and other places. Like, what is your read on that? I mean, I know there's the chip shortage, the console. You know, consoles are hard to get, and there's reports that it's going to go on, last for years. Um, yeah, this, this is not going away anytime soon. In fact, it's only going to get worse, I think. It's only going to get um, worse, you think? Yeah, it's going to get worse. It's definitely going to get worse because, because of this stuff in Ukraine. Like, Ukraine makes 50% of all the industrial-grade neon that you need for uh, semiconductors. <laughs> and, but, and, like, the two main plants have shut down. So if you thought the, the semiconductor shortage was going away this year, but again, that this this is going to be going on for years. This uh, the supply chain crisis with um, semiconductors, and um, obviously that impacts high end tech because you know you can't you can't adapt the silicon for a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Xbox Series X. It's harder to get the silicon for those systems, you know. So, uh, but that my my read is on it is what you said is basically that so it's allocating stocks strategically it's not like it's not like xbox has suddenly become more popular in europe um and i'm sure like i'm sure that xbox would be doing better this gen in europe than it did if there was no semiconductor shortage but um but yeah the 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 re the real reason is is that this it's it's all about stock allocations you know which is also a reason why Microsoft doesn't need to, you know, fret too badly about, um, you know, some of the marketing stuff and rushing out 
to get Fable, you know, showcased and all that kind of stuff because they can't make enough consoles to meet demand anyway. If there was like this big, if there was this big competition and there was no semiconductor shortage, I think they'd be going harder than they are. Kind of like, uh, you know, the Attitude Era with WCW, you know, the Monday Night Wars and all that. Yeah, yeah. When they were both going really hard. Now you're speaking my language here. <laughs> WCW, NWO versus WWE, The Rock, Stone Cold versus Hollywood Hogan, yeah. and Goldberg. And I'm not, not, okay, now I know what you're talking about. Okay, who's who's who? Well, what what is PlayStation 5 WWE or are they WCW? What's Xbox in this scenario? Is Xbox ECW? Oh What's Nintendo? Uh, my, I don't know. Surely Nintendo's ECW, right? Nintendo's no. ECW, okay. Yeah, surely. Surely Nintendo's ECW. Bit rough around the edges. <laughs> you know, 1080p. <laughs> At most. Might have one more like 720p, 20 frames a second. Bit rough. Games are a bit jagged, you know, like... ECW wrestling quality. <laughs> so, I don't know. What, what do you think? Like, what, I don't know. I don't know what I, to I, think. I want chance to, to answer this question. <laughs> which, you had the three, the three wrestling promotions during the 90s. Which one is uh, each of the console companies? Is ECW Nintendo? Is WCW <laughs> Xbox? Is WWE PlayStation? I, I, yeah. I, I, I this, funny. thanks for bringing this up, Jez. This is very, very amusing to me. Very amusing. Maybe, maybe Xbox is ECW, actually. I don't know. But, I, man, that, that is a, that is a funny, funny comparison to me. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Well, thanks to the Inferious One for the super chat, although he deleted the message. And hey, Xbox lost PlayStation 1, um, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to donate a lot more for me to read out what you say. So instead of it being one ninety nine, why don't you make that nineteen ninety nine, and then I'll 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 say what you you know you 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 actually put in there. Otherwise, get lost. <laughs> if you don't got if you don't got the cash, I ain't gonna say it because you're just a troll. <laughs> Wolf Assassin says, "Hey guys, did you see that Cloverfield's Xbox Game Studios first party release lineup?" According to him, Contraband About, Hellblade 2, State of the K3, and Project Mara are coming in 2023 in that order. I did. I did see that. Um, and I agree with him most, although I think he has Project Mara coming before Hellblade 2, and I disagree with him. I'm pretty sure he also has Hellblade 2 coming in 2024, if I remember looking at the chart. Um, I do agree with him about um, Contraband coming in 2023. Because I think it's already been, I think it was supposed to come this year and it got delayed. About supposed to be yeah, next sure. year. Uh, do you agree with me on that, Jez, about contraband? Yeah, uh, the docs said that it was 2022 originally. Yeah, so contraband was supposed to be this year, got delayed. Avowed this year, or avowed going to be next year. So you got contraband avowed. Uh, I don't think State of the K3 is next year, but I could be wrong. Jez, how do you feel about State of the K3? You know, Phil mentioned it on Xbox era as a game he's looking forward to, um, as well as Starfield, does that imply State of the K3 is actually coming sooner than people think? Maybe, maybe. Um, I, I would still personally think State of the K 2024, probably, but um, who knows? We could be surprised. Um, 
I haven't seen anything of State of Decay from a sort of structural point of view. Like I've I've even seen gameplay of the Outer Worlds too. Yeah. So I know I know like the Outer Worlds two is coming along. I've seen gameplay of Avowed, so I know that's coming along, but I haven't seen any gameplay of State of Decay yet, so I've no idea how far along it is, but yeah. That's right. So what do you think about the two projects from Ninja Theory, Hellblade 2 and Project Mara? Are they both coming in 2023? Is one 2023 and one 2024? Which one is first? Uh, I expect Hellblade first. Um, Project Mara I would not expect to see first, but it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell some of this stuff. It is. And Furious One says, say a prayer for the Ukraine people, Ukrainian people. Indeed. Yeah. A lot of horrible things going on over there. Hopefully uh, yeah. it all gets ended quickly. Um, Hereditary Bane says, is Starfield the savior of Xbox games this year? Well, it's definitely Jez's m- most anticipated game, is it not? Uh, I mean, what was that, sorry? Which game? Basically Starfield being the savior of Xbox game studios or Xbox games this, this year, essentially. I know it's your yeah. I know it's the one that you're looking forward to the most. Yes, Starfield's the the big one for this year, I think. Um, we've been without Todd Howard for a while now, so I would like to hope that... Uh, and he's saying all the right things to me. He's saying, like, it's more, a hard, it's more of a hardcore RPG than some of their more recent games. I think he was referring to Fallout 4 there, which was honestly more of a shooter with quests than a full-blown RPG, I think. But... Um, so it's it's good to hear that they're doubling down on the RPG aspects of it, uh, saying all the right things. So I'm really hopeful for that now. And also that companion they showed off would look pretty cool. You see the robot they showed off? I did. I did see the robot. Gra- graphics seem to have taken a pretty, pretty, I'd say a fairly large leap from Fallout 4, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it looks better. It, um... I will say, though, uh, I mean, it's a next-gen only game. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, right? It's only coming to Series yeah. X, Series S, and PC. It's not, not Xbox One. Well, it'll be on Xbox One through cloud streaming, right? Yeah. I would not be surprised if we do see it eventually launch for past-gen consoles, given the chip shortage. But maybe Microsoft will just be thinking, like, yeah, we can use this to push cloud. Um, but then again, cloud's affected by the chip shortage as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Um I think there's a fairly good chance it could come to past-gen systems, but I don't know for sure yet. But I might try and dig into that to see. But I do think um, Starfield is affecting people's purchases, per- console purchase decisions right now. I know a lot of people who've picked up a Series S just for Starfield, you know. So, um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Cliff Watkins says, the next, as an Xbox user, Game Pass announcements are more exciting than new game announcements. Any tease of something fun coming to Game Pass soon? Tunic is great, by the way. Yeah, Tunic was a surprise drop. It, even, I think the developer or publisher, Fungi, uh, they had come out in January and said it wasn't going to be a part of Game Pass. And then, yeah, lo, lo and behold, interestingly... Uh, the day the game was supposed to launch, there still had not yet been a price announcement for the game. Nobody knew, like, what time the game was going to launch. And they had that Twitch, uh, ID of Xbox stream where they, sh- they showed off some indie games. They have, like, 
I think, announced like 12 games that are coming to Game Pass on day one, and Tunic was a surprise drop. It reviewed very well. I think it's like an 87 right now uh, with most of the reviews on PC. Um, people seem to be really enjoying it. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet. Have, have you played it or anybody you know you talked to played it? I know my friends like, like the game a lot. Yeah, I've seen, um, I haven't played it myself, no. Um, I'm still playing Elden Ring and also resubscribe to World of Warcraft. Oh, Jesus Christ. Warcraft Help Jez out here. He's resubscribed to World of Warcraft. <laughs> Unbelievable. Got a new, it got a new patch, a new raid, man. What do you want from me? Weren't you talking about how bad, it is, how bad it's been lately? Yeah. How they need to be World Why of Warcraft 2 and... and but now you yeah. aren't you sending yeah. them the wrong signals by resubscribing? Yes, I am. Okay. Yes, yes, I am. I'm part of the problem. Yes, I regret everything. But you know, this is addiction. What can I say? Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't played Tune it myself because of that. <laughs> but uh, as pertains to, do I know if there's any other Game Pass surprises like that? No, I don't. And uh, that's the thing about Game Pass, like. In January, they were probably like, you know, we don't want to take the Game Pass deal, or maybe they weren't offered a Game Pass deal, and then Microsoft just were like, you know what, let's offer them a Game Pass deal. And, uh, you know, as far as we know, the way Game Pass deals are more often structured is they uh, they give them a, a bunch of cash up front, and then they get engagement bonuses, I believe. So um, they, it's good for the dev. They get a whole bunch of money. Uh, up front, which is like guaranteed profits, and then if the game performs well, they get like extra engagement royalties or whatever, as as long as the uh, contract holds out. And then they also get like the the sale at the end of being in Game Pass as well. So hopefully it's, it proves lucrative for the dev and also you know creates a virality effect where more people get access, more people talk about it, and a lot of people are talking about it on Twitter right now. There's not everyone wanting to play Elden Ring, right? The game's not for everyone. It can be frustrating and, and uh, you know, stressful. And some people just don't, don't, want, don't need that energy in their lives. And, I, I'm, frankly, I don't blame them. I don't, I don't blame them. But uh, if, you, if you're not that kind of person, then Tunic might be more your speed, right? It should be, but... If, well, plus, you know, Tunic has accessibility options where you can make yourself invincible and turn off stamina. So for anybody who wants to play it and get the full experience where, you know, you can die and you have to monitor your stamina, you can do that. But then anybody else who just wants to experience the world and marvel at, you know, like some of its art design and stuff, like you can just you can just be invincible and just play through the game and not have to worry about dying. I think Celeste is another game that, uh, incredible indie game that came out a couple of years ago that did something very similar. Did you ever play Celeste? I didn't play Celeste. It's really high up on my. Um, it's quite high up on my uh, my backlog list. I got a backlog list that's ever expanding, but Celeste is uh, fairly high up. On Celeste my is incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible game, but it's a very very hard platformer, and they ba- uh, they basically put in these accessibility options where you can make the game as easy as you. You could basically fly in the game if you wanted to, and not have to worry about any of the platforming, which. Personally, I think sort of ruins, like, 
the reason why the game is so great. Uh, but, I mean, who am I to say if somebody just wants to just fly to the end of the game just to see the story and stuff? You know, they made the game the way they wanted it to, and they wanted to let people of, uh, you know, any skill set be able to beat it. So they, they have, like, little – they you can turn on, like – you know, you can make yourself invincible, right, but, like, still – you, oh, I want to be able to complete the platforming stuff, or you can make it as easy as possible. It's very interesting how Celeste did it, and um, Tunic has those same accessibility well, options. You know, that's what people are saying that what? like that from software should do. Just put on invincibility and you know let people play it. But I'm could you man? I would I shudder to think of the discourse because I told you oh, yeah. the discourse around. You know, accessibility and difficulty would rear its ugly head again. It did with Sifu, which was a, came out a couple of weeks before Elden Ring. Then it peaked with Elden Ring, and I told I was just like, it's gonna happen again. I would wonder what the Discord would be if From Software was like, you know what? For our next game, yeah, you can toggle on invincibility or whatever, and you can just play the game to your heart's content. I wonder how like the mega uh, you know, uh, gatekeeping Souls fans would take to that news, right? Yeah, it'd probably be seen as a betrayal. But Ryan, back in my day, back in my day, we had these things called cheats. Ah, game genie. Remember huh? those? Yes, game genie. I had one of those. Not even the game genie, man. Like cheat codes. I used to play um the contra codes. Like contra, get you forty extra lives, beat the game. Yeah. yeah. Nah, man. It was all about Grand Theft Auto. Spawn in the tank. Yeah, and then just yes. driving. I, I'll be honest, right? When I played Grand Theft Auto as a kid, I didn't even know it had a story. I just used to, I just used to spawn a tank, drive around yeah. and run everything over. My brother I didn't even know it had a story. Way. My brother was the same way. Every time I'd see him playing, like, <laughs> Grand Theft Auto 3 or whatever, he, he would be literally, he'd just be in a tank destroying whatever in the city. That's how he loved to play that game. So I... I know exactly yeah, what you're talking about. Life. My brother used to do the same exact thing. He'd turn on, like, God mode and get yeah. in the tank and just destroy everything. And he thought it was the greatest thing ever. I used to, like, um, I used to put God mode on and then, like, go into a hospital and have, like, a hour-long shootout with police. And they just, like, come through the door and then I just mow them down. You know, um... I, honestly, I didn't even know that those games had a story, especially like GTA 1 and 2. Like, I just thought they were sandbox mayhem games or something. But I, I don't think I actually completed a, a Grand Theft Auto storyline until GTA 4. <laughs> mm. Hilarious. But also those, like, cheat cards, those uh, cheat cartridges and stuff, like the Game Genie, um, I used, when I was a kid, again, I can't remember what... The Game Genie, Game Genie was the, for the Sega Genesis, right? But was that was there a Nintendo version as well? Um, I can't remember. I want to say I, 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 had, it, I had it for the NES. Nintendo. I want to say. Yeah, maybe. I had some cheap cartridge for my for my um my my Super Nintendo, and I used that to play through Mario Brothers and unlo- unlock the Star Road and all that stuff because I di- I didn't know how to do it otherwise. Like it wasn't, uh, it wasn't straightforward, and it's not like I could look it up online back then. And friends at school were like, "Oh yeah, get Game Genie, you can unlock the secret Star Road." And I was like, "Oh wow, that sounds really cool. I want to unlock the Star Road." I didn't have any idea how to do it legitimately, so 
it's not that it's cheat codes used to do it. But I do wonder why cheat card cheat codes aren't a thing anymore. Because why not, right? Oh well. Well, I mean, yeah, I've I've thought about that too. Some some games will sell them to you as like kind of like microtransactions, you know. Like Assassin's Creed oh, yeah. giving you the ability to, like, level up faster and stuff. Like, kind of was like, oh, remember when we used to be able to do that with cheat codes? Yeah. It just kind of found its way out of gaming um, for whatever reason. Good old Ubisoft. Yeah, your favorite, your favorite. But, hey, if you guys are enjoying the show, me and Jez would really appreciate it if you uh, share this out uh, since we're live. Hit that like button. Uh, I don't know. Let's see if we can get to like 500 likes before the show's over. Probably not, but you know that's that's something to aim for. So we really appreciate you guys being here. Um, Jacqueline, a buddy of mine, says, "Gents, is there a reason why Xbox hasn't invested in support studios? With these death house stories, it makes me wonder why Armature or someone is, I'm assuming, isn't picked up." Hmm, that's an interesting. Support point. studios. Seems like um, I think I read somewhere. God, what was the studio that's supposedly working on Perfect Dark with Crystal Dynamics? Uh, Certain Affinity. Certain Affinity. Like, they also work with Halo and Halo Infinite. But it makes you wonder why Xbox just doesn't buy them too, right? Um, yeah, I do think Microsoft should just buy Certain Affinity. But like Certain Affinity are working on uh, Battle Royale mode for Halo Infinite. Well, well, well. Are you sure I, I, it's I'm Battle not, Royale I'm not putting mode? That- yeah, I'm not putting that out there. Not, it doesn't matter. You, you just said it. It'll be an article in an hour <laughs> on a website. And uh, then okay. sourcing on Jez Corden's latest episode of the Xbox Two podcast. <laughs> he just let confirmed <laughs> that uh, Certain Affinity is indeed working on a battle royale for Halo Infinite that we may no, see no, no, no. in 2025. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not a battle royale mode. It's like, I think it's, Wars, it's like Warzone 2.0. Um, it's not it's not a battle royale like a traditional battle royale mode, but it's like it's like big scale. I think it'll scratch that battle royale itch while also being without just being like a copycat sort of thing. So yeah, certain affinities working on that, but they're also they're also contributing assets to Perfect Dark as well. Um, I've uh, been told about that. So yeah, I think they should just bloody buy them, you know, and uh, if. They are using support studios, obviously, um, all the time. But what, another thing about support studios is they're in really high demand right now because, A, they're, they're already set up for remote work, which is in high demand. Because of the pandemic, that's still going on that everyone's sort of forgotten about, that, but that hasn't actually ended. But um, a lot of studios are going remote, and actually Microsoft's making some announcements next week about remote work. Uh, for game devs and stuff, uh, GDC. So that'll be interesting to look out for if you're a dev. But um, it's uh, that's that's all the new hotness now. So I do I do I do agree with um, the chap who super chatted that that they do need to look out for support studios and certain affinities at least uh, certainly fits the bill. Certainly it fits the bill. You see, see what I did there? Yeah, I did. No, I do want to say I think certain affinity is owned. Like Tencent, aren't are they? they? Or they have some stake. Tencent has some stake in them, maybe? I could be wrong. It's hard to remember who Tencent owns these days. Um, They just own everyone, don't they? 
Jones says, are you guys going to discuss the Quantum TV saga, that whole thing with Mischief, Mischief and Review Tech USA? Uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, I have no idea. I'm assuming this is YouTube drama. Um, I don't really. You'd have yeah, to you'd have to explain that. because I I don't I, I literally have no clue what you're talking about with Quantum TV and I mean I know who Richard Revutech is, but I don't know who Quantum TV is and I don't know who Mischief is or what's going on there. So I am completely yeah, in the no dark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Achievement says Jazz the headphone head. I Jazz the headphone head. I got some Galaxy Bud Pros to pair with my Z Fold Three. Should I return for Should I return it for something better? They were sixty dollars off. Uh, I'm actually using the Galaxy Buds Pro right now for the podcast. I quite like them. Um, uh, I, I yeah, I think they're pretty good. I mean. Depends if if you think they're comfortable because they, they do have a they do have a strange fit I think for some people's ears, but I like mine like I use them all the time so okay I think uh, they're fine. Uh, Supernova wants to know Jazz a question directed to you in your face. Who is the best magic system in world details, Hogwarts or Avad with a bunch of shrimp emojis? I actually haven't watched the Hogwarts gameplay trailer yet. So I can't really pass judgment. Did you watch the Hogwarts gameplay trailer? Um, no, I did. I watched like maybe I watched like a three minute trailer for it. I didn't watch the whole twenty minute thing. Oh. You're not a you're not a Harry Potter fan. You know no, I, I mean I I mean I've read the books. I've seen the movies. It's my sister's favorite thing of all time. Um. You know, but just just because just because I like a property doesn't mean number one it's actually going to be a good game, and two doesn't mean I'm actually going to want to play it. So we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if I want to play a Harry Potter game to be honest with you. I played a whole bunch of Harry Potter games during the 360 era, and most of them weren't very good. Is this one going to be good? Maybe, maybe not. I'm going to take a wait and see. Uh, wait and see approach on this one, but eh. yeah. You know. um, also, I, I honestly don't really know how the magic system works in Avowed either. I've seen some of the spell designs, um, and obviously in Pillars of Eternity, it, it operates on a sort of cantrips kind of system from Dungeons & Dragons where you, you equip the spells and you can only use them so many times before you have to rest and stuff like that. I have no idea if they're going to go in with that kind of system or something more like more like gamey, like with the mana bar and mana potions and stuff like that. I don't know. But uh just have to wait and find out, I guess. Mm. Achievement says, Celeste looks better on a PC monitor than a 4K television. I love Celeste. I actually kind of want to go and play that game again. It was so damn good. Uh, Super Shroom says, Cheats lost popularity because they disabled achievements. That is true. A lot of games that did have cheats. Ah, right, would then yeah. disable achievements and trophies. So for a lot of people, it was like, what's the point? <clears throat> Although the tunic one, where you can disable, or where you can put on invincibility and get rid of stamina, they don't disable achievements. So you can get all the achievements that you want being invincible. And same thing with Celeste, you can put on all the accessibilities and still get everything as well. So you know, it's uh, I guess it's whatever the developers of the games want to decide. Uh, Jones says it's hilarious and a bit sad about the whole 
uh, Richard Review Tech and Quantum TV thing. I bet. Um, yeah. So you know what, Jez? Let's talk about um, let's talk about something that's kind of upsetting a lot of people, and is a head scratcher for me personally. We talked a little bit about it on the last show, but it definitely seems like it's not a glitch or something wrong, but it does seem like Xbox is indeed removing the uh, direct share to Twitter for game clips and screenshots from the Xbox console, yes? Yes, they are. So, like, for those who don't know, if you're in the Xbox Insider preview program right now, I think everyone in the alpha and the beta rings, I don't know about the other rings, but at least alpha and beta, they can no longer share clips directly to Twitter anymore, which is really irritating because it's a feature that we've had for years, and also a feature Nintendo Switch has, and I believe PlayStation has, but you can just share a, a video clip straight onto Twitter without having to do any other steps or anything like that. And what Microsoft want you to do now is you click, um, you click share to mobile, and then it slowly, very slowly, uploads your game clip to um, your mobile device. Far slower than it would be if you were sharing it to Twitter, by the way. And then uh, it sends you a notification on your phone, being like, yeah, uh, okay, now share it to Twitter. So then you have to upload it again, download it from the app, and then upload it to Twitter, uh, wasting a load of uh, data transfer by uploading and downloading it multiple times because for some reason Microsoft thinks that is efficient and effective way to do things. Now, <clears throat> Rand, I have heard that Microsoft is now one of the one of the annoying things is Microsoft hasn't said a damn word about this. There's no mention of it in the patch notes. They haven't come out and spoken about it on Twitter at all. They've been very hush hush and secretive about it, which is really annoying because, you know, they're taking a feature away from us. However, Rand, I have heard that there will be an announcement in early April that will explain some of this and also announce some other features. Now, I don't want to overhype this because it is Microsoft. So <laughs> let's not get our hopes up here. But maybe they're going to announce like some like new sharing feature or some new sharing tools or something that brings some of this functionality back. But I don't think they're going to. I think this is going to be some kind of excuse, and maybe they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we've we've made the app better, the mobile app. Maybe they're going to add some editing features to the mobile app. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, I don't want to use my phone to upload these clips because I often just don't have my phone when I'm playing on my Xbox. So they're creating extra steps for me for no reason, and maybe this is designed to drive engagement and being like, and they can report in their little documents, oh, look how much engagement we got on the mobile app this month. And it's all artificial because they took a feature away from us and forced us to use a mobile app, which is something that's increasingly irritating me about what these companies are doing. When they focus on engagement, they, they, they cheat. They cheat and they force us to engage in their platforms by doing stuff like this, you know, manipulating our, our behavior and our workflow by forcing us to use these apps and these features that we don't want to use. We've had direct sharing to Twitter for years. There was no reason to take it away. Just fucking put it back, okay? Just put it back, and we're you know we'll say no more about it. We'll we'll forgive you, and we'll just say no more about it. How about that? 
Just put it back, Microsoft. Nobody wants nobody wants this. Just put it back. Just put it back. Yeah, yeah it's it's a bit odd. It's a bit odd. Because um, <clears throat> to me, because to me, fun. like um, sharing the Twitter, direct sharing from you know the console, whether it's clips and screenshots, it's like basically free marketing, not only for whatever game you're playing, but for the console. Like I've seen the hashtag Xbox Share trend, and it only trends because people are using. Uh, that hashtag yeah. because it's automatically put in there, and I just, it just, there has to be a reason for this, and I know I, I, a part of me is like, yeah, you know, we've talked on this podcast before about how Microsoft and Xbox do make decisions that that scratch your head because they sometimes will decide that you know they'll make their decisions based on data, 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 data right? Engagement, engagement, engagement. So you think like, okay, well, they, someone built this Xbox, the Xbox app to do, because when this Xbox app came out, it didn't have this whole clip sharing, all that stuff. That was built in. So part of me wonders maybe if there's like some political stuff going on where it's just like, you know, we built this for the app and we need to move people over to mobile, right? We need to, we need to get more engagement on the mobile side. And what do people do on the console that maybe we can sort of force them into into the app, and it's like, well, clips and screenshots, you know, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, I think I think we could do that because, you know, the experience of sharing on the console was horrible anyways, uh, to the point where a lot of the times I didn't even want to share anything just because of how awful it was. You sit there, you take a clip, right, and then you sit there and you're like, okay, well, how much of this do I want to trim, Okay, I got now. I got to wait for it to be uploaded to the Xbox network. Uh, I got to trim it, which the trimming sometimes would fail. Like the experience of sharing, especially like not screenshots. That was pretty simple and easy, but of sharing a, a clip that you wanted to, to to that you had out to the world was awful. And it's so easy on Nintendo, and it's so easy on PlayStation by comparison that you just kind of like. Sat there and you're like, oh, how is it like this? Um, it, is, it is sad. It is sad and depressing that the Nintendo Switch, which is a severely underpowered and old system, has more smooth clip trimming than the Xbox Series X. How do you screw that up in an age of TikTok and video sharing? You know, I don't get it. You know, Rand, if I had to make a prediction right now, this is what I think is going to happen. I think Microsoft's going to announce in early April that they've got a new suite of video editing tools that are exclusive to the app. And I think the reason they're doing it this way is because they acknowledge that the game DVR sucks. But I think at the same time, because of the way the Xbox operating system itself, and this is pure speculation, by the way, I have no, I have no sourcing on this. This is just like an educated guess. The way the Xbox operating system is set up, and the way that the the operating system on Xbox has such little allocation for resources, they can't make a capable video editing app. In Microsoft as a company, just sucks at video editing. The Photos app on Windows 11 sucks at video editing. All their tools for video editing and video encoding, they all suck across all of their platforms, and they haven't invested anything in it. So I think what they're just doing here is, is they're just saying, screw it, 
let's rip out all the game DVR stuff from the Xbox because we can't make it work. We can't make it work efficiently because we don't have enough RAM or whatever allocated on the operating system. Let's put it all in the mobile app and be like, and then let's blame the users. You guys wanted a better game DVR, so here you go. It's just in the app. And to pay for that, we're losing Twitter sharing directly, you know. So I think this is the wrong way to go about it. And I think, like, if, if, this is the, if, if this is what it is, you know, if this is the decision that's been made, removing the Twitter sharing because they want to force us to use the app to justify investing in a game DVR tool that's going to be more robust than the app. And it's great, you know. I, I'm no, no issues about um, having better tools in the app. And if, if, it, if what I'm speculating about is true, that they just can't do it on the box because they don't have enough resources or whatever, um, if they have to do it on the app, then fine. You know, that's the way the Xbox is set up today, for better or worse. And uh, we'll just have to deal with it. But there's no reason whatsoever to take away the Twitter upload feature. There's just no reason. I want to share a quick, unedited, 15-second clip from my Xbox without having to grab my phone. I should be able to do it. I can do it on my Nintendo Switch. Why can't I do it on my Xbox? It's not a big deal at the end of the day, but it also kind of is because I've had this feature for years. We've had this feature for years, and they're taking it away. For as far as I can tell, no decent reason, you know. So, but um, Brad Rose on uh, Twitter, I might have pronounced his name wrong, and if I have, I'm sorry. But he said on Twitter that um, you know they're gathering feedback on this. Um, so I suspect if enough people don't like their reasoning when they do announce why this is happening in early April, um, I suspect they'll they'll do a 180. <laughs> I don't know. That's what Mark's about. I mean, I I like yeah. Brad. Uh, he's cool, and I mean, yeah, he's doing his cool. job. But like, come on, you guys. No, are, you not, guys. I don't think it's Brad. No, no, I know it. I know it's not Brad. He's just doing his job. But like, you guys, you guys have heard enough feedback about what people want. Like, I I know you know what I'm saying. It's like, it it, it I don't know. Like the idea of like Jason Ronald out going out there and saying, hey. You know, we're going to fix the game DVR and look at achievements, you know, which, one, I never believed about the achievement thing because I've heard that whole we're going to look at achievements thing for six years now and nothing ever comes out of it because Microsoft doesn't value achievements whatsoever, right? Even though they should, even though there's ways where you can build the whole career system that we talked about with Mike Ybarra years ago where you can sort of kind of make people more loyal to the brand by giving them different, like, levels and numbers and all that stuff, all that sort of manipulative stuff that you can do. Uh, they didn't bother doing it because it wasn't deemed uh, necessary enough. There was other things that they were doing that, you know, had higher priorities. So, like, I never believe it when people – I've had people so high up at Xbox tell me they were going to change things with their achievements. That never came to fruition, and I always still think the back to that. I was like, wow, that never happened and whatever. But, like, the game DVR has been a problem since the Xbox One, right? And uh, Jason said they were going to fix it. And I just kind of, I just, it's like, you're going to fix it. That's great. I hope so because it's not very good. But then you're going to get rid of the direct share to Twitter. 
like the reason why it exists in the first place, the reason why there's a share button on the controller, like the only new thing you put on the controller is the share button and you're going to get rid of it. So you can potentially drive engagements on the mobile app. I don't know. It's just very odd. I mean, I actually use the app. I actually use, that's how I share my Elden Ring stuff. I actually like using the Xbox app on the phone better than actually direct sharing the Twitter. It's like, whatever, here's the clip, boom, it, up, it uploads in the background, I get a notification on my phone, open it up, download it, and then I can do whatever I want with it. Um, but it's just, it's just odd to me. It's just, it's just odd. We'll wait and, we'll have to wait and see, uh, how everything, uh, pans out. But, um, Installation 7 says you guys talked about Perfect Dark yet. Not yet. Uh, we haven't talked about Moon Studios either. Um, but I wanted to mention this because that stick brought it up. He said, Rain, I just saw the message on my YouTube comments that to call a number for a PS5, is that real? So, I saw that somebody is pretending to be me on YouTube. Uh, they have my picture, but not my name. And they're running a giveaway for the PS5, and all you got to do is call the number in their name. Uh, do not call that number. That is not me. I would not run a giveaway like that. Uh, that is just someone trying to probably fish for information or whatever. Um, That's so weird. So, yeah, if you see that, just block that person. It is not me. I would not ask people to call some number to... Uh, to, you know, win a PS5. And normally I don't even post uh, in YouTube comments. Uh, so if you see if you see someone who's me who's posting on, like, a Cold Eastwood video or dealer video, that ain't me because I, I, I never do. Uh, the only time I post is maybe a pinned tweet on my videos. So if you see that, just know it's not me. Uh, I would never ask people to, like, hey, you want to win a PS5? Call this number. I would never... In a million years, do that. So, because Jez, you you mentioned to me that you got the messages asking if I was hacked or something. Yeah, I, I had a couple of messages. People like, has Rand been hacked? Because they'd seen they'd seen this fake Rand profile. Yes. So, so it is not me. It's just someone just using my picture, and you know, YouTube's whole system is, you know, you can kind of it, they. They used to have this thing where you could click on the profile and take them to the YouTube channel they're associated to, and that would obviously solve everybody's problems. But they don't, uh, they, they don't do that anymore. So anybody can, you know, basically, you know, impersonate anybody else, right? Um, I'll have to go through and try to find them on my channel and just get rid of them. But yeah, that's not me. Um, so I figured let's next like, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Perfect Dark, shall we? People asked about yeah, Perfect Dark because this was this was sort of the big news of the week. You know, you wake up, you're like, oh, what sort of news is there going to be in the gaming industry? And I think this dropped on Monday or Tuesday. I'm not sure what. I don't remember what day it was. Uh, it was earlier in the week. It was earlier in the week. I got a message saying that there was going to be some bad Xbox news dropping, and I'm like, oh, okay, wonder what this is going to be. And I saw somebody on Twitter being like. Uh, basically, say it's funny because he this dude pretends to be quote unquote an insider, right? Um, and he was like, uh, "Rumor: the initiative is going to be uh, uh, built, going to be rebuilt from the ground up, or whatever." And I'm just like, "Okay, that's odd." And then it was just like a, and we had talked about it before, I think, because Drew Murray left last year, 
and uh, the game director just left and lead gameplay animator and all that stuff. So we were wondering, what's going on at Perfect Dark? What's going on at the initiative? Why are uh, Why is everybody leaving? And VGC wrote an article. They had some interviews with some ex-devs from the initiative. Uh, a lot of people left, a lot of people from the core team. Um, and this was Microsoft's big Santa Monica studio. They hired a lot of world-class talent from, like, Rockstar and Sony Santa Monica and Naughty Dog and, you know, uh, all these places to make, like, you know, the ultimate Xbox studio, I guess. And people... People had pinned the initiative to be essentially Xbox's Naughty Dog. Like, they had a lot of hopes and dreams that you hired all these great people, you got to be making something incredible. And then it was like, oh, no, we're going to stay small and agile, and we're actually going to really co-develop. And people were like, that's weird. And a lot of people didn't want them to work on Perfect Dark, even though that's the rumors were tied to them from the start that they were. And, yep, they're working on Perfect Dark. And people were like, oh, I don't really want to work on Perfect Dark, but whatever. And we saw the game in 2020. It's just a trailer. It's cool. Perfect Dark's back. I'm excited for it. You know, whatever. And then slowly but surely, like, every sort of news surrounding the company started getting, like, worse and worse. Like, okay, this person left, and then this person left, and this person left, to the point where, like, a lot of people have left. And, of course, this led to discussion of, is Perfect Dark in trouble? And then maybe a broader discussion of, does Xbox know what they're doing with their studios, right? Because you can't just you can't just focus just on one studio. It's got to be an overall like, oh my God, Xbox must be a horrible place if everybody's leaving. Um, so, Jez, uh, you had known some of this about it because I think me and you had talked in DMs about it because you knew something was happening. Um, what's your take on all this? Uh, what do you know? What I know because you talked a little bit about it on Checkpoint, your kind of weekly show on Windows Central Gaming with Miles Don Pa. Don Pa. So what's going on? Is, is it as bad as people think? I mean, not, losing half your devs or whatever is not definitely not a sign of, of great things, uh, of smooth development at a studio yeah. for sure. Uh, what's going on at the initiative, and how's Perfect Dark gonna? You know, how's that going to basically come out, right? Like, is it is? should people be completely worried? Should we just give up hope on the initiative in Perfect Dark? Or uh, is it a little bit blown out of proportion? Well, I don't have, like, I only have one side of the story. So VGC, they spoke to ex-employees who used to work in the initiative. But I have sort of the other side of the story. I spoke to people who still work, uh, you know, familiar with what they need to be doing, like, internally at Microsoft. And um, so I have the other side of the opinion. and But I still don't have a complete picture about what happened there. But this is sort of like my educated sort of... Um, my impressions of what went down, ultimately, based on the, the, the raft of departures and based on what I've been told and uh, what I've heard, and based on VGC's reporting, it does seem to me like there was a big falling out of the studio. Um, the initiative was initially set up to be have an, an experimental or a flat kind of structure uh, with a very strict anti-crunch culture and a very, a very sort of like 
I don't know, a more of a flat organizational structure from what I understand. And that, that's why, that's partially why they're called the initiative. They were like taking an, an initiative to sort of build a new studio structure. That's the impression that I'm getting from some of this. And um, at some point during the development process, uh, whether it was Microsoft corporate or, or uh, you know, Daryl Gallagher or someone, at some point someone was like, okay, um, let's make a game, you know. So they were like, they were looking at ways to do this. Now, you mentioned the fact that they, they'd said in interviews they wanted to stay small and nimble. That was at odds with community's expectations, right? Because there were, there were those impressions that have sort of haunted the initiative from a job listing where they said they were going to be a quadruple-A studio. Yeah, it was the job uh, things. Yeah, like that really is yeah. stuck in the craw for a lot of people about it being like quadruple A when there was really just like them job hunting, right? And and, it, and from what I'm understanding, like the A's, the double AA, A, triple A, quadruple A really just refers to budget, a project, and it really doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But of course, people kind of just ran with that. The first quadruple A game, right? And then you know the studio kind of loses everybody, so everybody makes a joke of it. So continue. Yeah, I mean this this is the thing this is the thing about trying to build an experimental studio when you're under the umbrella of Microsoft because people have expectations of Microsoft. Microsoft's the two trillion dollar uh, two trillion dollar company market cap company. You know, so people have huge expectations of Microsoft and Xbox. They're a platform holder as well. So like there there are sort of limits on what you can do when it comes to, like, being experimental and being free and doing whatever you want, you know. They announced the initiative as a Microsoft Xbox Core Studio, and there's expectations that come with that, you know. Expectations like we expect a game at least of the quality of Gears of War and Halo, you know, at least of the quality of Forza. If you are this big, massive, rich company that enjoys the the full-blown benefits of Western capitalism and... You know, they are an absurdly rich, absurdly powerful company. People have those expectations. We all have those expectations. And we we should have those expectations, frankly. You know, Microsoft has a huge amount of wealth, and they've been very privileged. And, you know, we, as customers, invest a lot of money in their services and systems. So we have high expectations, and I think that's completely fair. So... When it comes to managing expectations for the studio, Microsoft just has this sort of uncanny knack to not manage expectations well. And that whole quadruple A thing was really an inflection point about this. Um, because I think the community was expecting the initiative to be something more than a smaller, more nimble, independent-ish kind of studio that were making more experimental games. And then, like, you tie an IP like Perfect Dark to it, which has a lot of nostalgia attachment and a lot of emotional investment, you kind of can't experiment with that. You probably need to make something a bit more traditional. So, at some point, there was a sort of... I don't want to... Nobody used this word power struggle to me, but it does kind of feel like, reading from VGC's reporting that there's some resentment to 
was how much Daryl Gallagher ended up sort of becoming the leader of the studio. Because essentially what has happened now is Crystal Dynamics, which is Daryl Gallagher's old studio, has come on board and he's basically moved his whole dev pipeline from Square Enix to Microsoft, including his old, his old team. So it does feel like some of the founding members of the initiative probably just, it just didn't sit right with them. You know, they've, they've maybe upended their lives and moved, moved, moved house maybe. And, you know, it's just speculation, but they, they took on this whole new project and this whole new idea to build a new kind of studio, uh, a, a new modern kind of studio that had a very strong and very specific philosophy. But, some it does feel like that there was just a disagreement over how to proceed with this and um, with a more traditional structure where you know you have a centralized sort of you know vision for the game and people sort of pull, all pull in one direction now i haven't been a fly on the wall in the studio and i haven't spoken to anyone who who um worked on the project so i'm kind of going off vgc's reporting here and bouncing that off what I've heard from people who are still at Microsoft um, and uh, people who, you know, were in the know about this stuff. So, but the people who are still there and who are, like, working on the project, they feel positively about it. So it's not like that, and when I said on, I said on Checkpoint that I wasn't worried, it's because the people that are still working on it feel positively about the direction they're going in now. That, like, it's all all the sort of, I don't know, the issues about what they were making and how they were going to make it and the structure of that. There's, there's less uncertainty now than there was, basically. Now, does that mean that Perfect Dark is going to be great, a great game? I have no idea. I have no idea whatsoever. We haven't seen anything about it and... I, that I was given very, very limited information and access about what to expect on that. And I didn't want to pry either. I didn't want to, I didn't want to push anything and I didn't want to beg for information, you know, because I, I, I don't really do that. But, um, so we don't know if it's going to lead to a bad game or whatever, but it does feel like that, you know, the impression I got was that people were feeling positively about it, which made me feel positively about it. Um, which is why right now I'm not freaking out and panicking about it, you know. A lot of, uh, there was a lot, it was used in a, a lot of fanboys and console war stuff came out as a result of this, like, you know, Phil Spencer was trending after after VGC's report, and people were laying a lot of blame at his feet, and, um, you know, people were using it to bash Xbox and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, concern troll where they were like, oh, I'm so concerned about Xbox, I'm so concerned, you know, what the hell are they doing wrong, you know. Um, and, you know, I did say on Checkpoint that they, they do have this perception of, they have created this perception of not meeting expectations, you know. So even though, like, there is concern trolling, there's also cause maybe for genuine concern because Microsoft does, has built up this, you know, Crackdown, Scalebound, you know, even as back, even as far back as Phantom Dust, you know, Microsoft just seems to have this sort of issue where they can't all pull in one direction. 
but you can see it in Halo Infinite. Like when you play Halo Infinite, it's kind of clear that there were changes in direction as you go through the story. You know, and the, the way some of the stories presented, it does feel like it was shoehorned in late in development after a direction change. And we, like, some people have reported on that, that that, is, that has been the case. So, is that indicative of a, a broader corporate culture issue at Microsoft? Possibly. You know, I've heard that one of the reasons why the Xbox app on Windows 11 and 10 is so bad is because there is this there is this battle, you know, where different organizations want control over a project. Like the Windows Store team on, Win- on the Windows side and the Xbox Store team on the Xbox side fighting over which, which parts of the product they're responsible for rather than all pulling in the same direction. Um, so maybe, maybe there is an issue. And, you know, I, I even see this in my own company, right? Where, like, um, there's, you know, you have these big corporations with, you know, a sort of a less fluid managerial structure and people like want to want to be protective over their their turf almost, and it creates these kind of contentions and these issues. And at some point, maybe the only sort of recourse is to actually just leave the company, you know. And maybe some people at the initiative and working on Perfect Dark, they felt so slighted and sidelined by the change in direction and going with Crystal Dynamics and having a more traditional developer pipeline that they were just like, well. The whole reason I joined the studio is no longer valid, so I'm going to leave. You know, so I do think there was some upheaval, and I don't think it was just regular staff turnover. Um, you know, so, some of it is, yeah, because you know, game game devs as game devs move through the development pipeline, people move on to different projects, and apparently, in you know, the the dev culture in that state and that county, I was told, is is very much like that. But I do think there is definitely an element of people felt slighted and sidelined and the whole reason for them joining that studio in the first place was no longer valid. So was there upheaval? Probably. Is it going to result in a worse game? Probably not. I think it's probably going to result in a better game. I want to believe that. And um, ultimately, as customers, that's the only thing that really matters to me as someone who writes for the Xbox community is are we getting a good game out of this at the end obviously as a as, you know I want the devs to be happy and feel fulfilled and all that kind of stuff as well but um, you know for customers and paying customers and people who invest in the platform the thing that matters is are we going to get a good game out of it and that's Microsoft's responsibility at the end of the day is to make sure that the people who invest in their platform, subscribe to their services, are getting value for money. And the decision to do this was ultimately with that in mind, I think. I believe that. So, am I worried about Perfect Dark? No. Do I think it's going to be a great game? I have no idea. But I I do believe the people I spoke to that it's moving in the right direction. And I guess time will tell. That's all that we can say now at this point, really. Hmm. I mean, what do you think? What is your take? Well, first off, uh, I think this is one of the reasons why you acquire studios that already exist with a healthy healthy culture and a steady workflow instead of building from the ground up. We hardly see any 
of the platform holders build studios from the ground up because it takes incredibly long time. It's just much easier just to acquire Housemark and to acquire Ninja Theory and Obsidian that already have a corporate the culture already there and workflow already there. Yeah. All you need to do is just like, all right, we, here's the money, just go make what you want. So this I see as more of a just, hey, we we wanted to build our own studio to do something, and it failed. It just failed. Uh, they couldn't uh, come to terms, or they couldn't figure out what sort of game they wanted to build. Uh, you know, they hired a lot of really incredible talent because they wanted to make, like, a name for themselves, but... Sometimes when a lot of that talent clashes and they couldn't they couldn't work together, figure out, you know, and it probably doesn't help that everything had to be worked from home, too, at the same time. You're building a new studio, but then suddenly you also have to work from home. So you couldn't develop that, that company culture, and everything was just, it kind of just spiraled from there. So I think when Daryl, you know, made the call to basically make a more traditional game uh than what they I think originally were planning on it because I remember when I when when the initiative was built and they were starting out I remember hearing some crazy stuff about what the game was going to be I don't know if you recall this remember uh like anyway, remind us there was like crazy rumors that it was going to be like perfect dark but not really uh, maybe episodic in nature, like a whole bunch of stuff, some yeah. really weird concepts that they were going to try. And then all of a sudden, suddenly it was just like, it's just a regular straight-up traditional game. And then Crystal Dynamics was brought on, and I could totally see the reasons why the people that you originally hired were probably affronted and were yeah. like, what? So now there's going to be, you know... Uh, a lead gameplay programmer at Crystal Dynamics, like the same position as my job, I could totally see why, you know, like, well, hey, that's not the reason why I signed on here in the first place. Was, you know, not to... So, like, yeah, I totally get why all those people decided to leave because we already see how often it is, to, how hard it is for a lot of these companies to hire these days. So their skill set is probably really in demand. They probably had a nice little, you know, they worked there at the, the coalition for two to three years, and now they're probably off making better money somewhere else sim- simply because of how hard it is to hire people these days. Um, and then the other thing that stood out to me as part of the VGC thing was that the uh, leniency of Microsoft was talked about. How uh, there's really no timetable on this stuff, that Microsoft is very lenient, when it comes to these sort of things, which is a great thing, but also maybe is a bad thing. Um, I know a lot of people think that Microsoft was a little bit more lenient on 343 than maybe they should have been. And some people mm-hmm. say that Halo's suffering because of it. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, but it definitely feels like, according at least to that article, that like Microsoft was just like, hey, you figure it out. We're not going to get involved, which goes in line with the stuff that we've heard and the things that have been reported about Matt Booty and Phil Spencer were like, they don't really interfere. They let the devs kind of make what they want to make. And in this situation, would it have been better if Microsoft did interfere earlier? Like, 
if they had interfered earlier, would the studio still have been together? Or it's just kind of one of those things where you, well, this, you don't. This, this is one of the things that kind of bugs me about the, some of the media narratives that get put out there. Like, you get an article where people are like, Naughty Dog is hardcore crunch studio and, and everyone was crunching really hard and treated really badly. And then the same outlets will go, go ahead and give their games like 9.5 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 across the board because they made an amazing game. But then like Microsoft, you know, they'll, they'll follow that, that, that criticism and be like, oh, okay, crunch is bad. Let's not do crunch. We'll, we'll, we'll mandate an anti-crunch culture across the whole company. And the, there's like, there's no, Suddenly, that doesn't matter anymore. And the only thing that matters is Microsoft can't put out games fast enough or Microsoft can't put out games as good as Naughty Dog, you know, because they don't do this sort of crunch stuff and they're not so hardcore and they don't crack the whip as hard. So then it's like, so what What does the media want now? Do they? Do they want, you know, do they want Microsoft to crack the whip and sort of, do they want them to be hardcore crunch kind of uh, developer pipeline, or do they want them to be more lenient and sort of almost take a more of a, a sort of big budget indie approach to game development? You know, like what 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 do they want? You know, and I'm sure, like I'm not I'm not suggesting that the the media is a singular hive mind consciousness, but you do see a lot a lot of these outlets that are the same outlets putting out these conflicting kind of signals and these conflicting sort of ideas about whether or not it's a good thing that Microsoft does some of this stuff. So disregarding the idea that, it, you know, of course the media is not a hive mind and it's not a singular collective consciousness, but the results, the narratives that come out as a result of that sort of diaspora of ideas, that does affect how Microsoft approaches some of this stuff. So it's kind of like, Microsoft would be thinking like, yeah, we need to be anti-crunch and whatever, which is good. But then like, they can't, and then they get criticized for not being able to put out Naughty Dog style games. Does Naughty Dog need crunch culture to achieve the, the level of quality in their games? I have no idea. I've never been a game dev at that level. I've never been a game dev at any level. In fact, the only game I've ever made was a Flash game where you click a button and then an animation happens. Um, so that's hardly been any sort of game. <laughs> I have no idea, you know, I have no idea, like, what the rela the relationship between crunch and, you know, hardcore, getting really strapped down, working really hard, going above and beyond. I have no idea if that is, you can reconcile that kind of culture and that kind of behavior with also developers' well-being, but also getting things out on a timely cadence at a sort of high-end level of quality. Like, Sony's having its own issues right now with lawsuits and, uh, and stuff like that. I don't know if you've seen that in the news right yes. this week as well. I have seen that, um, yes. Obviously, that's something different from crunch culture, but it's it's... A lot of studios are looking at their culture right now, though is the point, and like what and developer well-being, and and rightfully so. 
But how do you reconcile that with the expectations that the media and the game reviewers and, and customers and, and us are putting on them as well, you know? How do you reconcile all that? It's like being caught between a rock and a hard place, isn't it? So, so it's an interesting discussion to have, and I don't know if we can solve it on a podcast. No, you definitely can't. But I would just want to say, like, I think the, me- the thing you talk about the media and the crunch thing, it's like, well, they go on and on about crunch, but then, you know, they give Naughty Dog games a 10 out of 10 or whatever. It's because I honestly think the media doesn't really care about crunch. It's more about the outrage and the clicks, like, oh, how dare you do this? How dare you have somebody work 60 hours? Because outrage also pushes clicks, right? But then when the end product comes out and, you know, it's really good, like, I think that's all really people care about, really, is the end product. Most people don't care about how things are made. Uh, I mean, look at our cellular phones, for example, right? Most people don't care about the ins yeah. and outs of how the sausage is made, so to speak. They only care about whether or not it tastes good at the end, right? So that's, I think that's how most people operate. Um, as for this whole thing, I think also the reason why this is uh, more uh, a bit more blown up and a bit more like the discussion about whether Xbox has a problem is because of other games that Xbox has shown off in the past that didn't come to fruition. You mentioned, like, Crackdown 3 shown off 2014, came out 2019. Bad game, in my opinion, right? Some people will say it's a good game, but whatever. Sea of Thieves didn't launch great, but now it's incredible by all accounts from the people that love it. State K2, but more recently, you know, uh, Everwild was basically soft rebooted, a game that was shown off in 2019, a game that we don't know anything about. And then a lot of people talk about the issues that Halo Infinite has. So, you know, we haven't really seen a lot of games from Microsoft's acquisitions, you know, from like the Ninja Theories to the Obsidian's and the Inexiles, right? I mean, we, and you, you had Bethesda, so they're looking at, okay, yes, last year Microsoft had an incredible year. One publisher of the year, and I wanted to bring that up when you were talking, but you were on point that I didn't really want to stop you, but like, yeah, they did better than anybody thought, quicker than anybody thought, averaging like an 87, right? You gotta give them credit. Uh, but, uh, you have here Perfect Dark, and you have Everwild, and then you add in the problems that a lot of people, you know, feel Halo Infinite has, and that's three games, and people look, well, those games all have problems, so there's got to be an issue, uh, you know, because it's just it's easier to say, well, there's an overall issue at Xbox rather than, like, you know, just an issue with that game and an issue with how that studio was built and what they were trying to accomplish. So people present it as, like, an overall issue, like the problem with Perfect Dark, or even if there is a problem, because from what, like, I saw Jeff Grubb talk about what you're saying, it doesn't really sound like there is. In fact, I think Jeff was saying that he still expects it to come in 2024 or whatever. So it's just that it's all about perception again is that, you know, Xbox really hasn't shown a lot of stuff. 
and some of the games that they've announced over the past couple of years, two of them have a perception problem, basically two games being rebooted. So a lot of people look at that and be like, well, maybe there's an overall problem with Xbox, and that's some of the reasons why that might factor into some of the reasons why they haven't showed anything, I think. Um, personally, I just think they sort of bit off more they can chew with the initiative, and I think the pandemic really sort of prevented them from kind of bonding and it was just like, you know what, this isn't working, so we're bringing on Crystal Dynamics. And that was the end. It was like, all right, all these people that signed on for a specific reason, that reason was gone, and it was just like, we'll see you later. Everwild, I mean, I still don't know why they revealed that game that early. And, you know, especially when they didn't really know what the game was, and now they got to kind of take it back to the drawing board. It sort of is what it is. Um, personally, I think Crystal Dynamics is a very talented developer, so I'm not really concerned with Perfect Dark at all. Um, the only thing that kind of just bothers me is like, well, it's probably another game that was essentially announced way too early, revealed in 2020, and we probably won't see it for, until 2025, maybe 2024 at the earliest. It's like, and I understand why they announced it when they did, recruitment and all that stuff. I get it. Sometimes the announcements of these games aren't for us. It's more for being trying to, you know, hire more developers. But, you know, I, I just think sometimes Xbox has this problem where they just announce stuff before they're ready. And I think maybe because of that, they're kind of like being a little gun-shy on showing off gameplay. Because that's what people want. They want to see Starfield gameplay. You know, we talk about, like, the new details that they uh, that they showed off recently, right? Um, uh, all, like, they, they had, like, a five-minute episode where uh, they talk about Into the Starfield, Episode 2, Made for Wanderers, and all these things, uh, you know, that with Todd Howard and a couple people sitting around and, you know, showing off, like, concept art and these ideas. And there's a segment of people that are like, that's really cool. Like, I want to learn more about the world, right? And I think, like, hey, I think Xbox really uh, feels confident about Starfield. They don't – like, you have these features already uh, talking about Starfield. It seems like they're marking it already. They must feel incredibly confident about the game if they're doing this because they didn't even do this for Halo before launch. They, they, they I haven't seen Xbox do this for a game – Ever, basically. This sort of, like, long-tail promotion. But then there's another group of people that are like, there must be something wrong with Starfield, because where's the gameplay? We're essentially, uh, you know, what is it, eight months out from the game releasing? We haven't seen anything. All we've seen is that one trailer, and all they keep on showing off concept art. How can you get exci excited about concept art? Where's the gameplay? So there's a lot of people that think, like, well, Microsoft is hiding something. And then you combine that with, like, the perfect dark problems and the rare issues, and some people think this is more of a an issue of Microsoft in general. Uh, I don't know. How do you feel about that, Jez? Like, I think I think you have to look at the way Fallout 4 was presented, man. Well, no, no. I, yeah, yeah. Before, but people – but pe I don't, no, you're 100% right. People forget that Fallout 4 presented in the same way. But, I don't know, like, number one, I, I can't get excited for these little diary things. I don't know about you, but, like, dudes sitting around talking about, 
What? You didn't watch it? I, 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 I mean, I'm not hyped for it either. Gameplay, please. Well, no, yeah, that, so, I like, I remember. I don't get, I don't get excited for concept art. I don't even really get excited for CGI trailers. So, like, dude sitting around talking about a game isn't going to do anything for me. But it is part of the hype cycle, the hype cycle of them advertising the game. But to me, I see all of this kind of intertwined. I see the Perfect Dark thing and the Everwild thing and this idea that Xbox doesn't know what they're doing, like, tied into the idea of, of, of them not talking about Starfield and showing Starfield gameplay like they're hiding something, like there's an epidemic problem at Xbox regarding this sort of stuff. When I when I don't don't feel it's related whatsoever, I feel like this is just how Todd wants to uh, advertise Starfield. And I mean, they already said when we're going to see gameplay of Starfield, it's going to be in summer uh, during the June showcase. I mean, we already know this; we knew this last year. So I don't know why suddenly this is a big deal. Um, but I think like you hit the nail on the head when you said like, you know. Is this indicative of a, a wider issue at Xbox, or is it just indi- or uh, or are these sort of like problems in isolation? Yes, isolated cases. What? Yeah, and what, one of the reasons why I think it's been it's been presented as a problem at Xbox is because it's a simpler narrative to put into a headline. It's a simpler narrative for a video title. It's a it's a it's a more dramatic, more movie like thing that betrays the complexity of running an organization that's as big as big as and as complex as Microsoft and Xbox within it. You know, and I you know, it's it's easy to sort of like it's easy to it's easy and almost desirable to simplify things down into a sort of like, oh it's a it's a company wide problem. But it so it really does betray the complexity of what's actually going on at all these Studios with multiple moving parts and multiple gears and personalities and people and hum- and the human element that we so often forget. And it's like you say, people only care about it. People don't care the sausage is made. They just want the sausage. They want the delicious, juicy, juicy sausage, man. They just want that sausage. I like sausage, Ram. Do you like sausage? Uh, it depends, yeah. Yeah, no, it depends. I don't want to see how it's made. <laughs> you know, and I was somebody who worked at KFC for a year, so I got to saw how KFC was made, and I never ate KFC again. I never really ate fried chicken again. <laughs> once, once you get a peek behind the curtain, know. you know, you're like, I don't know about this anymore. But uh, space I, don't, I, I don't like the sound of that. Space Space Dovican <laughs> says, sounds like the Dream Team tag on, sounds like the Dream Team tag on the team sent the wrong message and put a lot of pressure on the team. I don't really know if that really put pressure on the team. I think maybe put wrong expectations for people in the community. Like, look, I'll be straight up. The Xbox fans on Twitter and YouTube, myself included, hyped up the initiative. Uh, I made videos about the initiative. I talked, and sometimes when they made really big hires, I talked about them in some of my videos. I maybe didn't make a dedicated video about the hires, but I definitely talked about the initiative. And I'm not the only one who, who did so maybe you can probably definitely place some blame at, at my feet about like talking oh, about them. Fault, Ron. Well, I'm I'm just saying I'm at least willing to admit that I I I bear some of the blame for that. 
you know, uh, I'm not the only one. Uh, you know, I think Windows Central probably deserves some of it too. You know what I'm saying? Um, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, we use measured language. Yeah, right? no, measured language, my ass. Um, <laughs> measured language, but, my dude, ass. No, this, this is the dynamic when you're a platform holder. Everything is more hyped when you're a platform holder. But when when Nintendo announces a direct, people go nuts. They are literally crazy. So, I don't think Microsoft, I still don't, I'm still not sure if Microsoft realizes that they're not just a regular publisher. They're, they're a platform holder. So, they're a platform holder under a, tr- a $2 trillion market cap umbrella. So, of course, the expectations are wildly different. But, within those teams, they have a different expectation because they know the reality of things. They know the reality of their budgets. They know the reality of their timescales. And they often aren't in line with, you know, our expectations as people who know how much Microsoft's market cap is. A lot of Microsoft's market cap ain't going towards gaming. It's going towards cloud technology and Azure and competing with Amazon Web Services. That's, that's Microsoft's main battle is Amazon bloody web services. And um, the Xbox stuff is like a happy accident, which we get to enjoy as a, as a byproduct of Microsoft building cloud cloud tools for game devs, you know. Oh, Ben, hello. Yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm just muted for just continue. Okay. Well, you know, it's uh, I don't know. It is what it is. It's it's more complex than the narratives give it credit for, and um, I don't know. We just have to see how it all goes down in the end. But I ain't worried. I ain't worried about Perfect Dark. I ain't worried about it based on the reports. And I ain't worried that there's a wider problem in Xbox because I think these are sort of isolated issues. Whether or not Microsoft needs to crack the whip and take a more direct approach and sort of be a bit more strict, I don't know. That's up for debate. And um, but it probably should be debated by people who at least have better knowledge of what it's like to be in that situation, you know. Because I don't know what it's like to be a AAA game dev. I don't know what it's like to experience crunch, you know. I work a lot, but I really like working a lot, you know. And also, blogging is not as hard as programming. In fact, it's not even in the same universe as difficulty, you know. Programming uses far more brain power than blogging and far more brain power than making a YouTube video, frankly. So um it's a different it's a different kind of grind, you know. Um so that's a, that's not for me to me to sort of speculate on. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm curious what chat thinks. So Erigato Sir in Super Chat says, Perfect Dark will be fine. My concern is what happens if Xbox doesn't acquire Crystal Dynamics. Also, it's weird the initiative Twitter unfiled everyone Xbox, but Crystal Dynamics. Love the show, guys. So, yeah, that's also an interesting point is Crystal Dynamics is making the initiative, or Crystal Dynamics is making Perfect Dark, and there's some signs that they want to turn Perfect Dark into franchise because I think somebody was recently hired for that, like a Perfect Dark franchise manager. And they want to turn Perfect Dark into a franchise just like Halo and Gears and all the others. But what happens if, you know, hypothetically, Sony ends up buying 
Square Enix and then acquires Crystal Dynamics because of it. Now your publisher, uh, they don't, um, you don't have the you don't have the team that made made the game. Is that going to be an issue? Yeah, I mean that's that's a danger, right? You know, the, everyone's expecting Sony to finance and um, gun for a Square Enix acquisition, and I honestly think they should do it. You know, Sony's in desperate need of, of a service pillar, and Final Fantasy XIV Realm Reborn is one of the biggest service pillars out there right now. Uh, it's Final Fantasy Realm Reborn is propping up all of Square Enix's failures right now, like Babylon's Fall and all that stuff. So, like, you know, that'd be a good get. And I think Sony would, um, I think Sony would probably, probably would crack the whip and they'd be like, you know, we can, we can lose some of these extraneous projects you're doing, you know, a lot of, and, and, and I think they'd restructure their Western publishing arm a lot because Sony's, uh, Square Enix has clearly mismanaged that aspect of their business. Uh, looking at Metacritic, um, Mr. Matty Plays put out a, a great tweet showing like all the recent Square Enix Western games that had just hit like between 60 and 70. Western games? I thought that was just their games that were games as a service. Like Babylon Falls oh, yeah, is, well. a, is a, is you know, uh, that's platinum. That's Japanese. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they have, uh, they have a lot, they definitely have some issues. Um, yeah. For sure. I just, yeah, I, I kind of thought the same. It's like, okay, well, if you have Crystal Dynamics, make it. And let's say it turns out great, and you want to turn Perfect Dark into a franchise, but per- Crystal Dynamics is owned by a third-party publisher. So I've always thought that this all ends with Microsoft acquiring Crystal Dynamics from Square. It seems that way. I mean, Square is throwing them under the bus. Square is like it's worth more to us for you to work on somebody else's game than a game for us. like, you know. But then the Activision ac- acquisition happened, and I thought, well, this might throw a monkey wrench into everything, or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But it's like, yeah, what if Sony comes in and buys Square Enix next week, next month, and now you're Perfect Dark developer? What if Sony wanted to be petty? Let me ask you this: What if Sony wanted to be so petty, you know? Because w- we know that if Xbox wanted to. You know, they could essentially void the contract of Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. It would cost them probably some money. They'd have to probably pay Sony, but they could be like, all right, that exclusivity contract doesn't exist anymore. Game's coming out on Xbox. What, right? I would imagine there's also, like, what if, and like I said, I'm not a game developer. I don't know any of these contracts. I haven't seen them. But, like, what if Sony was so petty where they ended up buying Square Enix and then literally pulled Crystal Dynamics off of Perfect Dark. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, you're not working on you're not working on Microsoft's game anymore. You know, if there's a poison pill in that contract for killing it, we'll pay it. Just to just to get one over on Microsoft. You know, so yeah, that I, I do think of like, well, okay, if Perfect Dark's gonna be viable as a franchise in the future, like it almost seems like you have to acquire Crystal Dynamics at some point. And I sort of almost do feel that maybe Sony's going to try to acquire Square Enix at some point, so maybe that's got to be done sooner rather than later. Uh, Space Silicon says, one, weird, one thing was weird that they post all this PlayStation veteran devs known for doing amazing third-person action-adventure games. Then Perfect Dark is an FPS. That's true. That did actually weird a lot of people out because they were expecting 
you know, Perfect Dark to essentially be a third person, but then it was first person, right? So. I think Tim Fans be first person. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, they. Uh, I don't know that. It is. Uh, Chris R says, "Is Microsoft's 18-month contract restrictions starting to show in its games?" I read that was one of main of the main Halo problems. Uh, I believe so. Yes. Because like when you have somebody working on the game who knows what they're doing, and then like you lose them, like. And then they, what, what's the restriction? It's like they can work for 18 months, but then they can't work for you again for another six or something? Isn't, isn't that, isn't uh, that honestly, the restriction? No. Yeah, that's... I, I'm not sure. I need to, I need to speak to someone about that. Cause someone, I did talk to someone about that, but I forgot exactly what they said. So I'll, I'll, I'll loop back around on that. But there, yeah, yeah I, I, this goes back to what I say about corporate bullshit, you know. And I see in my company, like I, I, I make I make this joke about my company that, you know, if I want to invoice a pencil, it's it's like it's like a I got to make a business case for it. I got to write a business plan for this pencil. You know, it's it's what this my company's like, and it's what cor- corporations are like because people get really protective over their part of the business, and they're like, oh yeah, if you want to invoice a pencil, you got to speak to this manager, or it'll get it will get you know emo about it, you know, so. Um, what else I we got here? That Microsoft could overcome some of that stuff, but uh, Space Dovakin says long time, but the fans are enjoying the promo. I think people enjoy the promo for what it is, but there are definitely people who are looking at it because I've seen it, and they're like, "Where's the gameplay? Why are you hiding the game?" And it's just like, I mean, do you not remember how Bethesda usually is with these games? They kind of wait to the end. I don't know. I, there's there's some Microsoft PTSD going on with that stuff. I think. Yeah, for sure. You know, when when Microsoft doesn't show gameplay, it's because of scary things, frankly. But it's different when Bethesda doesn't show gameplay. When Bethesda doesn't show gameplay because it want it wants to blow blow your mind with one of Todd Howard's really long, really in depth, you know, gameplay deep dives. You know, because that, that's how they do things. That's how they did Fallout Four. That's how they did Skyrim. That's how they did Fallout 3. God, I remember Todd Howard presenting Fallout 3, and I was just like, man, inject this straight into my veins. It's going to be the best game ever made. I was so hyped for Fallout 3, like, can't even tell you. And um, that's why I think, you know, the chat mentions Bethesda fans are fine with it, because Bethesda fans know. The Xbox fans, not so much. When, when things are kept from Xbox fans, it usually means bad things. Because it comes back to what you said about expectations being set. Microsoft sucks at setting expectations. They show off games like Recall and Crackdown with slick CGI, and then we get Crackdown 3. You know. Uh, uh, James Riggins they don't learn that lesson. says mayonnaise. Uh, Emmett yeah, Kumar says this one made me laugh. Twitter went from calling Xbox a monopoly in January. Then Xbox wins Game Publisher of the Year in February, and then Xbox is doomed in March. That is <laughs> very interesting how that all turned around, because I, re- I distinctly remember people calling Xbox a, a monopoly and people tweeting at the president to block the acquisition. And then, yeah, Xbox, February wins Publisher of the Year. Nobody thought that was ever going to happen. Especially, I mean, I didn't think, I thought it would happen at some point, but I didn't think it would happen that soon. And then this month, it's just doomed. The Xbox doesn't know what they're doing. They can't make good games. It's it's kind of the cycle. It's kind of, it's it's definitely um a vicious, vicious cycle. Um 
Hereditary Bane says, so would Perfect Dark essentially be, belong to Crystal Dynamics? Would they be acquired on a successful game? Um, that's kind of what I've always felt would, would be the end game, was that they'd acquire Crystal Dynamics, who I believe has three studios, and one of those studios would just work on Perfect Dark, and the other one's, I think, working on Tomb Raider. And maybe with the initiative sort of leading it, um, I don't know, that's kind of what I felt was happening, but what do I know? Um, what else we got here? East Coast says, so the initiative is going to rotate different studios every time they make a different game. How's the initiative going to make those ambitious games while staying small and agile? I don't know. Well, clearly, I think some of their plans with the initiative have gone out the window, considering the everybody they hired is almost left. So, like, their, I think their yeah, initial I, idea of the studio is probably gone at this point. Uh, they probably, it's probably just, yeah, yeah. That small and agile thing that's gone. I'm I'm pretty sure the plan is now ship ship Perfect Dark by Crystal Dynamics and make it a traditional studio. And I think that's why people left. But people probably saw the writing on the wall. They were like, yeah, well, you know, if you're gonna buy Crystal Dynamics and maybe it's even your fault, Ryan. Maybe they listened to this show and they were like, oh god, that's what they're doing. And you know, I'll I'll be fighting with. Why Crystal Dynamics is senior? No, the only, the only, it's only look because you're the one who put that out there. You I, put that out there. Maybe you, it's your fault. I will take some part of the blame of maybe hyping up the initiative. Some small part of the blame. I'm just a small time YouTuber. Like I'm nobody. You know what I mean? And, you know, and I, I did talk about the initiative in my videos, and I had really high hopes for them based on the people they hired, because I look at the, their resumes, and I'm like, damn, God of War, Red Dead Redemption 2, Grand Theft Auto 5, like, what, is, like, you got some people there who know how to make some incredible games, I was like, oh, and I was salivating, I was like, man, what sort of game are they going to make the initiative, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, you know, it seems like they're hiring people with, like, third-person action and adventure, like, you got the people who remade the Tomb Raider, and I love those games, it's like, they're going to make something special, and then it was like, okay, Perfect Dark. I'm like, oh, cool with that. I'm cool with that. You know, I'm down for a Perfect Dark. And then it was like, so-and-so mm -hmm. left. So, Drew Murray left to go back to Insomniac. So he left Insomniac to go to the initiative and then goes back to Insomniac. It's like, okay, that's weird. And then the game director leaves. And it's like, all these people leave. And I'm like, man, something doesn't seem, seem right there. So, yeah, I'll take my part of the blame, like, for sure, like, Sometimes you get excited when talking about projects or Xbox or whatever, and yeah, maybe I hyped up the initiative too much. But you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just lowly dude on YouTube. I'm nobody. You know, who am I? What do I know? Nothing. Uh, John G. Millionaire? What are you talking about? No, right? John G. says Xbox needs to promote Bethesda PR person, and I have 13 months with you guys. Well, thank you for being, being, uh, being with us for 13 months. Really appreciate it. Uh, uh, Gamer by Choice says, if Sony pulled the dev team from Xbox game, wouldn't that help Xbox with possibly making games exclusive? Our competitors hampering competition. That was me just presenting a hypothetical situation. I really do think if Sony did buy Square Enix, they would honor the contract. They would, whatever, Crystal Dynamics is going to yeah. work. I, they wouldn't do that. I was just saying, you know, like, what if they didn't? Like, what if there's this other multiverse where in this world they were like, screw Xbox, just pull Chris, I don't have anybody to work on the game. 
that'd be funny, but no. Um, yeah. Um, Moon Studios, I guess, is another studio we got to talk about because you sort of added on to what uh, I, I believe Gamesbeat reported. And yeah, Dean, Dean of Gamesbeat. And then Jeff Grubb followed it up on his podcast. This um, yeah. this one, this one kind of hurts because I love Ori uh, a lot. Pro- Ori in the world was probably the best Xbox game from last generation. And me and you, every single time we do the show, when people talk about acquisitions, because people always ask us about that, people always bring up Moon. And what have me and you said for a long time now? We said that I wouldn't work with Moon. No, we we've said not going to happen. One because Thomas Mahler, who's the head of Moon, wants to stay independent, and two because we knew that Microsoft would never work with Moon again. So every time people brought that up as a potential acquisition candidate, me and you were like, nope, not going to happen. Uh, you know, but really wasn't our place to say why. But now that the story's out there and basically is an oppressive. The oppressive was the word used in the um, yeah. uh, article. Not really a good place to work, and you expounded on that a little bit. So tell us what you know about uh, Moon Studios and what happened with uh, Xbox. Yeah, so like I don't I don't do this kind of reporting. I'm not an investigative journalist. I you know I'm not that kind of reporter. I don't really speak to. I don't really speak to sources and I don't really, you know, investigate that kind of stuff because, you know, it's it's just not what we do. We're a tech site first and we're more likely to do guides and product reviews. Um, and it's not really something I've ever been trained to do. You know, I do a little bit of it here and there, but it usually pertains to, like, leaking, leaking stuff early. It doesn't really retain to investigating. So... When I came upon this information, I didn't, re- I didn't really do anything with it beyond talking about how I didn't think they'd work with Moon Studios again. I think I literally said that on this podcast. Yes. We've said that multiple times. Again. We've said that multiple times on the show, that they wouldn't work yeah. together. And I didn't think they'd work together. And it's because I'd heard they'd burnt all their bridges. That I'd, I'd heard they'd burnt their bridges at Microsoft because of the way certain people at Moon Studios, not everybody, but certain people at Moon Studios uh, had treated people on the Xbox team. Um, bullying was a word that was used. Unprofessional, another word that was used. Um, just, it sounds like there was, there's certain people at Moon Studios have a really, really big ego and think they can just treat people really badly. Um, but the, the article in Gamesbeat, which, you know, if you guys are interested, you should definitely read. Um, it, had, it went into a lot more detail and it corroborated it corroborated the impressions that I got um, which I didn't report upon because you know I only had one side of the conversation I only had one side and I only had a couple of sources on it um, you know and there's always two sides to a story and also I grew up on the BBC and I don't feel comfortable presenting one side of the story which is which I feel like is a very American style of, of media delivery and in the BBC they always present both two sides of a story you know uh, by law and I think I think there's, there's something about that that's sort of ingrained in me um, but I don't know but I didn't I didn't I didn't put a report out there because you know I, I only have one side of the story and the, the side of the story that I had is 
the side of the story that was presented um, via way more sources than I had in Dean in Dean's reporting on um, on the Gamespeak. So that corroborated everything that I'd heard with way more way more sourcing than you know I had. And then I put out the tweet to elaborate upon it because you know I had people were DMing me and they were like is this what you were talking about on Xbox 2 when you said they wouldn't work together? So I thought, well, I've probably got to put out a tweet about this because people are going to ask me about it. And I put out a tweet, and then some of the some of the ex-developers of Moon Studios um, or contractors and people who'd worked with, the, worked with the company, they reached out to me on Twitter, and they, you know, they offered, like, you know, more detail, presumably similar things they told Dean for his report. And um, a lot of the questions that I had uh, were corroborated again, you know, um, from what I'd heard a few months ago that there isn't, there was like nastiness and unprofessionalism and stuff like that. But at the same time, a couple of them had said that there'd been an effort to to improve and be better and that things had gotten better there in recent months um, after or in the Will of the Wisps and some lessons had been learned. So hopefully, you know, Moon, the the people who work with Moon Studios and the people who were putting out some of this negative energy into the into the game dev community, because it's a small community. If you treat people like shit in the game dev community, everyone's going to know about it eventually. You know, you, you can't you can't keep that stuff on the down low because people talk, and if you treat people badly, they'll they'll you know. They'll rally around each other because there's a lot of they support each other. You know, one of the things I was told was that "Or in the Will of the Wisps" was made in spite of Moon Studios, as if to say like the 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 developers were supporting each other to get through the ordeal, in spite of leadership that was treating them badly. That's <laughs> literally what I was told. So. Um, I, I was told it was yeah, a miracle. I I was told by someone on the game that it was a miracle that game even shipped. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a shame, you know. It's 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 a shame, but I think like you know, I don't. I wanna I wanna hope that they can turn the corner and use it as a learning experience and don't get all resentful that it came out, you know. And double down and think like, well, everyone's everyone's against us now, blah 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 blah. Because they ultimately put out two really amazing games, and you know, for whoever whoever has been hurt by this studio and stuff, it really sucks. And I hope the people that have been hurt by the studio, and I know a few people that have been really hurt by some of the comments that were made by certain people high up at Moon Studios. Um, I hope they get apologies out of it, you know, at, at, at the very least, you know. Um, the word abuse was never used to me, but it was just, it was just like, there's a lot of, I don't know, just mean-spirited stuff and nastiness. So, because Moon is like a remote studio, completely remote, Things can also be lost in translation, maybe, and it's sometimes hard to communicate in text what you want to say, but 
some of the stuff like that that chat logs in in Dean's article on Gamesbeat, and some of the stuff was just like kind of you know not something you can easily forgive. So I don't know. Hopefully it'll just sort of be a you know a learning experience for them, and hopefully everyone who was wrong gets some reprieve from this. I don't know, but yeah, and then I think Jeff kind of sucks. Jeff reported on Grub Snacks that I think it was Grub Snacks that um. Microsoft knew of the culture, obviously, and that was the reason why they didn't uh, bother partnering with them for their next game that they're working on with Private Division. So yeah, that's that's basically what I heard. I was told that Microsoft just didn't want to work with them again because of the way some of their staff have been treated, and um, it's just it's just a bad situation, you know. But yep. <clears throat> but it definitely it's not like it definitely seems like if you're running a company that has these sort of problems eventually it's going to be exposed. Yeah, so I mean it just keeps happening. Like I don't I don't know I don't know why these dudes think they can get away with this or think that it's okay to treat people badly for the sake of a creative process or think they're above above it cuz like I don't know they're an artiste or something. You still gotta treat people with respect, you know, no matter what, no matter what you're doing. And if you don't, especially in a, a small community like high-end game development, people are gonna know. They're gonna know, and they're gonna they're gonna speak to people like Jason Schreer and you know Gamesbeat and Dean, and you know, and it's it's gonna get it's gonna end up getting out there because if you if you treat people badly, people talk and they're like. Don't work for this studio because you know this is what happened to me. You know, and it's not—it's not good for business. You know, even like disregarding the human element of it. Obviously, it's not good morally, but it's not even good for business. So I don't know. But you know, in full transparency, I was told that things had improved. Um, maybe they'd improved in view of the fact that maybe there was some prior knowledge of this coming out. Or maybe like I don't know, but what, for whatever reason, I was told things had improved and that there was there was an effort being made to, to improve things. So hopefully it doesn't affect our next game because you know the uh, Moon Studios did create two really amazing games and um, hopefully they'll go on to make a third amazing game. But indeed, but yeah, that's the that's the full story about why. We always said on the show Microsoft wouldn't be working with them again because they burned their bridge. They burned their bridge. Yep. Yes, they did. Uh, Shocklin, kind of off topic here. Uh, it says, Jez, what is your favorite American food? And Rand, what is your favorite hot dog style? Um, I like my hot dogs <laughs> plain with just maybe like onions and ketchup, but mostly just ketchup. I, I don't really like relish or mustard and that stuff, so. I don't know. In, in which, so what's your favorite American food, Jez? Man, that's hard. I mean, it is McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, sure, you, say, you can say a McDonald's, you know? Yeah, hey, McDonald's, McDonald's then. To be honest, I haven't... I, tell you, I don't know if this is, like, technically American food, but one of the things that I really like about American restaurants is that they always have really unique, decadent takes on existing paradigms. And I don't know if, I don't know if, I think I mentioned this before on a, on a podcast, but the first time I was in America, I was in Atlanta, Georgia. Or was it Georgia, Atlanta? 
No, it's Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, right? Georgia. Yeah. I was in Atlanta. Yeah, I was, I was Atlanta. in Georgia, Atlanta. <laughs> Atlanta is not a state, right? It's a city, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know American geography, but I was in Atlanta, and I, I was at this work conference. It was the first time I was in America, and I had, um, what, what was it? I had, a, I had a mac and cheese chicken egg sandwich with bacon, and it, it was mac and cheese as a, a sandwich filling on mm. toasted bread. And I was like, with chicken and bacon. And I was like, I saw this on the menu, and I was, it was like it was like $25. And I was like, I've got to have this, this mac and cheese sandwich. And it was just incredible. And I was just like, America is the greatest country on earth. <laughs> <laughs> because of the sandwich. That sandwich just wouldn't exist in England. Like, no one would think to put mac and cheese on a sandwich. But America did, because America thinks outside the box, baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hereditary Bang says, what do you guys think of Ghostwire Tokyo? I thought the graphics were beautiful, but the combat was mundane. Um, I think it looks all right. I, I might play it when it comes out. Um, I had to play Deathloop immediately, because I'm such a fan of Arcane. I didn't want to wait until a year later when it comes to Xbox. But we'll see about Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, Jazz, do you have any thoughts on uh, Ghostwire Tokyo? Can't talk about it. Uh-oh, looks like somebody's playing Ghostwire Tokyo. So, yeah. In- Installation 7 says, if Xbox acquired Crystal Dynamics and Tomb Raider, I would be content, even if it stayed multiplat. I just want to keep playing Tomb Raider on Xbox. Yeah, I love, I, I love Tomb Raider, so I would, uh, I definitely would like another Me- one. I know, you don't like it, but Me- whatever. Who cares what you want? Who cares Me- what you want? Uh, Me- Meat Puppet says, Microsoft has bought all these studios lately. Any chance we'll see Scalebound revisited? Just wondering. It always happens. Every episode, <laughs> every episode, somebody brings up Scalebound. Um, Never going away, bro. I know, never will. And, and of course, probably just to spite me, Microsoft will acquire Platinum and then be like, work on Scalebound. Although, would you acquire Platinum if they just put out Babylon's Fall? Like, if you, would you no. acquire them after they just put out <laughs> a game like that and be like, yeah, let's, let's, that's the next team we want to hire is the team that just yeah. put out, you know, a, a complete bomb that nobody's going to even mention, you know, a year from now or whatever, right? But thank you Man, for bringing up Scalebound. a tweet. Yeah, did you see the tweet Babylon's Fall put out? No, what was it? Oh my god, it was like it was so, it was so such a blunt admission of failure. They were like, the the tweet had a picture and it read something like, "Does this mean the live service will be cancelled?" Just like in reference to the negativity in the reviews, you know. And they're just like, "No, we've got plans to fix the game." You know, kind of thing. <laughs> nobody's going to play that game. I'm yeah. sorry, like. That's the problem with all these games wanting to be live services. Is like there's only a certain set of there's only so many people that play the game. A lot of people already have the games they play. There's just the audience isn't it just isn't there. Like not every game needs to be a live service. Um, Elden Ring. Since we talked about it earlier, I gotta bring it up because we didn't mention this. Uh, They announced the sales for the game, and whoo, damn, twelve million. Uh, sales in essentially what was it a couple weeks three weeks two weeks whatever it is 
Um, Pretty damn good, right? Yeah, and uh, I wonder, you know, what is going to be the takeaways from other publishers? Because you damn well know everybody's looking and being like, we want those type of sales. Um, what's going to be the takeaway of Elden Ring? Because Elden Ring initially, I think Bandai Namco's expectations were maybe five million or something. Uh, and it doubled it, more than doubled it, and now it's 12. So why did, uh, what, was it the reviews? Did the reviews come out and really change people's, the reviews matter that much? I guess that's the question I'm going to pose to you. I know you guys wrote this article. Uh, me, Puppa says, my bad. I know you get asked that much. I work 70 hours a week in semi. Uh, no, it's just, it's okay, dude. It's, it's just, it's just a joke around here about Scalebound. We appreciate your support. I personally don't think Scalebound's ever going to come back, at least by Microsoft's hand. They could give it the Platinum, but uh, that's the only way it would come back. Um, but, yeah, uh, it is kind of just a running joke because it, cause someone always brings it up during one of these episodes about it. But um, So what made Elden Ring stand out more than Dark Souls or Sekiro? Sekiro is a new IP, and it sold well, but obviously not on this level. So I guess, I don't know, do reviews matter that much? Was it because suddenly, here's a game that's a 97 on Metacritic, one of the highest rated games ever, did that really have a big factor into it? Because, let's be honest with everybody, Elden Ring is just Dark Souls open world. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Like, so Je- what do you think? Cause I, I don't know if it was you that wrote the article about like what AAA publishers yeah, yeah. can learn from the success of Elden Ring. There's a part of me that thinks that maybe reviews mattered significantly more than they normally do. Like people were like, Oh, we got a 97. I need to buy this now when maybe they wouldn't have. What's your take on it? It's hard to say. I mean, they marketed the hell out of the game. It had a very big marketing budget. And I think, like, like I think, honestly, marketing played a probably bigger hand because you have to look at Cyberpunk, for example. There was a huge amount of negativity over Cyberpunk right out of launch, and that sold about the same. You know, people, people don't... People don't want to believe that Cyberpunk sold really well, but it did. It sold, it sold millions of copies, and... Um, Similar similar amount. I think it's like I think it's what was the last. I think they sold like I think they sold thirteen million like two weeks or something like that. Yeah, so Cyberpunk was really massive too, and that had a huge marketing budget as well. Bandai Namco is just pretty damn good at marketing. You know, they just they just are. You know, they they also they publish. I I don't think they publish Cyberpunk in America, but they do in Europe. Um, Bandai Namco published uh, Cyberpunk in Europe if I remember right, anyway. I published The Witcher, anyway. But, um, you know, so uh, they're just damn good at marketing, and I think that probably had a bigger impact than um, than the reviews, personally. But also, like, it just looks really good, and I think, like, people understand what kind of game it is because it's open world and all that kind of stuff. I think, like, people, people like, people like open world, but there's just so many bad games that are open world, um, and they're all made by Ubisoft. <laughs> and people really wanted something that was sort of like Skyrim-y, almost, maybe. 
And I think this is the closest thing to Skyrim we've had since Skyrim itself. Um, in terms of, like, the things you can do and the experiences you can have and all that kind of stuff. So I think the reviews helped. I think the, the marketing helped. It's just a really great combination of everything. But what a AAA dev is going to take away from this is, is a really interesting topic because the, whenever these kind of games launch, it changes the industry. Um, Skyrim changed the industry. Uh, Red Dead changed the industry. You know, so the, these these like mega blockbusters they do impact um, other studios and they do inspire copycats. Like uh, Assassin's Creed, for example, Ubisoft has no creativity. They don't have a single creative bone in the whole company, and um, they they are aggressive at ripping off. Other, other games, and uh, when uh, when they were they went back to they famously went back to the drawing board with Assassin's Creed after Assassin's Creed Syndicate, and they were like, what what can we do to revitalize this dying franchise that we have no idea what to do with? And um, they ripped off The Witcher. You know, Assassin's Creed Origins is Assassin's Creed The Witcher, basically. Um, they missed all the important aspects of The Witcher, which was having like an interesting world with, uh, you know, good characters and, you know, magic and play styles you customize and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, they missed all the important stuff, but, yeah, they it sold well, and it was a decent game. It wasn't a bad game, but it, it's, it's just you, you can sort of feel The Witcher all over that. So... I would imagine that we're probably going to see an Assassin's Creed Souls-like at some point, where Ubisoft's like, oh, okay, what we need is a mechanic where you lose all your stuff when you die. We're going to make it super difficult because that's clearly what made Elden Ring popular. And, uh, you know, we're going to make everyone a glass cannon so you get killed in two hits. And and they're just going to miss, they're, they're going to miss all the points about it. But, I don't know. It's uh, it's It's going to be fun to watch. I think it's going to be fun no, to watch. It'll definitely like studios yeah. trip over themselves to rip this game off. Qtang Clan says, uh, or not, not Qtang Clan. No, he did say it. Here comes Jez with his Ubisoft haterade. I thought so too. As soon as he said it. It's like, oh, he's talking about <laughs> Ubisoft again. Here comes his haterade. No, it's definitely going to be see, uh, interesting to see what other developers take away from the massive popularity of this game. And why it sold way more than people, when even Bandai Namco originally thought. Cause 12 million in a couple of weeks, it's like, that's reserved for the mega blockbusters. And, you know, Dark Souls, as popular as it is, is a niche, a niche franchise, right? And for whatever reason, this one just kind of blew out. And does, does that mean, like, From Software was so anti mainstream that it came back around and now they're mainstream? Kind of? Uh, it almost seems like it. Um, yeah, I'm interested in seeing in a couple of years from now what sort of copycats we get and what sort of the AAA studios learn from it and what they think was the reasons why it was as successful as it was. Um, Space Dovacan says AC Black Flag was really good and original. Um, Assassin's Creed 2 yeah. is great game. Black Flag, great. Black Flag is a fantastic but I think people. Black Flag was the last one that I really enjoyed because it had something new. The the ship the ship combat stuff in Black well, Flag was incredible. 
Well, I think the reason Assassin's Creed went down the drain was, you know, they were doing them yearly, right? And Assassin's Creed 1 was a really interesting concept, but I don't think it was done well. Assassin's Creed 2, I thought, was amazing. Um, And then eventually you came to Unity, which was, I believe, around the launch of the Xbox One and the PS4, and it was just a disaster. It was so much a disaster that, like, it affected the next game. And that's one of the reasons why Syndicate didn't sell. But you can't just, like, Assassin's Creed was a big part of Ubisoft's yearly revenue, so they, like, you can't abandon the franchise, so you got to come, you got to go to the drawing board. And they went to the drawing board and come up with Origins, which was kind of a mix of Witcher, you know, uh, which had come out in 2015, and a lot of developers copied, and sort of like Dark Souls, and it became bigger than ever. I mean, they just said, I know you say Ubisoft, like, you know, no creative bones and you're, you're hatering on them, but, I mean, like, people love the <laughs> Holodges. Uh they, they say it's, like, the, the biggest and best-selling Assassin's Creed of all time, essentially. Um, so yeah, yeah. people I mean, still love that franchise. So Why is it Why is it so popular? I, I'm just, just this. People like that idea of just being an assassin, I guess. I mean... I don't know. But you're not an assassin in it. You're a bloody Viking. No, people like being a Viking too. Right? It's Skyrim. I like it because it's Skyrim. Okay, fair enough. But people like, people really like Assassin's Creed. Anyways, Hereditary Bane says, Random Jazz, if you could work for any Xbox studio and will include Activision 2 as devs, which studios and why? Oh my god, I would take over Blizzard's right into Oh yeah, I knew you'd go work for Blizzard. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. I'd be, like, fixing well, making it great again. I'd fix every single problem with it. I'd make it the best game ever made. Blizzard, just hire me. I'll do it for free. I will mm-hmm. I will fix well for you for free. You don't have to pay me a damn dime. I'll do it for free. <laughs> I don't know. Who, who would I want? I don't know. That who would I work for? I mean, my love of Halo would say I want to, would want to work for 343. Could, could, I, could, I, could it be, like, imagine being the person that, saved, you know, or helped Halo, you know, regain its glory. Like, that'd be amazing. But I don't know if I'd want to work on that. Uh, I'd maybe go work at the Coalition so I can kind of push them never to work on Gears again just to get back at Jez, you know? <laughs> kind of whisper, in the, you know, guys, we really want to work on Gears. Like, how about we do something different just to have Jez cry, um, you know, because there'd be no more Gears games. Um wow. I don't know. Who would I want to work for? That's an interesting question. I mean, I really like Arcane. I don't know. Maybe them. Maybe Id. You know, maybe, Id might be nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so we got the Halo TV show coming out next week. The reviews have kind of been, uh, some have been positive, some have been negative. Um, but uh, Xbox Game Pass is going to be offering uh, users, subscribers of Game Pass, uh, basically uh, one month of Paramount Plus. So you can check out the Halo TV show when it comes out next uh, next week. I would recommend, if that's the case, if you don't have Paramount Plus, wait uh, until, like, the show's finished and then get the month of Paramount Plus and then just watch all the episodes and then cancel so you don't have to pay for it. That, that'd be the way oh, I would go. Because we don't have Paramount Plus in Europe, so mm. pirate that shit. 
Man, I have like when when a company like a big as big as Microsoft doesn't release stuff simultaneously in Europe, I'm I suddenly become a massive fan of piracy. Strangely, somehow, magically, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah, you but you don't you don't care about Halo, so why would you pirate it? You don't even care about it. Yeah, you're right. I'm not gonna pirate it because I don't. I you know don't. what we should do is we I should get you to like we get you to watch it so we can talk about each episode on the show. What you loved about the oh, new Halo TV no. show? Yeah. Um. I'm, Gran Turismo. I feel like we need to talk about this. Did you Did you it hear? Was a topic. It was a topic. Did you Did you see what went down with Gran Turismo Seven? I saw some. Uh, can you give us full-blown details? Because, you know, I don't really follow PlayStation so much. Um, so Gran Turismo 7 came out, got pretty good reviews, 88. Um, then the microtransactions went live. A lot of people complained about it. Like, you know, with, with Forza Horizon 5, you can't buy cars for real money. They do sell car packs where, like, for 8 bucks you can get, like, 5 cars or whatever. But in Gran Turismo 7... You can buy individual cars uh, for, you know, set amount of money. And, like, the really expensive, really rare cars are, like, super expensive, like, up to, like, 40 bucks. And, you know, none of the reviews really talked about it, whatever. Um, people were upset, as they usually are when microtransactions are involved. Like, you want me to spend $40 on this car? Like, that's absurd. Uh, and whatever. So... A couple days ago, uh, they were going to put out a patch, which dramatically reduced the payouts for some of the events, because some people were using the same races over and over again to grind for credits to be able to afford some of the cars. And, well, you know, in a game that's selling microtransactions, we can't, we can't have that, Jess. We can't have people easily getting credits, of, you know, at a, at, a, at a high enough clip, especially when we're selling, you know, microtransactions. So they reduced a lot of the payouts in some of the races, and when the patch, I think when the patch came out, they took the game down, and, well, the game was down for over 30 hours, and people were clowning um, PlayStation because of it, because people were even dragging up the tweet about how, uh, from 10 years ago, how Sony said that a PS4 disc-based game would never have to... Uh, Connect to be online oh, only, yeah. and while well, Gran Turismo 7 is a PS4 disc-based game, even though it's also on PlayStation 5, so people were clowning, uh, clowning it for that. But it really comes back to the microtransaction discussion, uh, the idea of a full-priced $70 retail game, because this was the sort of things PlayStation fans would said were going to be in Xbox games and Game Pass, that Game Pass is going to be filled with low-quality microtransaction life service garbage, right? But Forza Horizon, ever since Forza Horizon 7, if you recall, when they had loot boxes in Forza Motorsport 7, but not for real money, just for credits you earned in-game, and for, if you recall, so many outlets were, what's the right word I'm looking for here, um, they went on this crusade against Forza Motorsport 7. Do you remember this? How insulted they were? Uh, yeah, I did, yeah. Right? But, they, but Forza Motorsport 7 never sold anything for real money. They didn't sell cars for money. It was just loot boxes. 
But ever since then, if you remember, because they, they, had, they had loot boxes in Gears 4. Microsoft, you know, Halo 5 had their requisition system. And for most of their games, Microsoft had loot boxes when that was sort of the in vogue thing to do, right? But after the Forza Motorsport 7 thing, they kind of backed away from it. And uh, Forza, you know, Horizon series is basically, you know, it's like here, here's the premium packs, you know, $7 for five cars or whatever amount it costs, and we got some expansions. Um, so it's it's interesting to me that the uh, the future that a lot of PlayStation fans worried about would be in Xbox games because of the Game Pass thing and the free actually ended up in a full-priced retail game uh, that has no reason to be online only. It's a you know, single-player game. Right, you know, even though there's, you know, there's multiplayer, but like the single player portion, like why does that have to be online only? Like, I understand something like Destiny or stuff like that, but like, what's the what's the reasoning behind Gran Turismo Seven being it has to be connected online all the time? So you know, in this premium price seventy dollar product, you have some of these outrageous uh, uh, DLC, which is Quite interesting. And I did I call Grand Heroes of Seven low standard? I didn't say it was low standard, did I? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I didn't. I haven't played Grand Heroes of Seven, so I don't really have an opinion on it. I don't care. Anybody that listens to this channel knows that I don't care for simulation racers. I like arcade racers. Um... I just I think the whole situation is just funny with online only stuff and microtransactions and all that stuff. Like I, I think the idea I, I think the idea of paying forty dollars for a digital car is ridiculous to me. And Kaz came out with like a letter talking about it and he basically said like he he thought that he wanted some of these prices on these cars to better reflect the like value and rarity that they have in real life. Like, but bro, uh, yeah, but bro, it's not real life. It's a video game. Like, there is no such. As much as the NFT bros and the crypto bros want to tell you that you know, uh, digital scarce. There's no such thing as digital scarcity. Like, it doesn't matter that some car that's worth ten million dollars in real life. Uh, you know, that car should be $100 in Gran Turismo 7 or whatever. Like, that's some of the most absurd thinking I've ever seen. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I find that whole situation to just be funny. So I wanted to talk about it because it just kind of it blew up a lot of people's agendas, I guess, and their talking points about Gran Turismo 7. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think, Jazz? You probably don't even care. No, actually, there, there has been lately another, a renewed push to um, incorporate microtransactions. Uh, people were talking about um, Chocobo Grand Prix, I think it's called. Square Enix, good old Square Enix, our favorite AAA publisher, released uh, a racing game uh, targeted at kids. Um, that is absolutely rammed with obnoxious microtransactions, and um, probably even worse than uh, Gran Turismo as well. Um, <clears throat> and uh, but they're getting away with it 
because no one's paying attention to the game because it's aimed at kids, you know. So, um, I think there's a there's maybe a school of thought that games like FIFA and Forza and racing games and stuff like that, people will put up with microtransactions to a higher degree than they would with a regular action game. Um, whether that's the case or not, I don't know. But then, you know, you look at things like Flight Simulator. Flight Simulator has a lot of similar, quite expensive expansion packs too, where you can buy, like, airports and shit like that, if I remember right, or planes. I don't know. I might be wrong about that, actually. But um, but it does seem like these mechanics seem to make their way into racing games and sports games more often I expect the new WWE game will have similar kind of stuff in it, and obviously NBA has that kind of stuff in it. So, <clears throat> here's what it is: it sucks. And it's on us as content creators and the gaming community and you guys to push back on it ultimately, because if we don't push back on it, then they'll keep doing it. Um, unfortunately. Yeah. No. I mean, I just particularly don't. I mean. For the most part, I don't really have big issues with microtransactions. Um, like in Halo, it doesn't bother me that they're selling all that stupid stuff because I'm not going to buy it because I don't care about cosmetics, right? And I'm certainly not going to buy a car in Forza Horizon 5 if they were selling them individually because it's not worth it to me. Why would I spend $20 on some car in a digital game? Like, why would I spend $10 for some stupid cat ears in Halo? But I know I'm probably, like, not the target audience for that, and a lot of people do care about cosmetics, and a lot of people do care about that stuff, and uh, I probably need to be more, uh, I don't know, I need to think more beyond my own personal preferences, which is why I don't spend money on microtransactions most of the time, because I think most of them aren't, they aren't worthwhile. Like, if you were going to sell me, like, XP boosters that make me getting XP faster and easier, I would actually consider that more than I would consider oh, look at that cool sword that does nothing different than the sword I currently have, but just has uh, you know, red emblazoned on the hilt and a, and a black blade, right? Some people get off on that shit. Some people are like, I need that. Look at that cool looking sword. Look at that cool looking armor. I need to have, how much is that? 20 bucks? Oh, let me log into Fortnite. Like, I want to be Spider-Man. I'll spend 20 dollars. Like, there's no world I would spend any of my money on any of that garbage. Because I think of it, I didn't think it was garbage. Why would I want any of that stuff? But if you were selling things to make games, I don't know, uh, some part of the games like a little bit easier, I actually have thought about buying those XP boosters in games because that actually directly impacts what I'm playing. Like, cosmetics don't. But normally, most of the time, I don't buy any of that stuff anyways because... I'm Randall cheap when it comes to uh, microtransactions. Yeah, I buy tons of games, you know, $60, $70, normally because I game share with somebody. So for me, it's like I buy this game and then you buy that game. So essentially every game is 30 30 bucks or whatever, $35, because that seems to be the new price. I don't know if you saw, but Hogwarts Legacy listed as Amazon for next gen is $70, Jez. So we got Warner Brothers. Gearing up to move to the $7 price point of Next Generation, of course, you know. Um, we all knew that was going to happen as soon as Sony decided that $70 was going to be the standard for their games. 
uh, basically validating Activision and 2K and everybody. It's only a matter of time before everybody's games are $70, especially when it doesn't really seem like there's any drop-off. But I don't know about like, microtransactions. They they make so much money. We saw how Activision posted like what 5.3 billion dollars or whatever it was for microtransactions in their games in the past like fiscal year. People care about cosmetics. I mean, I don't, but I guess I I'm really in the minority. I don't care. And I I, I guess you can make the argument that the companies are exploiting. Uh, people's desire to look different in their games. And people like me will say, well, that's fine because it doesn't affect gameplay. But maybe it does really matter. Maybe I should push back on it more. You know, and I am grateful that Xbox has moved away from, in some of their games at least, like Forza's moved away from selling individual cars. And it's just like, hey, here's a pack, $8 for five cars. If you don't want it, you don't need it because we have all these other cars. You know, um, but yeah, the microtransaction thing is just something that sticks in. Just some people just really hate them. Some people like me, uh, it doesn't bother them because I'll never buy them. And some people love them. I, it's just. Well, where do you sit on that? Are you somebody who buys? Like, were you buying gears, cosmetics? No, you probably weren't even. You no. probably don't even play that stuff. So, dude, I like. I'll buy cosmetics if they're, they're cool, but the problem with Gears cosmetics is that, and like Call of Duty cosmetics, they're often just a texture, you know. I don't want to, I don't care about making, giving my gun like some stripes or whatever. But Monster Hunter had some really great cosmetics and like, you know, stuff that could make your character look better and stuff like that. World of Warcraft has some pretty cool looking mounts in their cosmetic store, like, horses you ride on and stuff but you know if there's some effort put into them and I think they're valuable cosmetics yeah I'll buy them sometimes I bought loot crates in Overwatch as well when was when there was skins that I really wanted 